Welcome to the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. Man, Whitney, what do you think of the beautiful weather we're having here in Louisville now? Mm-hmm. It's daylight. It's daylight. I know it seems kind of rough, doesn't it? Because we never stop. Uh, where where am I at? Is you, the question that I are got. in the luxurious Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball uh, Podcast Studio. Uh, dude, it feels like we haven't recorded in forever. Like weeks, man. Weeks, and I'm I'm going to tell you, Brent. I don't even know how I got here. I think I just. Muscle memory just drove. Did you beam? You didn't beam in because we don't don't have that technology yet. No, we don't have that technology yet. Darn it. Yeah, I know. As disappointing as it is, but yes, Brent, we are sitting down here in your... Enclosed in dark basement, uh, while it's really nice and light nice outside. On a beautiful so, spring yes. day. Yeah, we are working on uh, Brent. Uh, what people in our profession would know is their uh, IT tan is what yes. we're doing. So, <laughs> yeah, we are we are surrounded. We are in a sort of a darkened. <laughs> You know, unnaturally lit space. Oh yeah, and, uh, and surrounded and our, and our by bodies. Dis- our bodies reflect that. As surrounded well, so. by displays. Yes, yes. E- every bit of it. So Brent, it's uh, the middle of April. Uh, I'm going to assume that because we're sitting here, we made it through tax time. So that's I behind did. us. Yes, I did. I did as well. I, not without the not without the chunk of flesh though. But nonetheless, uh, the middle of April, and we're here for episode 54. Uh, back in the saddle after the Louisville Arcade Expo. The last two shows, for those keeping track at home, was our Friday and Saturday night live stream from the Louisville Arcade Expo this yes, year. So yes. all the guests, we had tons of people stop by. We had games. We had smoothies. <laughs> I mean, smoothies. <laughs> we had it all. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. Let's recap uh, real quick while we're talking about it, the yeah. Louisville Arcade Expo. It was, you know, March the 3rd through the 5th. So, uh, I don't know, Whitney, what about a a month ago with this month uh, and a half ago six, at this point? six weeks dude it, it seems like it was just yesterday yes yeah, six weeks and you're right it does seem like yeah. it was just yesterday uh, i just actually just kind of got my game room put back together from you know taking some pieces out and getting things organized to go to the show and it seems like just yesterday i had all the podcast gear actually put back away because we took the full spread yes we yep. had we had actually more set up there than we set up to record the show because we did a four mic setup yes and streaming pcs and everything that goes with it yeah i mean it was i would say it's pretty much our our standard fare for wherever we wherever we tend to set up at i mean we always take more than what we need no doubt but uh, it always works though i mean it's good to have that many mics because uh yeah as we're doing the streaming shows man we find enough people to sit at the table and uh, and just have a good uh, a good hearty discussion dude speaking of people sitting at the table yes let's yes. run through the guests that we had friday and saturday at least i don't think i've got all the guests captured because we had so many yeah uh we had adam and jp from a uh, podcast role that is correct yes and they, they were they were really really good guests and it was fun because we got to play a a really cool version of uh what was it, adam's ghost yes so that that was that was fun <laughs> I, I really like that doing that in person that was neat and, and they mentioned that on their show actually so you know hey guys i yeah. appreciate Th- it thank, thank you, you so thank very you. much yes yes and I, I appreciate guys uh you all uh doing the rundown of a uh, quantum leap brendan and i were talking about that before we started recording. oh yes yeah. yes that's 
it's been awesome. Another thing to add to my list. Yeah, yeah they just yeah. recently covered Quantum yeah. Leap yeah. on one of their Fo- episodes. Oh, show. Yep. We had the Griffin Aerotech folks, Chris Cruz and Phil Golbilish. 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 Yes. Golbilish. There is. You have to say. You have to say it like it's spelled. There I go with names again. Exactly. Yes. I think we got that one good. They sat down, talked about Sky Cursor, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later because they've actually had an announcement. So we'll discuss that a little later in the show. Yes. 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 A lot of fans of the show. The O'Shea's were there. Sean O'Shea spent quite a bit of time behind the mic with us. Yeah, his wife Sharon was there as well. So they were they were there and, and working themselves about. And they brought us banners, Brent. And I was I was so pleased with that. Uh, we had like the the smoothie like the Smoothie King banner and everything like that. It was <laughs> it was neat, man. I, I'll have to grab you know, a picture. Do you know of I have some of their artwork here in the game room? I, there's not a lot that I have hanging up, and that's one of the things I've considered is how I can start to kind of accessorize the game room a little yeah. bit. Yeah, exactly. But when we were at SFGE last year, which is about to be upon us this year, yes. Uh, when we were there last year, we had uh, the guys at S- SFGE were kind enough to give us a table where we put our banner up and all that kind of fun stuff. And we weren't there. It was you know kind of a display for yeah. our cards and all that. Well, since we were missed, Sharon and Sean made little stick people replicas of us <laughs> yeah, it was and awful. set them on the chairs. Well, they're actually stuck to my change machine back here, Whitney. And the material they use <laughs> fluoresces under the black lights. So oh, that's even that that's even that much better, yeah, it's, man. It's pretty darn yes. cool. They I'll tell you what, they are handy. Uh, and as uh, as my dad would say, they're actually handier in a pocket on a shirt. So, you know, I, I mean, Sean and Sharon, they're they're just the best. I mean, just great, great salt of the earth people, and we love them. So, yeah, they're awesome. Uh, Jim Hale made it in from Colorado and graced us with his presence over the course of the weekend. That he did. You know something? We, quizzed me. Yes, he did. He quizzed you, and I think some people in the chat were really enjoying that and were uh, actually wanting to join in on that. And, and that was fun. That was a trip down, I guess, uh, Nostalgia Lane. And it was really interesting to hear how you answered all of his questions. I think and he I kinda, set me up. He did. I kind of played. <laughs> I mean, to, I played. Did. I played along. Uh, I should have played along in my head, but I was also answering the questions, and people in the chat were answering the questions. But it was interesting hearing how how you answered. Uh, I guess the the A or B type of type of questions that Jim was putting to you. So it was it was all great fun. And you know, Jim came in all the way from Denver, Colorado, yep. to sit. And uh, so, Jim, thank you. And he got his smoothies as well, <laughs> which uh, was very tasty and uh, very I'm, refreshing. I'm still I'm still not forgiving him for setting me up because uh, it, I, I, I looked yeah. at him at one point and I said because he, he was asking me about 80s movies. Yeah, and I said, did you just Google the lowest box office grossing <laughs> movies of the <laughs> he looked at me. He gave me the side he eye. He gave you the no, side no, eye. Yeah. No. Well, you know what? That makes for good content. So, yeah. So, so Jim, we certainly loved having you on the show. And uh, thanks for making the trip as well. Yes. Yeah, if this is your first show, the last two shows that were the live streams from Little Arcade Expo, they're, they're a little different. I mean, we cover and we talk about the expo, but we... You know, we indulge the guests oh, a yeah, little bit. For I think sure. I use the term. Let's put away the fine china. Yes. Or no, no, no. Let's bring out the fine china. Yeah. And uh, okay, and indulge okay, indulge enough. the guests. Indulge and, the guests. Yes. Uh, it worked out really well because yeah. we we. We weren't necessarily on topic, but it was it was on purpose and it was great. It, it was so. great because uh, I mean, let's just call it for what it is. When you're sitting there at the expo and you've got so many people around, nobody wants to talk about Cap and Asano Twenty Easy. No. They, they just don't. Um, and I'll, quite honestly, I don't either. And I think, you, and I, I would say you probably wouldn't want to as well. It's just more fun just to kind of revel in the guest, yeah. you know. 
So we had also had Emma and Logan, which are my niece and nephew. Mm-hmm. We had Gareth, who is your... He is, he is my nephew. Okay. And then, yes. and then Grace wasn't able to make it during the live recordings, right, but... Right. But we had her on uh, post, I guess you could say, and she introed both of the shows. And uh, the, the legend of the smoothie lives on. That's all I know to say. <laughs> so she, she gave us both a hard time over that. So that was pretty funny. But yeah, so we had family, we had family uh, everywhere on the show. It was cool. I have Tony and Corey from uh, Rec Bar here yep. in Louisville. Yep. And I mean, this is a big week for them. This, oh, Clinton Jared as well. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, who yeah. else did we? Yep. Who else did we have? Yep. There you go. I'll, I'll put them on, on yeah, the list. Yeah, put them there. on the list. Yeah. So, um, so I, we talked to Tony and Corey and Clinton Jared, mm-hmm. and we had a little bit of, and this will actually circle back around in the show a little later. We had a little bit of operator talk, and we yeah. talked about uh, what it was like or what it is like to operate arcades in in today's economy and and they have differing business now they're not direct competitors because they're in two different cities but they have differing business models and differing um uh, spaces if Mm -hmm. you will yeah so that was a very interesting conversation. Yeah, and I'll even say different goals for what, oh, for, what yes, yeah. Yeah, for what they're set to achieve with their space. So it was it was interesting. So that that was that was neat. I really enjoyed that. Man, and I, I know I, I bring up Rec Bar quite a bit and you know, Zanzibar is here in town. We talk about them quite a bit. Did you know Zanzibar I, did we mention on a prior show that they just expanded? Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, we, right. we have mentioned so that. So they added a huge stage and yes. they, they're doing live shows almost every night. I mean, yeah. it's becoming a, it was already a really nice venue and it's becoming an even nicer, larger venue. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think they're, I think they're, <laughs> they, they've turned it up oh, several yeah. notches, no well, doubt. This, uh, this month is the one year anniversary for Rec Bar. I can't believe they've been open that long. Wow. They're having a bunch of stuff uh, kind of to celebrate and, you know, that, they just picked up a six-player X-Men that's out on the floor. Wow! And a brand new Metallica and pinball. a brand new Metallica. I want now. That's the one that they picked up at at the Expo. At, at Expo, yeah, yeah, they actually okay, picked gotcha. that up at, at a little arcade Expo. Yeah, gotcha, gotcha. Now Man. I think that isn't that like. Um, I know it's a isn't it a pre, no? It's a premium, isn't it? Metallica premium. No, I think they went with a pro. Oh, did they go with a pro? The, and this is where people that are really in the know are going to start screaming. Metallica. Ha- has been produced across the spectrum in terms of incandescent and yeah, then LED. And then LED. Because yeah. when you looked at the side of the box, I don't think it says Pro. I think it just says Metallica LED. Okay, gotcha. I, I need to I need to look at that because I I could have swore that it had another. Uh, well, there was another term. For now it. there's the premium isn't called premium. I don't believe. I think it's the Road Cake or no Monster Edition. Monster that. Thank you. That's, That's what I was looking edition. for. The Monster yeah. Edition. So so that they didn't get a premium Monster. They no, got they pro. they didn't. They ended oh. up getting a pro. Okay. Well, for for routing, I can understand that. So and yeah. it's still a good game. Oh, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's so highly regarded in the community. Um, I, I just I just really haven't got to play it enough to be quite honest with you. So, but anyway, yeah, it's a beautiful game. Lo- I absolutely love the artwork. I think it's the reason why I, Aerosmith. I'm kind of drawn to Aerosmith, even though I'm not really a fan of the band. I just I love love the artwork that the Dirty Donnie does. It mm-hmm. just it just has it's so unique and it's so organic and it just it just kind of speaks to you. It just kind of talks to you while you're playing. I I love it. Now I haven't looked. I admit I have not looked close at that game. Mm-hmm. There, there was one at Little Arcade Expo mm-hmm. out in the lobby. Yeah, there I was. did kind of stare at the the trunk, the toy trunk 
toy chest, whatever you want to call it, toy. Yeah. And it, it looked really cool. And yeah. I, I, I stuck around long enough to see someone actually get a ball to get tossed in the chest. Just okay. Because I know that was kind of the talk of it being the, yeah. the, the, the main, the central toy. Yeah. But I just, I didn't have, we talked about this, you get to the shows and you spend time it's a social thing to a certain it, it degree. Is. Very much and so. That's kind of where all my time was spent on. Oh yeah, me, me too. Me too. So yeah, I mean, it was it was a great expo. But man, Brent, if I if I am uh, if I'm a looking man and I'm looking down if down I'm the show man. notes, I mean, it looks like quite a bit has transpired. You know, in the time between uh, expo and and now. So I, I think you know we've got you know we've got the Louisville Arcade Expo fairly well wrapped. Mm-hmm. I mean, we said it's episode fifty two and. 53 in the podcast stream you can go back and uh, and find it there or just stream it directly off our website however you want to do it but uh, in, in the time between LAX and now, soon we both got some good rest and was able to kind of catch up. I don't know up. about the rest part. Well, but. fair enough. It, it, at least able to kind of catch up. What's uh, you know what's been going on with you since uh, what the past six weeks? I yeah. Guess. Well, yeah. the key thing has been I've been in a massive cleanup mode. Okay. And it's just a matter of I started looking over some of the things I've had stored in the garages and. Uh, at one point in time, a, a, a local collector and friend mentioned to me that you will, I think I've even said this on the show, you will get to the point where you realize that you don't have the time for the things that you look at and say, oh, well, I can just do this, this, and this, and yeah. knock these three things out, and then I'll have a game and do something. And you start really, yeah. really picking and choosing. And yeah. I've gone yeah. through a couple of those cycles in my career, collecting career already. Okay. And every time you go through one of those cycles, you get deeper in, if you will, if that makes sense. You, you, there's like this strata, uh, stratification yeah. of the projects that you're like, I will never touch that, but I'm still going to get to that. Yeah, and that that slides, that yeah. window slides yeah. as every time you go through this, and yeah, and I'm going through true. it. That's true. That's very true. I, I had, I was sitting on three new old stock video optics cabs. Now the video optics company was a small company here in louisville i never i never knew anything about them it you remember the, the story about the game that i built for my mother yes i do that was built in a in a video optics cab yeah gotcha okay. all i know of them is what you've mentioned here on the show i never knew about them as a standing business at all well the only times i've i've ever seen these cabs is oh. for the ones that i got oh I see. honestly okay and the only reason I know they were video optics and the name of the company was because there was a plate screw to the back of them. It said video optics, Louisville, Kentucky, and had like the cabinet model. Okay. You know, and it was like basic stuff like model 01. Yeah. You know, stuff yeah, like that. Gotcha. They were, I'm going to say early 80s because they had the ones that had lights in them for mm-hmm. like for the marquee area and they were even designed to have like art above the monitor in that in that I don't know what you'd call the area where you look into the cabinet where yeah. the monitor is. Yeah. We well, you know the uh, the universal cabinets. Uh-huh. Like Ladybug and yeah, Mr. And the, Do, all of them, yeah. Where they've got that art that goes inside the cabinet. Like when you look down where the monitor is and if you look up to that back wall uh-huh. where it's all usually painted black, yeah. a lot of those universal cabinets have art back yes, there yes they do well these cabinets were made for art in I that see. same location I and, see. but all the lamps that were in them were incandescent <laughs> okay like an early pack cab yeah, yeah. Or early valley midway cab yeah. or you know sure that a lot of the black and white games so i'm gonna have to guess they were early 80s they weren't allowed around very long okay and 
um, do you know? Do you ever know what happened to the company? I mean, did it they, went into bankruptcy and it went into it was all auctioned off. I see. Yeah. Okay. That's the that's the cabinets that I had. They came from someone that had gotten them from that auction sale. Oh. Okay. And they just these never were used. Okay. Gotcha. So interesting. So I had three of these things still left. I had two full size uprights and a mini. Uh, it, all this stuff, yeah. I started putting it on the on the Facebook groups, and man, that's a great resource for people. Boy, it is. So, have you been able to get rid of of any of they, it? They, pretty much everything is spoken for, but it has yet to be picked up. Okay, gotcha. so that's all working. But okay, those three cabs. I had a two player key games, and key was that offshoot of Atari that uh-huh. wasn't Atari. That's right, but uh, but was still Atari. But was still Atari. Yes, yes. Uh, I had a key games twin racer, which has got like this 23 or 25 inch black and white monitor in it, and it's got two wheels on it, two pole position style wheels on it, and a four-way four position shifter so you got three speeds in reverse and a gas pedal and a brake okay this big monster cab and it's a look down from above racer okay and i can't recall what the atari game was that it was basically a clone of Hmm. and man i wanted that so bad and i really it just is a cool game yeah and I could see having just all kinds of fun with it at parties but the more i looked at it it takes up the space of two standard 19-inch arcade cabinets. Mm. It's that big. I see. And it just came to the point where I can go out there and turn it on. It works. It needs a, It's in dire need of a cap kit. Yeah. One of the wheels wasn't responding, and I reached in there and wiped the opto off, and it, now both of both players play. I mean, it. but it, it had to go. I mean, yeah. it, it's just too much space. Understood. A handful of other cabinets. Um, I got a Capcom bowling and a painted over Galaxian cabinet that's going to go. I'm still digging through stuff. And I also had an Astro Fighter that was given to me by a local collector who who went through the same kind of purge. A ton of new old stock parts for it, new old stock artwork, two board sets, all kinds of stuff. And that one, I'm actually giving that away. That's going to go to uh, one of the collectors up in southern Indiana who wants to take it and do the restoration on it. Hmm. And I, I did okay. that as as a pass it on thing. I okay. said, look, I was given this, and I'm going to give it to you. And if you decide you can't restore it, the deal is the gentleman's handshake. You've got to give it away. But if you work on it, the bet's off. You know, if you put effort into it, other than you, know, you basically you can't flip it, is what okay. I'm saying. Even if it's for fifty bucks, yeah. you know, you can't. So, and I'm sure that that's what's going to happen. It, it, either it'll get worked on or it'll get passed on. So, okay. you know, I just wanted to pass it on. Hey, real quick, mm-hmm. um, and that, I mean, it's very very good of you to do that. But one thing I did want to uh, make note of before we get too far away from it, I just looked up Twin Racer mm-hmm. on the Wikipedia or on, on the Key Games Wikipedia page. It says that it's a 1974 game that is a clone of Atari's Grand Track TRAK20. Okay. Yep. Never, I, I know absolutely nothing about Grand Track 20 or or its predecessor, Grand Track 10. There's uh, the Wikipedia page doesn't uh, doesn't really have any good pictures of um, of Grand Track 20. There is a, a decent picture of Grand Track 10 though, and it does it does look like a pretty fun game. So. Yeah, I, was, I, get, I get it. Wasn't the have you ever seen that eight person 
uh, black and white racer game, and there was like two wheels on each side. On of each the side, yeah, yeah. And it now, was, was it was like a square a f- podium or yes, something. It was yes, like a, it was almost it almost looked like a uh, um, it almost looked like a gazebo mm-hmm. because they oh, made yeah. them with like a with this like t- roof type thing yeah, on yeah. and I, yeah. re- I remember them because they had the dotted track that you would race around on yes and I, yes. I think that was a flavor of one of the grand track series okay, of gotcha. games it, fun, a fun game I mean I, I remember I mean, this playing, thing would be a blast I could yeah. see this would be a blast at a party yes definitely because people just they, they'd just be whipping that wheel around yep. and throwing that gear shift and really getting at it yeah definitely fun no doubt about it definitely fun and, and you hopefully because I, I don't want to necessarily say where these games are going in case yeah. people no, no, don't I, want to tell. Yeah. But hopefully, we will have the opportunity to play that twin racer soon, uh-huh. as well a lot of other people. Oh, well, good. So let's well, just good. leave it at that. And Fair then if enough. I if I get you know kind of the wink and the nod, we'll let people know where it's going. Yeah. So, okay. Awesome. But yeah, of all of them, that's the one I'm definitely going to miss. Yeah, I can understand. I mean, it's it's unique and it's just not. Uh, just not what you would consider obtainable day in and day out. Yeah. So I, I can understand that. So other than that, I have picked up some parts here recently. I've been uh, kind of tinkering with a couple MCR games. Have you ordered anything from Arcade Shop recently? Man, I, you know something? Uh, I did order something from them, but it came off of eBay. It came off their eBay site and not okay. not their not their website. So, I've, so he- I've heard that they've redone their website. They but, have. But I haven't looked at it in a while. And it is a quantum leap. Ha, ha, uh-huh. ha. Yeah. <laughs> see what I did there? <laughs> I see what you did it's there. A, man, it's a quantum leap forward. And oh, it's been a, I, I don't order from them that often, and it's not because I'm avoiding them. It's just that I've got enough back stock on things that yeah, and the stuff they have is awesome stuff, and it tends to be a little bit more on like the restoration side. Like I need this art, or I need this Mm -hmm. particular adapter, and that's the kind of stuff they really specialize in where they shine. Yeah, you used. Did you used to have to just call them? They had everything online. Okay, yep. you're shaking your head. Yes, because I, I mean I've ordered from them several times yeah, in I the have past. Too. And you call uh you call up Stephen or I, I think his wife uh, and mm-hmm. or talk to one of the two of them. I and, could. I was trying to remember if there was even an online option. No, before. no, no, there was not. I mean, you just walk through the the pricing page that they had or the inventory page that they had, and I would just write everything down, you know, like in Notepad or OneNote or whatever, and then just call, call call them up and then just read it out and. Then they would read it back to me, and then give me a total and charge my credit card, and and then uh, a day later I had a tracking number and it showed up. Always packed really well, always very professional, mm-hmm. and very, always above board. Just not their their website was probably the weak link. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have completely redesigned the website. Oh, well, it, good. Not only does it have a modern look, but it also has a modern feel. Yeah, it's just easier to navigate, easier to find things. They have a shopping cart type system. Oh, good. Now. And I don't know if this was something that was unique to my order or just the way it's currently working, but they couldn't give me the final price that had they had to add shipping, and it yeah. was it was reasonable. I mean, yeah. it, it wasn't crazy. Yeah. So I, uh, you know, you kind of go into that not knowing if it's going to turn around, and I'm going to order a couple. In my case, I ordered a couple power supplies and a couple MCR two power supply adapters, and you know, you always got that fear no matter who it is that you're going to come back and they're going to have $50 shipping, yeah. you know, and, and not, not them, yeah. you know, cause we've dealt with them. We know that they're great folks. Yeah. But uh, in that situation after you're committed. Yes. 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 Uh, so what ended up happening was, is maybe 10 minutes later, I got an email 
that had a link, you know, PayPal link, and it had the shipping at it, which was very reasonable. I okay. can't remember what it was because it didn't stand out to me. Oh, you know, well, then it was that's, great. you know something, then that's actually yeah. the best compliment you can give. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. There was no reason for me to remember it because it was fine. Because it was fair. Exactly. Yes. But it was just, it was, it was a breeze. Uh, I picked, like I said, I picked up a couple MCR two power supply adapters, a couple power supplies, and this was another thing I was happy to see. The last time I went looking for the ribbon cables that go between between each of the boards on mcr2 games and for people that don't know that's like i'm looking at my domino man that's one yeah spy hunter tapper uh tron you know that series of games there's little 50 pin single row ribbon cables that go between each of each of the board sets there's five of them total yeah and they are just crap from the factory then again they weren't designed to last 30 35 years yeah so used to be kind of difficult to track those down. I think at one point in time, maybe Mark Spath had done a run. He'd gotten somebody to produce a lot. And, you know, other folks and various vendors over time have done small batches. But Arcade Shop, right there on the site. Not yeah. a problem. Done. Yeah. How many do you want? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So if you're in the market for that, you know, check them out. I've heard some stuff about the the MCR2 power supply adapters and maybe a little hum in the audio. Yeah. From what I understand, it's not consistent. It, it you know some of the cabinets have some different wiring could be the sound setup you have because a lot of those games had kind of differing sound to support you know like tron yes. does sound one way yes spy yeah. hunter does it another way well and here's the thing i'm going to be really interested to hear what you think mm-hmm. about that when it's all said and done because i'm considering uh, switching my Satan's Hollow and my Tron over to one of those. Okay, and, it, and if is it is the supply you have failing or um, no, not specifically. They're they're not, uh, but they're, they haven't been rebuilt either. Okay, they're they're original. Do they sub the battery on them. Um, yes, they do. Actually. That's your well. You yeah. need to get that off yeah. and remote mount it. You're, you're right. I do, and I just need to put some time to it, and I'm questioning whether the, whether the MCR switcher adapter it would be a viable alternative to just to rebuilding the suitcase that's in the bottom of the machine. Well that has nothing to do with the suitcase in the bottom of the machine. The power supply. I mean the suitcase has got two huge caps in it. Yeah. And uh it's almost like an Atari setup. You've got your uh you know your Atari's got your big blue which is your main filter cap. You got your transformer uh, to get all, you know, your to step down your uh, and break out your various AC voltages that other portions of the game need. Yeah, uh, it's isolation transformer. Oh, yeah, is that yeah, all that exactly. Crud. It's got your rectifier. Uh, yeah, and I know I can't get rid of all of right. it. I, I'm just, the, I'm just, the, yeah, I'm just d- trying to determine is it the better, is it a better option for the DC side that is needed for the for the PCB? So that would come down to just preference you okay. know and uh, from what i understand uh, uh you know the the games are almost unique in that this game may exhibit a little bit of an audio wine and this game you know may not may not yeah yeah see and, and that's okay so i, I guess i guess I'll, I'll i guess i'll check with you after you've done one and then determine how you like it and if you would take it forward in any other mcr games well, you've got here's the deal and people that have listened to the show have probably heard me say you know, I prefer the the original design, mm-hmm. yeah. And I would rebuild and go back to the original yeah. layout. And that's kind of how I'm leaning. The the deal here is is I'm I'm 
kind of consulting, if you will. I'm oh. helping out some folks. Oh, so you're okay. And right. okay. And I gave them the option, and I'm like, you know, I can really. In these cases, the battery that was on the power supply yeah. had leaked. Yeah. And the battery is the way the power supplies are oriented in these games. It's to the battery ends up in the upper left hand corner as the power supply is mounted. Mm -hmm. So when the battery leaks, it goes all the way down the side of the board and just takes out all kinds of crud. Yeah. Yeah. And then it gets in the Molex connector or the amp connector at the bottom and then starts getting into the the pins and then coming up into the wiring. Mm. So in this, this case it was, they were so far gone that, you know, personally I've got to draw a line and say, I don't mind helping you, but I could be working on my games. Yeah. Okay. So understood. Understood. If you want me to try to rebuild this and help you out, yeah, there's, there's concessions. Yeah, and it's yeah. the bottom of the it's the bottom of yeah. the bin. Yeah. Understood. Whereas we can go and get you a supply, and here here is what I understand has a possibility of happening. Yeah. And then you you're good to go. And that's the direction that we ended up yeah, going. Fair enough. So. Okay. Well, I, I'm just uh, regardless. I'm curious to hear what you think about it, or uh, to hear, yeah, to hear hear what okay. you think about it because, I mean, well, this I, is new I'm, for me too. Yeah, I've never I mean, used them. I, I'm a bit torn. At, well, and neither have I. And, and I'm a bit torn because. I've, I guess I've always been in, in the in the camp of the Ataris that I've rebuilt, the ARs and things like that. I've always just kind of gone back to the uh, the original OEM power supply. Mm-hmm. You had the Bally Midways as well that mm-hmm. I've redone on on uh, on my Midway cabs. I just rebuild the that power supply, but I've just not touched any of the MCR stuff yet. So anyway, yeah, well, the big thing curious. is is get the battery off of it. Now yeah, you can clip gotcha. the battery because it actually, and I don't know why. Uh, it probably is better because Atari, like with pole position, they put the battery on the board and it destroyed the main board. <laughs> In this case, yeah. the battery keeps uh, does the same thing. It keeps a little memory alive for high score save out on the main board. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So you can clip the battery off and all you lose is your high score safe. Okay. Yeah. All the other settings are dip switch. Yeah. Gotcha. So. Well, and I'm sure that there's, I, I would have to look at the MCRs, but I'm sure that there's a, there's a solution for that. So, oh, it's just a high score safe. Yeah. So. It's just a, um, your run of the mill, what is it, three point whatever volt, yeah, nickel cadmium battery. You yeah. just remote mount it, just like you would a pinball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. gotcha. So you could do that. You could probably use a cell, like a like a cell phone battery, yeah. or mm-hmm. I'm sorry, like a cordless phone battery yeah. or something like oh, here's that. A, so. ooh, here's a tip. Yeah, uh, check your clearance aisle at Walmart because okay. I've noticed that the, my Walmart has been clearancing a lot of the, the cordless phone batteries. Yeah. And they are let, I think it's three points. I'm pulling this from memory here. Uh, check your batteries at home. Yeah. I think they're three, the, the one of the common voltages are three is 3.7 volts. That's, yeah. 3.7. And, and you don't care about the form factor. Yeah. Cause you're, you're going to remote mount it with maybe, you know, some Velcro or something, yeah, something, but they're going, you know, usually those things are like 15, 16, $18 and they're $3, $5. Oh, wow. Know? I did not know that. Yeah, so I, I picked up a couple so that if I have to do this, which I do from time to time, I just go over to the drawer and pull a battery out. Yeah, good, good call. The next time I go to Walmart, I will I will look. So is that like why you check out or what? I mean, no, where, usually, where have you been finding them usually at? there's a 
uh, at least in my Walmart, a battery kiosk. Well, not even that. This these are usually for for your cordless phones. They're hanging back in electronics. Okay. So usually the electronics has an end cap toward the back of the the back of the department. Yeah. Or a small section about the width of an end cap and an aisle somewhere that's all the clearance items. Gotcha. So okay. they're just thrown in there. Okay. Well, that, that's good to know. And you yeah. know something, man. Cordless phones they're going the way, they're going the way of Radio Shack. Unfortunately, the, the only reason I have a, a local excuse me a local crud a landline number uh-huh. is because i get the argument from the, my cable company that if i if i want to get rid of the the three for deal yeah everything else is more expensive yeah otherwise gotcha. i mean i'd have gotten rid of it long ago yeah yeah understood but all right so other than that uh, a couple other things here real quick i've picked up a new to me uh hacko desoldering iron all right. My main desoldering iron is uh, Hacko 472B. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're looking for these, they have various models of the 470 series. And this, these are the tabletop deals. They're not like the 808 handheld. And what's the new model? Do you know off the top of your head? I don't. It's the blue one. Yeah. I, I know. The I know 808 the, has been, the uh, has been surpassed already, but yeah. they're, they're handheld. These are desktop with a wand, if you will, Sort of like a soldering iron, but a little larger because they've got the 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 area and the filters and the like, and uh, they've got some space to catch the the way solder as it's drawn in. So I've got as my main one a four seventy two B, and what I was kind of looking for was like a backup. Yeah, and I also was kind of looking for the pistol grip version of the iron as well, and they're a little pricey if you go to buy them new. My my B model has the pencil version, and okay. it's not really pencil size. I mean, it's lightsaber handle size because, like I said, it's got the heating element in it, and it's got. Uh, all the filters and all that stuff in it that you're holding in your hand. And I was kind of looking for something, the, the pistol side, you just have to see him. It's, yeah. you know, this, I'm yet again doing a poor job of explaining <laughs> something very visual in an audio medium. It's all right. And what I ended up finding was People, I found a, a Google search while we talk. Yeah. So yeah. I found a good deal on a used 472D, which yeah. is like the last run of the 470 series. Because what what model do you have, Whitney? You you ended up getting like um, a Christmas special. I did. I did. Not yes. this year, but last year. It was, it was last. It was. It wasn't Christmas 2016. It was Christmas 2015. Right. And uh, because I let, think the 470. Go, go I think the 470 up. series has been surpassed. In, in terms of new equipment from yeah. Hacko. Yeah. Now, all the parts are still available. All the rebuild parts, all the filters, all the tips, all that. And that may actually still be the same tips and filters they use on the new models. Uh, so that there's no problem there. But what I ended up doing is I found a 472D, which is, like I said, the last run of this 472 series. And it had the, the pistol grip iron that I was looking for. It was 157 bucks, which okay. is cheap for one of these tools. Okay. Plus shipping. So I headed to the door, you know, well under $200. Now, the thing to keep an eye out for if you're looking for a desoldering iron, uh-huh. like a desktop model, is is to make sure you get one with an internal vacuum pump. Oh, yes. Because, you know, you can get them that require what, and I'm making air quotes here that no one can see, shop air. Yeah. And what they basically are expecting is to hook up to compressed air. And I've never seen inside exactly understand how that gets inverted into a vacuum or what they push that by. I'm sure they 
there's some low pressure front weather system uh flying wing aircraft loop to loop jetpack thing in there that does it but if you you can you might see these Four, at least in the hackos and like oh man that's cheap it's a 470 yeah, well yeah i think a 470 needs shop air okay you know oh i see you don't no internal pump it's not standalone yeah and you don't you don't want that no 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 <laughs> you no. don't want that maybe handy industrial uh but uh, otherwise for the hobbyist you don't want that at all so like i said i was looking for a backup i wanted something with a, a different iron and I, I come across this on ebay i've been kind of trolling ebay and uh, uh the price was really really right i've waited until somebody actually put one up as a uh, as a bid instead of a buy it now, yeah, and that way it went for what the market would bear, and the market yeah. bear would bear uh, far under two hundred dollars. Yeah, well, good, good, that's awesome. That leads me into the next thing. I want to mention this to everybody. I placed an order with a company called Hisco, H-I-S-C-O. Never heard of them. I would highly recommend them. Okay. They used to be called HMC Electronics, and I've used them for years for my consumables when it comes to all my soldering irons and soldering equipment. Okay. They sell a lot more than that's not just what they specialize in. I mean, they have a lot of equipment, a lot of industrial equipment. But their pricing is awesome. Their service is awesome. I've just never had problems with them, even when they were HMC. Uh, I can't remember why they changed names or what what happened, uh, but they've been Hisco for years at this point. And I go to them for all my, like I said, all my uh, consumables, all my tips, all my filters. They've got Weller stuff. They're a hacko distributor. It's kind of a one-stop shop for me. Okay. And what I ended up doing after I got that iron is – you can rebuild the pumps. There's like little plastic parts, like little valves and all that. It's it's not it's not even as complicated as it sounds. It's like a little a little circular, probably the size of a fifty a US fifty cent piece. Yeah. And it's it's laser cut, I'm assuming. And it's got like little flat valves for the for the pump mechanism. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I ordered I said, Well, I'm gonna order set. I've never rebuilt the one I had. I'm going to rebuild this one. I ordered, you know, I needed some tips. I said, well, let's order some filters and just went through and put together a, a little order. And there it is. You know, I haven't gotten it yet. That's how new all this is. But yeah, if you're looking for parts or even new equipment, Hisco, I would, I would really recommend checking them out. Okay. All right. Yeah. Like I say, I've never dealt with them uh, before at all. I mean, everything that I've ever ordered for, for my uh, Hacko, Hako, however you want to say that, I got from uh, B&D, which is who I ordered my, my, my desoldering kit from, just as far as tips and rebuild kits and, you know, the pump diaphragms and all that. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. Now, I've never ordered from, from them, but that's where your your iron came from originally, right? That is correct. Yes, that is. Correct. Did you find out what model you picked up? Still, still looking, dude. Still looking. I'll, I've, I'm going to go back and search through email. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. We'll just go out to the the B and D site and see what the current model is. I bet it's the same. Well, I want to look at my um, I want to look at my invoice as as far as what I as far as what I actually paid. So, okay. Well, yeah. I I think I remember what you paid because I want to say that they had. I, I thinking back to the show. I thought that they did something and put out a discount code or something for cloth members. It, 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 it was or? for it was for the pin side folks. Oh, okay, for yeah. the pin side folks. Yeah, it, it was. And, and I, I remember thinking, man, I wish I'd caught up with that. But you know, it is what it is. Other than that, a couple other quick notes. I I, I posted this on our Facebook page. I had a Zevius board I was poking at for somebody, and it had one of the most creative, air quotes, field fixes I'd seen. Zevius is actually it's an Atari game. 
we know it is made by Atari. Yeah. But it was licensed from Namco. Yeah. Oh, I, I found it. Okay. I've got the 472D. Oh, which, so you do have a D. Yes, I do have a D. So that that's that's what oh, it is. I, okay. Well, see, I thought yeah. that I thought that was the last model in a retired line at yeah. this point, but I guess not. Yeah. Well, you, you got to keep in mind. No, and actually, Brent, uh, we said 2015. Um, that was uh, actually 2014. Oh wow! Yeah, so that so it tells may you, very well be. Yeah, exactly, and it, that just goes to tell you because uh, you know, I mean, I've got it set, and very rarely do I really ever look at it. So I'm I'm actually glad that I've re- that we've revisited this just just so that I could take a look at now, it. Now, did but you yeah. get it with a pistol grip or with a pencil? No, I got it with a pistol grip. Yeah, and I, I like it far better because I've used uh, the pencil mm-hmm. before. Not really a huge fan. The gun, the, the pistol grip to me just it feels far more natural for what yes, you're working yeah, for with. what you're doing uh-huh yeah yes yeah, so, yeah but mine is the 472d oh okay so, yeah. well cool then. yeah all right so it's a little newer than i thought it was yeah it, it, but but not much well still <laughs> not, not much I, this, this equipment doesn't change that often. that's true i yes, mean there's that, that's very let's true. just be honest there's not a lot of advancement once you've got the basics down yeah there's not much technology. There's not. It's not a technology moving target, to be quite honest. With I, mean, I, I think the only reason they replaced the handheld, the 808, which was around forever, yeah, was they were at a point with technology where they can make it a little lighter and probably a little cheaper. Yeah. Now the one that we're talking about that replaced the 808 is the FR 300. Okay. That, that's, that's what that is. It's the blue and the yellow uh, gun that has the integrated pump. So that, now you've that's got one of those, right? Not an FR 300. Oh, no. oh you've got an 808. I do like, have I've an, got eight, an 808 as well. I've got an 808 and it's, it stays in my travel kit now. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I've wound up using that uh, far more than I thought I would. In fact, you know what? I've even wound up lending it out a few times. I don't know if I'd do that. Well, That's a brave man. Well, to, to friends. But the great thing about it is I can help them without uh, taking my soldering station apart, which is which is great. Yeah. So, yeah, that any, makes sense. Anyway, it, it, it's worked out. But I caught the 808 uh, on a discount. I bought both of them from, uh, from B&D Enterprises. Okay. And they, they are active on Pinside. And I and I bought both of them when they had when they had this active discount codes running for like holiday or special events or anything like that. Uh, so I didn't pay full price for or I guess quote unquote retail price for either one of them. So so I guess the, they, they get spendy. They do. They get spendy quick. And, and that's why I mentioned that I looked for someone that I mean, because there's the the hacko stuff and pace. That's another that I see quite often that uh, that makes desoldering equipment. Okay, they. They get darn pricey. Yes, they do. They do. And <laughs> and there's always a lot on eBay, and a lot of it's buy it nows. Uh-huh. And when I come across this this one that was open bid, that I, I thought, okay, well, I, I haven't. I can't remember what I put as what I would go max on it mm-hmm. based on what I. I'm sure I, I know I had have gone and looked and, and saw what had sold yeah. to get an idea. And yeah. then I, I'm sure I reined it back from that. Yeah. And do, do you ever use any kind of eBay sniping service? No, I do not. I, we'll have I, I to talk about that. I don't. Um, honestly, it. it fr- I don't do a lot of eBay. It, it frustrates me. The, yeah. the whole sniping scenario just frustrates me. And I, I've been a long, long time eBay user, buyer and seller. Mm-hmm. And you know something? I, I mean, man, dude, I set my price and I kind of walk away from it. If I get it, I get it. If I don't, I don't. And I'll just uh, wait it out. Not to fork too much here, but I guess it's kind of related because there's still some game stuff 
eBay was a real hotbed for arcade parts several years ago. Yeah. And that it has come, it has pulled back because everybody knows they call it fee bay and with all the fees and they, they get you coming and going because of the ties with PayPal and they really have a bend toward uh, siding with the buyer. So if you're a seller, it's kind of easy to take the short end of the, you know. It certainly can be. And they look at your rating, your feedback, and how long you've been on the site and everything like that. I mean, it's it's a stacked system. It, it, it is. It's, yeah. it's difficult. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of that has moved to private forums and now even Facebook, the selling and the buying. But I will still use eBay on occasion and you know my my take on the on the sniping is if it's a 10 day auction i'm not going to start bidding i'm not going to put in my bid on day 1 and go ahead and advance the price i look at it as a way to protect myself by keeping the price down so i'm not poking at it yes, if you right. will that's right that's how i look at yeah. it yeah because you know a real auction it's going to run it's going to run for for 15 seconds and if you're in you're in if you're not you're not this thing's going to run for 10 days you know five days seven days whatever they set it for just wait it out right yeah and i, I don't want to be in front of a do you remember the days when you'd run home? Oh, there's an auction ending. Yeah, I've, I remember those. Yeah, days. I've got I've got to get home. I got to get home. I got to get home, and, and I, I sit there and I slam F five until uh, you know until either I win or I don't. That's exactly right. So yeah, maybe we can talk about that on a later show. But I do use the sniping service for the occasion that you I do. Yeah, I do. Really? Yep. I, I put in what my, what my max is, uh-huh. and then at six seconds from the end of the auction, it just starts it. It starts huh. auto bidding for me, and you've had good results with Very that. Very good results. Okay, all right. Well, yeah, that's that'd be a great topic for another another time. Because I can de- I can truly set it and uh-huh. forget it, and then walk but away I'm, from but it. But I'm not influencing the auction up until the point at which it's almost over. Yeah. Well, and and a lot of times, uh, and this is this is my this is my I guess my dirty laundry here as well. If it's something that I want. Uh, I will tend to make sure that I've got my phone on me because what I'll do is whenever yeah. something's getting ready to it'll getting ding. ready to end, it'll, it'll ding, um, and then I'll put calendar entries in my in my calendar just to remind me, and then the app on on my phone will remind me as well. But then, Brent, I, I mean, I'll watch the item the last you know fifteen twenty seconds, and usually somewhere somewhere around uh, twelve to ten seconds to go, I lay in my max bid, and if I get it, I get it, and if I don't, I don't. I don't, I, you know, I don't sweat it. I'll keep an eye on the item just to yeah. see w- w- how it's trending yeah. and see if I'm in still a player. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, I just set it and forget it. Yeah. All right. Okay. Well, that's, see that's how cool. it goes. Yeah, that's cool. I, I think it's two different methods to to achieve the same thing there. So yeah. So anyway, oh, so back to the Zevius board. Just kind of a fun comment. One of the things I've dealt with, I was taking a peek at the Zevius boards, and it's made by Namco. And all the Namco boards, at least that I know of, have air quotes Namco Customs pole position dig dug Zevius right Galaga. Yep. And it's it's ICs that incorporate. Uh, a series of other ICs, as yeah. I understand it, yeah. they were producing enough where they could they could have their own uh, dies made and their own ICs made. Isn't that amazing? Yes, it's crazy. Think about that. The engineering and the R and D and the research and the tooling and the manufacturing to make it cheap enough to make your own IC Bingo. to replace. Bingo. That's cheaper than using six or seven individual pieces of TTL. Yes, and and from potentially other even other distributors further on down the 
the line. Yep. And if you think about it, I mean, we can almost draw a parallel between the scale, the economies of scale back in the day that probably Williams and, you know, Bally, Namco had at their disposal. I mean, let's be in our Atari Imagine as well. the weight they pulled in the industry. I'm, well, that, what I was getting ready to say is exactly that, <laughs> but in a different way. I mean, that's analogous to somebody like Apple today. Oh, yeah. They, they can literally muscle the market. To the point to where they develop their own pro- their own custom processors for their own product, and if and if that is any analogy, we really don't have a good grasp on just how massive these companies were in relation to the size of the market they were in. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but you're absolutely correct. Uh huh. Yep, that's crazy. Yeah. Anyway, on yeah, as well, a quick aside. But so yes. these these things are notorious for having. Uh, really crummy legs and they'll corrode and they'll break and this board it was really funny i was kind of looking over it and i put this picture on our facebook page and and i i stated in such a way that i think a lot of people thought i did this to repair it (laughs) but there was a broken leg awesome and somebody had taken a piece of solid wire i'm gonna go troll you on the facebook page right now yes and it's solid copper wire so it looked like somebody had taken like like a piece of like 14 gauge um like wire that you would use to wire your home oh yeah i I remember this and snipped a little piece of piece of the wire off and they just wedged it down in the socket and right up against the little nub of the leg uh-huh. i mean they didn't even drop a, a dab of solder on it or anything clapped their hands called it good called it good you know what it actually looks like a fence post sticking out of that it does socket. it's huge yeah it is it's huge in relation i expect like little emmett from the lego movie to come <laughs> trundling up there and he grabs he, he, he grabs that and he tugs on it and he can't get it out you know that's for in size and re- relation in size that's what that looks like to me wow. well it didn't work very well so i mean i, I fixed it but yeah it was one of the more interesting things i've seen in a interesting bit. all right fair enough uh cu- quick note i know we're going to talk a little bit about some party action at your house but oh, yeah. i've got another game room birthday party coming up Woo. Uh, my nephew logan is going to have a birthday here soon if memory serves he's going to be 11 big one one wow so uh, growing up too fast buddy. i know man he has requested a game room party at uncle brent so yes. i will be hosting good excited about that to keep the theme going i wanted to have a little bit of clown talk whoa man dude that literally caught me by surprise you know what you just saw me do is the natural reaction that i have except i'm reaching for you know something in a concealed carry something something somewhere anytime that a clown comes into play Oh my God! Well, you know, we put this up on the Facebook page this uh, month as well. This is the Folsom Prison Blues uh, Pinball Wizard mashup sung by Puddles the Clown. <laughs> you know, I, I tell you, I, I was I was hating on this when you first posted it on the Facebook page because, uh, I mean, anybody that knows me knows that I, I have a general, I, I just have a general dislike for clowns. Okay, anything related to clowns, I just I don't like them. I've just I don't care for them, and that's that. But I will say this. I did go back, and I watched this entire video from start to finish because, well, truly, Brent, curiosity got the best of me, okay? <laughs> and so I steeled myself for the nightmares that w- that I'm sure would ensue, and I watched Puddles the Clown all the way through. And uh, I must admit, the clown's got talent, and he can sing. <laughs> so uh, I have to give credit where credit is due. 
uh, the, the, the clown brought it home, man. Now, that doesn't mean I like him, Brent. I'm no, just no. giving him credit where credit's due, okay? You, if for folks that have not seen this, you need to go back to our Facebook page and look back a little bit and find this video. Oh, my god! Now, it was posted by the Nerdist. Yes. So it's Nerdist.com, and I'm sure if you search, uh, he goes by... Huddle's Pity Party. Yes. He's got other songs that he sings, but he's in his full clown attire. And Whitney, you said you you looked up something on him. And how, how tall is this guy? So so Puddles um, of, of, of the of the previously mentioned Pity Party, uh, Puddles is six foot eight inches tall. He is a tall man. He is a tall man. And I did not realize this. And uh, my cousin Philip um, kind of clued me in on this. But Puddles routinely performs with another. group group called Postmodern Jukebox and I got to see some of their videos over the Easter uh, over the uh, the past Easter weekend and I'm telling you man there's some talent between between Puddles and the Postmodern Jukebox uh, the, the group the clown in the group's got a lot of talent uh, my, my respect meter went up a few notches no doubt uh, I was well, still I was still uh, hunt Puddles down and, and uh, you know swing him with a bat but you know because I just don't like clowns but uh, the old boy can sing <laughs> my god I don't even know where to go with that. <laughs> you just have got to see the video. And yeah, you do. He, he definitely can sing. And yeah. when you see it start up, you're like, what is this? Because you can tell he's a big man, big oh, yeah. tall man. Yeah, tall, And he's in this guy. white smock-like thing, and it's got the fringe on it, like clown-esque type. It look, he looks like a clown, but it's all black and white. Yeah, it's, it's really he's, weird. He's bald with yeah. this little crown on his head with a P for puddles or pity or party, whichever pick one yeah that yes. and he's got his big fluff ball buttons that are just just black as coal yeah and little red marks on his face that's the only color other than the white and the black yeah and he, the boy's got pipes oh he's got pipes he can sing but I, I think the whole monotone look for him is is actually something that he's trying to emphasize rather than anything else so mm-hmm. I mean, it, it works for him um, he's probably not the most menacing clown that I've seen but nonetheless but he is he's singing Pinball Wizard as if it was Folsom Pr- Prison Blues I never would have thought those two songs would work together but he he did he brings it home so, so you yeah. want to hear a little bit more of it so we, yeah because we talked not, over not, it yeah why not Brent oh wait here Since I was a young boy, I played this silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all. But I ain't seen nothing. It's like shocking, him. isn't it? <laughs> I mean, the first time I saw it, I had to stare at it, and I was like, "That's." That's full. No, that's no. It's not. That's not. But it is. It is. Yeah. Yes. It's crazy. I never would have thought. Again, I never would have thought those two songs worked. But he he made it happen. And and he, the thing about it is, he sings so well that you look past everything that, that you're seeing. Yeah, you do. And you listen to the song, and it and it works. So actually, it's it's pretty cool. I'll, I'll give you props, Ren. I, I do stand corrected on that. <laughs> uh, and then finally, uh, a quick note that has nothing to do with anything related to games. We've had clown talk and at least it was somewhat related yes i have been working through a brooding chickens for the spring oh my goodness so yes i have chickens uh, well that's awesome have dude. fresh eggs well i mean my wife and i we we raise you know a small garden and tomatoes and stuff like that mm-hmm. and you raise chickens it's all good you well know? the thing about tomatoes is, is they don't run around and they don't you know you, you don't necessarily you water them and you make sure they've got good soil, but chickens you got to feed, and there's just yeah, you know, clean up after. Now, if you got a big else. garden, not not downplay gardening because there's a lot that you have to do, but 
um, just like with chickens, you know, the, you've you've got your chores. Yeah, they don't ra- they don't raise themselves. No, they no. don't work on games either. <laughs> no, 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 they definitely do not do that either. But come spring, you have you know generally your run of of uh, you know spring chicken. Yeah, ha ha. ha. Yeah. So yeah, I've been brooding chickens. That's taking a little time. That's awesome, though. I mean, that's that's a good aside uh, outside of the hobby. That's uh, so far away from the hobby that, <laughs> that you know it, it kind of helps you. kind of helps you decompress from what is uh, otherwise uh, or could be a very stressful hobby. Yeah. And at it's times. it's fun, man. I've, surprisingly, a lot of people that I know, yeah, they're like, oh, it's like with games. Yeah. Oh, I've got a game in my basement. Oh, I've got chickens. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would be shocked at yeah. how many people you probably know right now. Depending on where you are in the world, that have, have chickens. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure of it. I'm sure of it. Oh, that's awesome, dude. So that wraps me up, Whitney. Awesome. It's quite awesome. a bit. Well, here's the thing: when we were going through and uh, I guess kind of putting the show notes together, I, when I first started this, Brent, I, I I had I was sitting there thinking to myself, it's like I got nothing. I, I literally got. I literally have nothing because I feel like. I've just been in a in a bit of a sprint uh, since since the since the Louisville Arcade Expo, but when I sit down and started typing all this stuff into OneNote, I then realized uh, it just, I guess kind of the the you know the the floodgates opened and it's like man, there's actually a fair amount that I have worked on over the past six weeks. And Brent, and it wound up being so much that I had to break it into three sections. Oh wow! And, and I apologize to everybody for doing that, but uh, let me run through this, and, and I think uh, I think it'll make good sense. So, on on the I broke it into three sections: on the arcade, in the pinball front, and then what uh, my daughter and I, Grace, what my daughter Grace and I have been working on in her little console room. Uh, and she also had a birthday party uh, right after Louisville. Well, not right after, but uh, between Louisville Arcade Expo and then this recording. And then, of course, Brent, I've got uh, got a fair bit to talk about on the Skyskipper project as well. So with that, let me just go ahead and start running through this, okay? So, so man, so let me ask you, on the the arcade and the pinball front... um, You'd mentioned the Facebook groups, okay, yep. and you're using Facebook to um, to move some items on to some yes. other folks, and it was working out for you. Mm-hmm. I will say this, man: um, if you keep a close eye on a few Facebook groups, uh, it, I, I will say Facebook is where it's at, okay, because there's enough movement, um, there's enough people on the Facebook groups to keep uh, to keep items, uh, quote unquote, kind of fresh as far as what's new and what's available. And from time to time, you will find some real uh, bargains on the Facebook group if, you, if you're keeping an eye out. So, Brent, uh, over the past month, I have been able to pick up a small handful of what I would consider to be excellent condition uh, instruction cards for the Red Tent, for Nintendo's Red Tent. Oh, okay? so these... The, the cards in these pictures are original. No, they're not. Oh, no, they're not. Okay. The, the cards in the picture are repros that oh, I've got in the okay. show notes. But it, but I want to talk about the repro versus the original just here for a second, okay? All right. Yeah, I wish those cards were original. That would actually be the stash uh, right there. Well, but, this is going to tie into something else that I've got later. Okay, so, all right. This is awesome. Okay, good deal. So I, I was able to pick up a, a very small handful of original excellent condition red tint instruction cards okay on one of the nintendo groups uh on facebook uh right now though that small little handful is all i've got because uh my red tint uh, my, my collection of red tint instruction cards is extremely small okay extremely small and and brent 
because I can burn the ROMs and have a few daughter cards, have a few PPUs and everything like that, the great thing about the red tent um, or even like a versus a dual, upright dual system, unisystem, however you want to go about it, um, it, it's it's nice because you can swap the games out so easily. But for the red tent, you really need those instruction cards to make the game to make the red tent look complete based upon the game that you've got on one side versus the other. And as I've been doing my research, I have come to find out that those that the original instruction cards uh, they're they're actually kind of hard to come by now. And uh, my hunting for them either on Facebook or Clov has not turned up a steady supply real really over the past two to three years. Okay, of cards that have been available for sale. They'll come up and they disappear. They come up and they disappear. They're a hot commodity. They're, they are a hot commodity. for So for someone such as myself, who has gotten into the red tent game admittedly way late uh, in relation to how long I've been into the hobby, um, my ability to get my hands on original red tent instruction cards is actually um, is actually pretty poor, if you want to know the truth of it. So I, I've, I've picked up what I can, what I thought was a decent deal. But there is a, a, a user. Uh, there is a member on Clove uh, goes by the handle of Old Time Toys, and that's uh, Old Time T Y M E Toys. Uh, and he's the guy who prints the keychains. I mean, it's just that's the easiest way to say it. He's he's the key he's the keychain guy on Clove. Now he has done runs of these in the past. Okay, and in uh, and Brent, the picture you're talking about that I've got in the show notes, I pulled from one of his threads on Clove, uh, and he's got a few uh, instruction cards just kind of grouped together laying out on on a table and he's got uh, you know top gun he's got super mario brothers tetris balloon fight you know the play choice uh instruction card and, and a few others i mean he's he's got a nice variety and um and I, i've shot him a message to see if he's got any left or if he's planning on doing another run of the repro cards at any point in time soon and uh, just waiting to hear back how that's actually going to go okay yeah, you'll have to let me know I will. Yeah. I will. Uh, once because I, if anything, I could see maybe one of the generic ones because I, I see mine swapping out so often. Yeah. You know, because I think there's one here. It's got just like the the button layout. On yeah, it. yeah. It's the, it's like the the, the play choice yep. uh, the play choice uh, card that's just got the button layout mm-hmm. and everything like that. But the 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 completionist in me wants to wants to try to find as many of the original cards as I can but it would be nice uh, to have a repro set of cards uh, to fill in until you could get a full set of cards I guess and um, a lot of people would say well the repro if you've got the repro cards why do you need the original cards and it's I don't really have a good answer for you I just do you know I just I mean I'm I, I'm just a completionist and I, I would want what Nintendo produced so that this just me but anyway uh I'll, I'll update as i go on that um and on the topic of the red tent i was able to pick up a couple of uh unpopulated um versus boards uh on one of the facebook groups as well i don't mind uh saying what i paid for them i paid 60 dollars per board so a total of 120 for two working unpopulated boards so I f- unpopulated I no chips or PPU, but do they have the processors? Uh, no processor, no uh, no PPU, no ROMs. Okay, and that doesn't bother me because I've got all I've got all of that. Okay, I didn't I didn't need them populated, and um, I if I if I need to get anything, I, I know where to go back and and go get some of the additional components. But the working boards were actually what I was. Yeah, uh, honestly, Brent, the working boards were more valuable to me than the CPUs. So I don't think the CPUs are that hard to come by. They're not. And they're then, not. 
buy it. Generally, when you buy the ROM kits, they'll come with they'll, the CPU. Yeah. Part of that is the PPU. That's I mean, the, the PPU will be in there as well. Yeah. yeah. And, and the PPUs are definitely the the value the value add there. Uh, but I, I I talked with a guy who sold them to me for a bit, and uh, he's he's got some PPUs, and and he told me that he would. Uh, he would get me a list of what he's got, and I'm going to run that by what I have and then see what I'm outstanding. So uh, honestly, man, if you're in the market for some PPUs, let me know. Or once I've got the list, I'll, I'll mm-hmm. let you know. And if you want a few, just um, you can you can hop in. I mean, I've got a fairly decent little collection right now, uh, but I do need some more PPUs. But uh, before I plot down some more money with him, I'm, I'm going to make sure that I know exactly what I need. Now, wasn't someone doing a multi-PU Yes, they thing? were. Did yes, that, they did were. That ever, I guess that I, never worked I, out. I don't think that it has come to full fruition as of yet. I do remember a thread running about that on Clov where it was shown working, the multi-PPU, where it was mm-hmm. shown working. But I, I, it's to my knowledge, it's never been offered for sale yet. So, and you know something? That's a good call. And I, I need to go back and refresh that my, and, refresh um, my, that in uh, the multi-pole position, which I mean, two different things yeah. here, but I, that project seemed to be just right at the edge of completion yeah, and I've ta- not heard anything about it. Forever. You're talking, so on the pole position, that's the one that Adam yeah. from one circuit is doing. Yep. And, uh, I, I mean, I check that thread on Claw from time to time and he'll, he'll chime in, but, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those things where it's like baking a cake, buddy. It's done when it's done. Yep. And, uh, and nobody, nobody can rush, uh, him because, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, he's doing what we all want. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, you know what, you just, you just, uh, if you seen that the man's an artist you let him finish his art have you so. seen the gif of fry from futurama and it just basically has him holding a big wad yeah, of cash yeah, shut and, up and take my money shut up and take my money yes, yes. And, and that's going to be me when it's ready and i know it'll be you i know it'll be everybody yep. else we're just going to be we're just going to stand in line and buy the boards as they come up so that, that's how that runs so anyway on on the on the plate uh, i'm sorry on the red tent um the verses in, in the play choice side that's uh, that's kind of what i got accomplished over the past six weeks brent i was happy to pick up two working boards because i i chart them on ebay from time to time and a working board with a with any ROM set in it and a CPU not necessarily a PPU will go for 120 bucks or, wow. or more okay I didn't realize that, they were that, 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 that that's what the market has come to bear on the working uh, on the working boards right now um, let's see and I also got in my uh, Donkey Kong Jr. Remix kit and I was so surprised to see that that board is so small man it is so very small um, you know I've gotten a little bit of play time on that and and I, I will say I'm thoroughly impressed on what Sockmaster has uh, has done with that. That's it's it's pretty neat. So a good thing about that that's plug and play. It didn't take a lot of time. It did, I didn't have to steal much time from anything else to get that installed. It looks like it goes uh, CZ, Z80 CPU, so it's just go mm-hmm. right in the CPU slot. It does. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. You just uh, assuming your CPU is socketed, uh, you just pop your CPU out and pop it on this daughter card, and then. Uh, oh, so gently uh, push this into the CPU socket on your Nintendo uh, board and, and run with it. Now, the one thing I will advise is you need to take your board set apart off of the metal frame in order to install this because you need you need that CPU board lying on a flat surface that ha- that is supported. Do not try to install this thing with you just pulling the board stack out of the cabinet. You need to take the time and take the board set apart. Oh, is that so you can press it in and get yes, a good solid? Yes, get okay. a good solid 
seed on it. That's exactly right. So gotcha. that's Whitney's pro tip for the day right there. So anyway, so that's that on the arcade, uh, on the arcade front. Um, that's, that's what I got done. Uh, absolutely nothing on the pinball front, uh, outside of play them, but that's, Hey, that's progress as well. Um, on, on the game, on the game room, on Grace's, uh, console room, it's come along really nicely. And Brent, I realized that I did not put a picture for you to see in the show notes, despite me thinking I'm closing about that. My, like, my, I'm closing my eyes. Yeah. Just yeah. Just describe it. Despite that, um, <laughs> <laughs> I meant to do that like 12 times, but for whatever reason, it didn't, didn't happen. So, uh, the room's painted and it's uh, painted Brent in this really, really nice, uh, red, uh, I'm sorry, blue and green alternating color where, uh, one wall is blue, the other wall is green and uh, kind of rotating around the room that way. Uh, so it's got a very good, happy Nintendo-esque feel to it. Uh, and I've got up some Ikea shelves. And uh, you know something? I probably ought to do a Facebook uh, album on on this because it's actually come along quite a way. And I've got uh, these shelves all along one back wall of the game room. And as we have been... Uh, finishing that project and grace has been helping me put so, the shelves so like, together are these, okay I was, that answered my question like, yeah. are these freestanding shelves or are they attached to the wall like no i've okay. i have anchored them all to the wall okay but yeah when you first said shelves i was thinking kind of like uh, um you know how you you put the vertical runners and you have the little hangers and yeah. then you put the boards across and make shelves like that and you yeah. can adjust the heights so but these are shelf units that you've then anchored to the wall that is exactly okay. Okay. yes gotcha. that, that is exactly right gotcha. and th- these are shelf units that are then uh, anchored to the wall and I, and Brent, I tell you, I did that um, simply because well, number one, they're IKEA and people die if you don't do that. But then number two <laughs> is uh, I just wanted them extremely, extremely uh, steady, okay, and very, very uh, sturdy, so there would be no question as to uh, you know me running into a problem with them, you know, later on down the line or or, some, or some, somewhere down the line. I guess is probably the best the best way to say that. So I've got I've got all of that done, which is awesome and. And I'm I'm very very happy that that you know little part of the project is kind of it's kind of wrapped itself up. And Brent, I'm looking here through my camera roll, and I'm going to pop a picture here into the show notes so that you can see this because uh, again, a picture is worth a thousand words, and I'll make sure that this gets onto um, that, that this gets onto uh, the Facebook fa- yeah or- the Facebook page so that so that people can kind of see what I what I'm doing and what I'm working with. <laughs> But uh, here you go, Brent. I'm going to go ahead and stick this in the show notes so that you've got a, a good idea of, of what this looks I'm, like. I'm, I'm just you're you're messing up my visualization ah, here. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, so okay. so it it will be it will be all clear uh, once once you see this, and I, I just pasted it in. So okay. as soon as it as soon as it synchronizes, you'll see what I've got going on. But uh, the good thing about this is it is going to allow for ample uh, game storage, okay? And so the thing that this has allowed uh, us to do is Grace and I have, uh, and she's been a big help, and this has actually been pretty fun. So what I've done is after getting the shelves done, we have spent the past couple of weeks scouring the house and going through all the boxes, and Brent, we've lived in our house for ten years, dude. And there you, are you still squir- boxes that we have not unpacked. Oh, I was going to say okay. you've had a lot of time to squirrel stuff away, but you're you're talking about even from moving into the house. Yes, that's exactly right. But the, you know, the funny thing about it is, even though all those boxes are sitting in a storage room, I know what's in the boxes, and I've got a fairly good idea of what's in what box. I've just not really had the the. Um, the reason or the, let's say, the destination storage capability 
uh, to go ahead and justify getting everything out. Okay. But now that Grace has gotten a little bit older and she wants to have this console room, it's like, you know what? The stars have aligned and I can make this happen. So, so uh, this just refreshed on my end. Finally. Yeah. Okay. So are each of those verticals, are they in an individual shelving unit that you've then attached? Each column is its own bookcase. Okay. Okay. Or its own shelving unit. I put them together and I have then attached them all together. So that is, so what you're seeing against that wall is all one unit and every single column is also attached to the anchor to the wall as well. Gotcha. Okay. So literally a man of my, uh, a man of my size could climb all over that and my daughter could climb all over that as well. And nothing's coming down. Gotcha. Not a, thing, not a single thing's coming down. And so, uh, so Grace helped me put them up and she worked on, on them with me. She helped me paint the room. So it's actually been a really fun, uh, it's actually been a really fun exercise to date. And like I was saying, Brent, the thing is, is that this has given me uh, a reason to go get everything out of uh, storage. And I've pulled out all of my Atari 2600 games. I've pulled out all of my NES games, my Super NES games, uh, consoles and everything like that. And I've started organizing, uh, started organizing, I guess, my my console collection. And um, we've got to put in uh, a TV and I've got to put in um, an audio, kind of like an audio receiver to where I can switch between the different consoles and everything. And uh, Grace is going to take her Wii and um, kind of moving on down the list her a little bit. Um, and she wanted a Wii U for her birthday. Oh, she did? She did, yeah. Okay. So I, I got her a Wii U, and that's going to be one of the things that goes down in the console room and uh, that we can play on. Now, here's the thing. Um, I, I was doing some, and, and again, coming to the Wii U very, 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 very late in, in uh, the life That's why cycle. I was kind of surprised, because yeah. the, I figured the Switch is the new hotness. Yeah, it's the new hotness, but the problem is finding a Switch, you know, and... Um, there's it, it, before I would get her uh, before I would get her a switch. I would want to make sure that she would enjoy some of the properties on the Wii U, and the Wii U is attainable. Uh, it's not a lot of money, and uh, things like Splatoon and uh, you know Super Smash Brothers and Mario Kart Eight and all that's on the Wii U, and uh, and she likes to play a lot of that. So in the, the Wii U, um, the Wii U will output over HDMI, and it'll it'll output a very clear clean and a very nice looking picture as well. So it's it's a good it's a good fit for that room. The one thing I did want to say though is uh, the Wii U that I got her, I bought direct from Nintendo. And I don't I don't know if you knew this or if our listeners know this, but Nintendo runs a store on eBay, their own dedicated store on I eBay. I had no idea. And you can go and buy um, refurbed consoles like a refurb 3DS. Uh, directly refer- from Nintendo. Directly from Nintendo. Um, and I do have the link in the show notes there, Brent. Uh, uh, refurb 3DS or th- uh, refurb... Well, I'm sorry. It's, it'd be a, three, a, a new 3DS or a new 3DS XL at this point. Uh, because that's the that's the current uh, the current uh, iteration of that generation. So this is that an, console okay, so this is an eBay store. It's an eBay store. They sell refurbed Wii U consoles on there, okay, and they sell a lot of 3DS and Wii U games on there as well. And the good thing about it is, is the the, the prices are actually like really really good. You can pick up a 3DS game for fifteen bucks. All right. Well, I'm just thinking about, and I'm not a modern gamer. I've looked at buying a. a a DS of various flavors yeah. over over the you know past several years. Yeah. I've never pulled the trigger. Okay, but I've walked into a game store and done it, and being uncertain as to whether I'll care enough to to 
you know, to make it worth the expense. Right. I understand. I, I look more at the used stuff. Don't do that. Just yeah, I, go here. I would be more inclined to buy a refurbed from the original manufacturer. Yes. Even yes. if they third party it, you know, they, it's stood here, Nintendo will stand up to. Here's the thing, Brent. They don't third party it. And you, and you know how I know? Because when I was there for Skyskipper, the building that they took me in was the same building where they refurb everything. Oh, and, okay. And the people that I worked with for Skyskipper at Nintendo are the people that work there in that warehouse that refurb everything and pack everything and send it all right back out. Gotcha. Because uh, when I was there and uh, one of the ladies that I worked with, when she got me the 3DS XL, this Super Mario edition that... Uh, she wanted to make sure that I gave to Grace. She went and pulled that right off the refurb line and and just handed it to me direct. So that so that that's that's how I know. So if you're gonna buy if you're gonna buy a three a three DS XL or you're gonna buy a Wii U or you're gonna buy some games, man, dude, buy them straight direct from Nintendo because they refurb them right there in Redmond, Washington, and they ship them right from their headquarters in Redmond, Washington, and that's what they do. The 3DS XL, $179. Yes, okay. I just I just Googled it, and okay. I see it on Amazon. What's the retail on that? Is it three, uh, th- a 3DS XL? Yeah, is it 350 Yeah, it's 349 Yeah, that's what I'm looking at it's, right now on, on Amazon. Yeah. I, but you, I, just, but you can, you know, I didn't know if I had some wacky vendor or something. No, 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 you know? no, uh, not at all. But you go, you go, um, you go to, to Nintendo's store on eBay, and you can buy a, a OEM refurb 3DS XL for $179. Warranty, hmm. warranty and everything. And that's how I got her Wii U. I paid $200 for her refurb Wii U. I got a I got a black uh, console, 32 gigs, and it came with the it came with everything. Now it doesn't come with consumer packaging. It is like the if you order something on Amazon, like the frustration free packaging. It's kind of generic packaging, mm-hmm. but it's all form fit. It's not like they take a Wii U and throw it in and throw, throw it in a box, box and, and put a no, couple no. Uh, uh, pieces of styrofoam yeah, in there. Saying, no, there no, go. they don't do that. What this is, this is all form-fitting cardboard. It looks like it is ex- made exactly for the console because it is. It just doesn't have the retail wrapper on the packaging. Okay, it just comes in unmarked or let's say like refurb packaging. All right, mm-hmm. but it, it is all it, it is all there and it is all good. Um. And so, like I say, uh, when I was there uh, for working on Skyskipper, I, I would I would almost go so far as to say that I, I bet that I had previously met a few people that may have packed my daughter's Wii U, <laughs> you know, for, for for her birthday. So it worked out pretty well. So I uh, did that, got that accomplished, and. Um, you know she's she's kind of gotten into the whole concept with the Wii U. Uh, she's it started to pique her interest with uh, amiibos, and I've started doing some research on amiibos. Uh, admittedly, I didn't really know a tremendous amount about them about them because I was just never a big. I, again, I was just never big into the 3DS uh, when it was "quote unquote" in its heyday, or the Wii U either. I'm, I, I mean, admittedly, Brent, I'll say it again: I'm coming at a, a lot of this really late. But my daughter's interest in this has also piqued my interest in it as well. Oh, I can't keep up with the, the frightening number of versions of the DS. Yeah, it's just, to me, it's just like it's it's a lot, dude. I mean, it's the DS, the DSi, you know, the 3DS, the 3DS XL, the new 3DS, the new 3DS XL. It's one of those, yeah, it's one of those it's, things. It seems mean, like crazy on the surface it seems like there's a high barrier 
or, or what is it? Something to entry. Yeah, right? yeah, it's it's a it's a high barrier yeah. to entry. Exactly. Yeah, there's no doubt. The, the amount of knowledge that you have to amass and what you have to learn in order to become fairly proficient with even just Nintendo's line lineup. I mean, it's actually quite a bit. And I, over the past, let's say, two to three months. Man, I, I've got no, I've got no problem admitting it. Man, I've been doing a crash course on a lot of this, you know, just just to kind of get myself up to speed on some of the stuff that my daughter has expressed an interest in, you know. Now, all that being said, it's not bad. It's just, um, it just takes cycles, and it's something that I want to make sure that I can enjoy with her because she's learning it much. Uh, she she can devote a little bit more time to it than I can, <laughs> and so she's coming to me with questions. And Brent, I don't want to, I don't want every answer for my daughter to be I don't know let me go look that up Mm -hmm. I I would like to at least be able to hold a conversation with her about some of this and so I I, I don't know man I've I've been teaching myself a bit as I go so um, she's been like I say been getting into the the whole universe of the amiibo and what they you know the different figures and what they do within the games like Zelda and Super Smash Brothers and all that and um, and I've been looking for some decorations to kind of jazz up the uh, jazz up the, the console room just as you were saying you know kind of deck out or kind of accessorize the game room here and so i picked up um Grace loved these. I picked up these uh, these little uh, figurines called Pixel Pals, and you need to take a look at these if you, if you haven't uh, if you don't have any familiarity with them. If anybody's a big Nintendo fan out there in the listener audience, uh, you can get these on Amazon. You can get them on eBay. Uh, you can just do a search for Pixel Pals, and what these are are very very um, very well made LED lamps. And you put a couple. Uh, you put two AAA batteries in the backs of in the back of these pixel pal lamps and they light up and they're lamps that are done in the in the shape of mario luigi oh so you don't build these no you don't build these oh, you, see, you buy these you can get them at walmart as well, well last, I, last time i was in walmart this past weekend i saw them over in the in the gaming section on the nintendo shelf they, oh, they're sitting right there okay. they're, they're sold right where the amiibos are sold they're $14.99 a piece is what they are and brent they are awesome they're awesome and i wish i'd taken a picture of the of like the these pixel pals and and you could and i had taken a picture of them uh to the side because these things have got have got depth i mean brent i, I mean for everybody listening they can't see what i'm doing but I, I mean i'm holding up my 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 thumb and my index finger so they're three and, inches and they're, they're, oh. they're three dimensions and they're about uh an inch and a half deep. oh okay all right okay i looked up and you you closed the gap a little bit at first i, it I did like it was, okay. yeah no 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 i did i have to close the gap because remember brent we're fishing okay yes, yes, so yes, i'm yes. telling fishing stories here so now but, when i first saw them i thought they were because i've seen i can't think of who makes them i might have a picture of some on my phone i'd have i'll have to look here in a second but yeah they're like a like a lego type of a thing but they're not lego they're they're builder blocks yes and they're yes. three-dimensional deals yeah and i've seen like pac-man and donkey kong yes and Cuber, yes and i can't that's what i thought that's what was, you thought these or, were or something but, similar but they're, but they're not okay they just they're they're done in the eight bit style so they look very eight bit ish okay but they're they're just a lamp now what i am looking at doing though is because i don't want to every time i go in the room i don't want to turn you know five or six lamps pixel pals off off and on i'm looking to see what i can do to for lack of a better term build a build a fake uh a battery and supply the three volts um that, that is needed for each one of these lamps and then just run them all off of like one wall wart 
and just string you know string together the string together a power line to to build essentially a fake battery and and uh, just run them because um, I, I put um, I put a meter on them I mean they only can they only draw about a hundred milliamps while they run okay and that's like nothing <laughs> so there's there's like very little to them from be, a, yeah, from a current like draw perspective to, do, to run them all off one one yeah yeah wart. you could run them all off of one one three volt wall wart that would supply let's say maybe an amp okay and um so it, it, that would be like nothing so anyway uh and you could run a lot of them uh off of off of just one wall wart so that's it and um and brent i you know something um and this is something you had mentioned uh doing for emma and i would love to get one of these for grace um i want to get a game boy color and mm-hmm. i've just um i've just now like within the past week started researching um the you know the game boy colors the different the different colors of them and buying one used and what the market bears on those and everything like that because um now is there a particular reason you want the color because i gave emma an original game boy okay but that's what i had yeah i understand understand. i want a color simply because uh i don't have a i thought i had a picture from a friend a fellow collector that had one of those or several of those in his game room. I, I don't. I'll. I'll uh, you know what? I'm I'll turning get you, to Google. Uh, th- th- no problem. I'll get you a picture of the Pixel Pals lit up. Yeah. And you'll you'll be impressed. Okay. And you can get them at Walmart. Like I say, fifteen bucks. Well, I see Mario. I see Mega Man. I see various flavors of Mario. Yeah. There's there's like a there's like Mario from Super Mario Brothers, and then there's Mario from like Super Mario Brothers uh, three. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's uh, regular Mario and there's Fire Mario. Okay. Mm-hmm. When he has the fire when he has the fire uh when he has the fire plant and uh then there's a, then there's of course 8-bit link and there's luigi oh see okay it, yeah, i haven't it, even it, seen those pictures yeah yet. and there's i mean man they're they're really really nicely done brent um but anyway on the game boy color um i want to get one for grace and um i would just like to get a color one because i know she i feel like she would enjoy it more if it was color um just because the game like the the expanded game library and everything like that so um that's it um that's on uh, the console room side, and uh, as we as we had mentioned, I think earlier in the show, uh, my daughter's twelfth birthday was between um, LAX and now. Law, here it is, laws L O Z laws I block fun. Oh, okay. So they're these little sets. Put, like, put that in the show notes. I and I'll, I'll make sure it gets onto the blog post. Yes, okay? they've got a Donkey Kong, a centipede, a Pac Man, a Qbert. And they're on like a little base, and they've got a like a little decoration or so that goes with each of. I'll I'll get a link to them and put them out. Okay, there. cool. No, that that sounds good. Um, so yeah, so it was my daughter's twelfth birthday uh, between um, the Louisville Arcade Expo and now. Um, unfortunately, poor Grace, her birthday uh, it is always right around Easter. So we always kind of pack her birthday in, in Easter, you know, family, family fun together along that. And, um, and you know, Brent, just like uh, you were saying that Logan wants grace wanted an arcade party for, for her birthday. So what does daddy do? Daddy fires up the game room and they, we have a bunch of kids over and they play games. Now here's the one thing, uh, Brent, that I will make note of. Okay. Just from, just from my, um, non empirical observations. Okay, um, the girls that were at the party, 
they loved pinball, dude. And they played pinball and they played pinball and they played pinball. And the boys that were at the party, they played pinball some, but they played the arcade games as well. And the girls didn't really play the arcade games all that much. Um, now, my daughter loves Donkey Kong 3, okay? She's, I mean, I, I think that's like one of her favorite arcade games that I've got in the game room. But, uh, man, I will say this. Uh, a lot of the boys love playing Donkey Kong, man. And the Donkey Kong machine was busy almost the entire time that it was on. Um, one thing that I did notice, and I did put a picture of this in the show notes, uh, the thing that bothered me, though, is... I had all I had all the arcade games in that row fired up, uh, and Brent, I always put a critical eye at the monitors. Uh, every you know after I get them, after I let them warm up and I take a look at them and everything. And uh, dang it, if my Donkey Kong uh, the red uh, is creeping a little bit uh, out of convergence on that, and it bothered me. <laughs> like it, the red's too high. The red's too high. Gotcha. It's just okay. a little too high. Okay, and uh, and I was going to ask you, um, have have you used convergence strips a lot? Do, I have not. You have not. And, okay. And usually, now I've not had to mess with convergence on a Sanyo. Okay. So I, I've messed with it, it pretty much on the standard yep. other 19 inch monitors. Yep. The Wells and the Electro Homes. Yeah. And honestly, I'll, I'll fight with it. And I always kind of get to a point where it's going to be as good as it's going to be, or I'm going to go insane. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Now, it, oh, okay. And here's the thing that I've that I've noticed on the Sanyo. That's uh, so. Do you, I, I'm, I see this picture. I mean, do you think the convergence is off, or the red's too high and it's bleeding? Because if the convergence is off, you you if it, you you'll have it in an area. Yeah. Well, that's that's the thing. Like the corners but, of the side. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. I see it is off in some places and not others. Okay. On the on the screen itself. Like if it, if I if I move like to the top of the screen, it doesn't appear to be off. Okay. It just looks like it's off, like down around the bottom, down around the bottom of the screen. Have you moved the game recently? No, I have not. Okay. It's like, no, I have not. Have you? Uh, I've had monitors. I've had to degauss, uh-huh. and the and the colors are basically. It, it's not bad enough where the beam is tripping the next dot, if yeah. you will, yeah. the next phosphor. And yeah, it's it looks rainbowy. Yeah, yeah. But um, it, I'm 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 yet again doing a poor job. Yeah, no, that, very that's, visual. that's the but, basis of but our if show. You have, if you haven't moved it, and the reason I say move it is because I see a lot. Uh, of the time with a vertical monitor it's more apt to have issues if it's been moved yes or uh, or rotated on or its rota- axis or rotated on its axis because yes, correct at the end of the day those tubes are made to be in a horizontal fashion yeah. so they just tend to be a little bit more picky about the earth's magnetic field yes yeah there's a real scientist out there having a stroke right now, he is but, but but you know what for 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 the collector and all of us yeah, that's, good, that's enough. good enough yeah i'm just trying to envision how it could be like a half like an upper half or yeah lower it's, half. It, it's 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 odd, and I've and I've I let it sit and make sure it got nice and warm, and that was what I was observing. I think what I'm going to do though is I'm going to adjust the height of the red a little bit and see if see if I can 
See, see what that does. Not, and, not the height. You mean just turn the red back? Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Turn, 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 turn yeah. it back a little bit and see if that. See if, that see if you just got bleed. Lowers. See if that lowers it a little bit. Gotcha. I guess in, in my mind, anyway. I'm, I'm describing I, it as I as I see it in my mind. Yeah, right. So. Like looking at this picture, I don't see anything wrong in this picture other than the colors are obviously off because it's a cell phone picture of a monitor. Yes, yes, but, yes. Uh, like the reds aren't as red as I would expect, but it's a little washed because it's a picture of a monitor. Yeah, yeah. Not in the best conditions. You know the best lighting, so exactly. I can't see what I think you're seeing. Yeah, yeah, very, very true, very true. So, I, I think it, it, when I when I compared it to my Donkey Kong Junior. and my Donkey Kong Three. and the Popeye. and everything like that, this one looked a little off compared to the others. The others looked just so crystal clear. I guess is the best way to say it. And this one, I could tell that there was just a little bit of bleed, a little bit of wash, and um, and it, it bothered me. So at some point, I'm going to have to get it back out and, and take a look at it. So anyway, that's that. Um, and last but certainly not least, I do need to um, I do need to give an update on Skyskipper. And um, I'm going to break this out uh, in both the, the U.S. And, and the U.K. reveal events uh, in, in the game restoration here. Um, so Brent, as of this recording, we're literally and exactly six weeks away from the re- from the reveal at the Southern Fried Game Room Expo, and the the, the I guess the clock's ticking, man. Um, it's weighing on me a little bit. I have no problem saying that uh, the gravity of the situation that we have. Uh, Alex and I have created for ourselves. <laughs> we that we that's, have unleashed. That's it, the thing about setting a deadline. Yeah, as it, soon as you set it, you're marching toward it. You are marching toward it, yep. and we are six weeks away. Um, so Alex and I are, we're working with Preston and Patrick and Shannon on logistics for the reveal event. Uh, just to give everybody an idea, it looks like uh, this is going to break down uh, to the point to where we have like a thirty to forty-five minute. Uh, reveal kind of ceremony uh, mid-morning sometime on uh, the Saturday, and then we'll have a dedicated panel discussion later in the day uh, or on Sunday where it's a, a much more um, controlled environment uh, for Alex and I to sit down and, and just kind of do a panel discussion on on the project itself. Uh, we will be sponsoring a few contests for the reveal as we get a bit closer to the actual SFG event itself. Uh, so watch Twitter. Um, we'll probably put something on the Facebook page for that as well. Uh, Alex has got his uh, he's got his ticket. He's confirmed. And he's ready to fly. We've got uh, Billy Mitchell and Walter Day confirmed. Um, and the word is, and Alex has actually been working on this, the word is we'll have a, a few other guests in attendance for the ceremony. Um, I don't want to commit to just who just yet, uh, simply because some of them may not uh, may not work out. But uh, we've we've had some pretty significant um, interest in this, and we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, do need to work on getting some T-shirts made up uh, for the event, getting some addition, additional signage and, and things like that. So SFG, it's uh, it's on. It's uh, it's a it's it's a it's a hard stop, Brent, and we're we're marching towards it. Um, the UK reveal that's is of course Play Expo in Manchester. Um, Alex is going to be working on uh, his cabinet after he gets back from uh, SFG here in his uh, visit here uh, to the States. And he's going to be going down the same road that I am on restoration for cosmetics and things like that. And I'll talk about that just here here in a bit. Um, we're still a way out. We're still a ways out on that event. So logistics and things like that for the UK event are probably not going to work themselves out until we get a lot closer to a lot closer to uh, that event in October. 
Um, as far as the the restoration aspect of this goes, um, as of this recording, we are literally in exactly six weeks away from the reveal event at, at SFG. Uh, so... Because of that, Brent, uh, I am uh, at this point kind of in in quote unquote uh, high gear on the the cabinet restoration, and I'll I'll talk about that here for just a, a couple of minutes. So uh, the week this week, as we're recording in this upcoming weekend, I'll be spending on have started and will be spending on stripping the cabinet, pulling the monitor, and rebuilding uh, rebuilding the monitor that is in uh, the cabinet, the blue cabinet that I've got. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Brent, I've got... Uh, now, is this the monitor that you've got in this picture in the show notes? The monitor that I've got in the picture in the show notes is the monitor that will go into Skyscraper. Okay. Yes. And okay. Yeah, I'm with you. It might look beautiful now, but you run it for two or three hours, and it might... It might decide it needs a taco and a cigar. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> yeah. a taco and a cigar. That is awesome. Uh, show title right there: taco and a cigar. Uh, taco and a cigar. Uh, hang on, everybody. I'll go ahead. I'm, you, I got it. I'll run okay, go go ahead and put yeah. that in, Brent. That is fantastic. Um, kudos to you, buddy. Kudos to you. Um, so, yes. Um, the, the monitor is going to get rebuilt because if I, if there is ever a three day span that it cannot go down on me, it's going to be the three days yeah, that exactly. it's down in Atlanta. Yep. So it's, so it's going to get the full treatment, you know, full cap kit and everything like that. Um, and so the, the monitor itself though, Brent, I mean, it is beautiful. I mean, if you look at that picture, um, I mean the color. I mean, even though I snapped that picture with my phone, the color the colors on that are. I mean, they're that picture came out like looking really no, really it's good. Beautiful. It's better than the picture um, that I was talking about of your Donkey Kong. Yes, yeah, it's yes. gorgeous. Well, I, honestly, it looks better than the Donkey Kong mm-hmm. does, and um, and so that's the um, that's the the monitor that goes into Skyskipper. It's coming out of my Popeye, and so Popeye is going to take one for the team. Um, but again, like I say, I am going to rebuild it just uh, for an insurance. Uh, policy um and then the monitor that comes out of the the versus cabinet uh actually which is the cabinet that is the donor that that monitor is in good shape as well but it really really needs a rebuild like bad and um and it's going to be the po- the monitor that, that actually winds up going in my popeye so i'm actually going to be doing a little bit of musical chairs on this for uh for what eventually winds up inside of uh inside of skyscraper all up and then next week and next weekend uh, is going to be the time where the cabinet gets bondoed, gets sand, uh, sanded. And uh, Brent, for this particular cabinet, uh, it is going to be relaminated from top to bottom. Okay. Okay. And uh, it took me a little bit of uh, time and some help. And I will talk about the help uh, after the cabinet is done. I'm not going to get into that too awful much right now because there's going to be a whole story to tell about that and i want to make sure it has maximum impact at the time that i tell it but um it took a little bit of help but i was able to narrow down uh what i consider to be a 100 percent perfect match for the nintendo blue gloss laminate that they shipped with from the factory okay so now no one has come up with such a thing as of yet correct exactly and, 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 and it took me it took me like uh checking out like eight different samples to get to there okay but i'm telling so you is this well i don't want to get too deep because sure. no, it's, it's fine because it sounds like you want to talk about it a little later so yeah I, I won't ask any questions no no ask, ask some questions i i'm, I'm just going to reserve the right to tell the, the okay. fuller story so later just so. out of curiosity was yeah. it was it something that was available but people just didn't know and you did the footwork and found it 
So it is was that kind of the. So it was because a, when I think of that laminate, I keep cutting you off. When I think yeah. of that laminate, I think of laminate, but it's it's much thinner. It's vertical grade than laminate like I'm used to seeing on after you know third party laminated cabinets like when a cabinet was converted or something yeah, you know like yeah. you go down the cabinet shop yeah like the kitchen cabinet shop and get cabinet laminate yeah it's no. usually pretty heavy no tabletop laminate no this is like thin oh, i mean this is like very sweet. thin very thin uh vertical grade cabinet I, i'm sorry vertical grade vertical grade laminate let me make sure i get that out straight and um, this is this 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 laminate. I think has been known, but I just don't know if everybody um, got did did the research and got all of the potential finishes. Gotcha. Sitting them all side by side, and then uh, comparing them all against a actual Nintendo cabinet, which is what I did. I got in like eight different samples, uh, each of a different finish, and I put them all, uh, wheeled the cabinet outside in sunlight, put them all next to the cabinet, and picked what I thought was literally the perfect match for the cabinet, if, if the cabinet was quote-unquote new, okay? And so by the time this is all done, Brent, I mean, my goal is is to have that cabinet literally looking like it like it was just um unboxed okay if if plans go if plans go accordingly okay mm-hmm. um hopefully i don't crash and burn on that deal so <laughs> anyway uh because this is going to be a bit of a you know a bit of a showpiece uh, a bit uh under the you know under the scrutiny of the public of the arcade public looking at it and kind of going over it with fine tooth comb I just want to make sure that the cabinet's pristine, uh, that it feels like a Nintendo cabinet. It looks like a Nintendo cabinet. It has the gloss of a Nintendo cabinet. That has the proper sheen, and um, and and it and on top of that, it does it does the topic justice. Cool. Okay. Um, and at this point, uh, hoping to have the artwork package in hand uh, by next weekend to begin the cosmetics. I'm uh, still working with uh, Rich at this old game uh, on that. And Rich, uh, again, has been great to work with. Um, and I'm hoping uh, that by the by the following week a- after that, so we're talking three weeks out, uh, the cabinet is back together, the artwork is on, and uh, at that point, we're just waiting uh, at that point for Alex to show up is what that, what that amounts to, okay? Um, and the story on Skyskipper, I will say this for everybody, uh, the story on Skyskipper does not conclude after we reveal these cabinets. There's going to be Because we take them outside and we drag them around uh, behind a truck. Yeah, no, exa- no. exactly. Yes. I mean, what a fitting in to such a, to such a long-term, long-term effort. Everybody's like, only Brent would say that. Yes, exactly. Um, oh gosh, no, 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 no. We don't, we don't do anything of the sort. Um, there's going to be more to say about Skyskipper um, later on down the line, and we've had people asking us, hey, when can we get an artwork package? Hey, when when can we get X, Y, or Z to help us build our own cabinet? And uh, I'm just going to say that those those items are being entertained. Uh, I can't say anything about that right now. can't even say that any of it's even going to happen, uh, but I will say that... Uh, that it is being entertained and, and hopefully uh, towards the end of this year after we've got the reveals behind us we can talk about what would ever become I guess kind of like a second phase uh, of this of this whole project but anyway Brent that is my six weeks uh, arcading in a nutshell well, you've got six mu- weeks of uh, arcading ahead of you now dude I, honestly I'm sitting over here and I'm sweating bullets and I have no problem saying that because I, I just want it to be perfect and oh I understand and I, I, I understand there's, how there's, there's I want lot, stuff to be going on. Yeah. You know, I, I tend, we've talked about Louisville before and that 
um, it's very difficult for you to bring equipment because of just the logistics. Mm-hmm. It is. And where I live and everything. It's yeah. much easier for me to do it. And I sweat and it's not near the attention and the draw of what you're doing. Yeah. So yeah. I can only begin to imagine. Well, it's it's going to work itself out, and it takes a team, uh, and everybody thus far has been pitching in and, and doing uh, doing more than their fair share. So we're going to get it there, but um, I just I just uh, hope that every hope and pray that everything goes off like clockwork. But uh, Preston, Patrick, and Shannon they've been great to work with. Uh, Rich has been great to work with. Alex and I. And Ollie um, and and a few others uh, as of yet unnamed, but we'll uh, definitely get their day in the sun. Um, we've all been working real hard to make sure the skyskipper goes. So I'm um, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. Well, Whitney, um, I do not envy you, sir. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get. I, it. I may just when I text you, I may text you. Hey, you there? Just say, yeah. yeah. Just so I know you're still with well, us. Well, you know you something. Gone crazy. Here's the thing. Don't feel sorry for me because I'm bringing all this on myself. Okay. And and I mean, Alex, well, I wasn't going to say. That. Yeah, I mean, Alex, now <laughs> we're we're bringing all this on on ourselves. So I, I appreciate your concern, but. <laughs> I, this this is all self inflicted, you know. <laughs> so it's just the way it is, you know. This we we had this grandiose idea, and this is what you pay to get a grandiose idea done. So this, this is the way it goes. Well, you know, as as with all worthwhile projects, when it's done, you would you would step back and say, "There's no way I would have not done that." Exactly, exactly, and that's that's where we want to be here on Skyskipper. So it's uh, it's going to be cool. We just have to get through the next six weeks. So speaking of coolness, yes, let's move into our next section where we'll spotlight um, some cool things that we're going to buy with my money. Yo, let's do that. Uh, but first, Brent, let's, let's take, take a little break. Let's take a little break. Yeah, let's do that. Yes, thank you, sir. Whitney, it's going to be a rough, rough second segment. This month is going to go down in the record books as far as potential money spent. I, I don't really know how you're going to swing all this, Brent, because uh, it even made me hurt just looking at the expanse of it all. <laughs> you do not understand the magnitude of the situation. <laughs> and I said expanse, not expense. So, yes, the expense comes after you work your way through the expanse. So, yeah. So this brings up a story. Yes. When I moved into this house, when I moved from my old house, I was collecting at the time. I had nowhere near the games and nowhere near the parts. Mm-hmm. But I did have a pretty extensive toy collection. Okay. So a good friend of mine comes over. And um, his wife calls and asks how it's going. And uh, <laughs> he was just he was just talking. Yes. Yeah. Right. He was like, so I'm hearing one side of the conversation. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay. Fine. And then there was this this little little respite where he just like a little break and he went, No, no. You don't understand the magnitude of the situation. <laughs> and he was talking about how much there was to move. It really, really. Yeah, it, yeah, of, yeah. of your toys? And games and, oh, and arcade got equipment. Yeah. Gotcha. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 
So yeah, he was <laughs> in, in, in only a fashion that he could, in only a way he could deliver the line, just as deadpan as it could be. No, no, you don't understand the magnitude <laughs> of the situation. See, what I'm afraid of is... As opposed to he's got a lot of crap. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I'm afraid it's going to be that way if we ever had to move as well. I, I would not in any way, shape, or form look forward to doing that. None. Oh, yeah, it'd be... I mean, just be, People have asked me about moving, and my sister's tried to get me to move over across the river in indiana closer to them yeah and i i'm just like there is no way i no. put so much effort into this home uh-huh and i i'd have to have a massive fire sale yeah because there's there'd be no way to move it all yeah that's it you don't move it you just sell it all right whitney i'm stalling i'm stalling <laughs> on spending my money uh, yeah you're stalling because you're sitting over counting your money and let me tell you that that leads to no good at this at this point of the show okay so you just gotta be ready to just spend it brent I don't know. count it just and, spend it and it's getting to where i'm spending my own money. there you go there I you meant, go i meant to grab this first thing for you so you could see it firsthand oh and i may you got one i do what? Okay, look, do you want to describe it while I run up and grab it? Yeah, yeah. Why, okay, yeah, why don't me, you do that? I, okay. I, just, I see the picture. I posted this to Facebook. All right. Yes. Talk about it for yeah, a second. Th- so this thing is pretty sweet. So Brent posted up a picture of a t-shirt. Okay. And it's one of the, it's one of the, the quote unquote, the, the, the typical kind of black arcade t-shirts that, that you see ran quite a bit. Uh, but this one is, is neat because it is a, it is a vectored picture of the Star Wars arcade game from Atari and it is the trench as the X-Wing fighter is flying uh, down through the through through the trench to hit the exhaust port and he's got the tie fighters after him and he's going to blow up the death star and I, I mean this thing is awesome because it looks like it is literally ripped right from the arcade game it says use the force and it's got you know of course you've got the the uh, the aiming turrets on the on the x-wing fighter and everything like that and uh yeah this is this is pretty sweet here Brent. And, and the thing about it i heard you say this just as i was coming back yeah you're right this looks ripped right from the arcade I'm, t- I'm game. telling you total rip man it the, does it, the the star wars where it says star wars at the top looks just like the a track screen of the title screen from the game it looks like you're flying you see the blasters from the x-wing off to the right and the left the mm-hmm. tie fighters oh, you've yeah. got the little fireballs yeah it's you got awesome. your little crosshair well you get the little i guess little carrot marks like is your targeting that you would steer with the yoke. Yeah. Now, if you notice at the top, it says score. It has, it's got it's the got, sh- it's got the shield. Meter. It's got the shield meter. Yeah. And it says score nineteen eighty three. <laughs> it's a, it's a sweet shirt, man. So there's I, no doubt. I have to thank Disney for this because when I got this, did you already give the pricing and all that? No, I have not. I, this was on Coles. Now I, I'm sure you can probably find these across the world because disney's involved yeah but stateside it looks like uh coles have a department store have these and if you don't have a coles i actually ordered mine online despite the fact of having a coles just minute what minutes away yeah the price tag is 15 bucks a shirt but as the time of this recording they are two for 22 dollars and when i did in-store pickup and I purchased on my Kohl's card, they were under 20 bucks for two shirts. Mm, nice. All right. Nice. And here's where I thank Disney. The tag that's on here is a, on the back of it, it's got Disney and yeah. StarWars.com, Lucasfilm. The front of it's got the current 
Kylo Ren with the white or the white, the red lightsaber yeah. that tends to mark all the, the current Star Wars merchandise. Uh-huh. So somebody at Disney decided to pull this out of the, I guess, archives of intellectual property that they now own yeah. and decided to put it on a shirt. Huh. Thank you. Mr. Mouse. Yeah, and that, I mean, it's sweet. It, it is cool, and and the thing about it is, is that I, I guess I didn't realize that ultimately Disney even owned the rights to what was the Atari arcade game that I'm sure was licensed via Lucasfilm back in the day before Disney ever got in into the into the hithers you and know, the throes of this. This is where you'd have to be an attorney to decide. I'm sure they own the Star Wars name and the font, but who owns the the image that is on the what shirt. a TIE fighter looks like is produced in vector graphics. And yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, you would have almost had to say, yeah, you can have the license, but, and you design the TIE fighter on the platform, but we ultimately own it. Yeah. Yeah. However it, it looks, and, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know. And, but ultimately they own, they have some claim to even the Atari arcade game or the graphics that mm-hmm. represent that or the likeness thereof in order to be able to put this on, put this on a shirt and then sell it at some place like Kohl's, which quite honestly, I'd never really, I never really thought, thought it that deep because of course, you know, Disney with it, with the current run of the star Wars films, I guess I just didn't think about it going all the way that far back, you know, in, in superseding even agreements that maybe Atari even had, like I said, with Lucasfilm. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting turn of events. So we'll have a link in our, in the show notes. If you go out to the Facebook page, you can see it. I don't see anything on here that, let's see, well, there's a style number, but I doubt that would be anything that you could use in other parts of the world. Given that this is branded Star Wars, it says Star Wars inside the collar, StarWars.com. I don't think that this is necessarily a Kohl's exclusive. You can probably find it. I bet if you Googled Star, uh, I don't even think you could put Atari Star Wars. There's nothing on here that would lead the average 12 year old of today to even know that this was not from a game. Yeah, exactly. So I don't know. I mean, you might have to resort to a, um, a Google search and images. Now I do notice that the, the tag, the Coles tag on here, it's got a style number, which is S T R W zero zero five three. And under that, it says red five standing by. Oh man, does it? So that nice. might be the title for the shirt. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Funny enough, if it is, that goes back to the game. It does. And here's the interesting thing. What that means is uh, somewhere along the lines, a fan had something to do with that. I would think so. Yes. Yes. Because you're right. At the very bottom of the shirt, it says, uh, use the force, which, I mean, this is all classic Star Wars stuff, but they've managed to hit on the key bits of speech that were in the game that were in the game somewhere That's exactly the, right somewhere throughout all of this That's so. exactly right so yeah very very nice uh, yeah, a cool find for not a lot of money no nope. not a lot of money at all so this next one Brent is a Kickstarter project and I'm I'm just so pleased that we're able to um, mention this Kickstarter project at least a few weeks before it ends. A lot of times we have the habit of uh, bringing these up and then between the time we record and when we release the Kickstarter project ends. Hold on, hold on, yeah. update, update. Yeah. Uh-huh. I googled 
uh, T-shirt Red Five standing by. Okay. So yes, there are a lot of generic Red Five standing bys, but all along the very top of the Google results is this shirt. Okay. A uh, n- uh, nerd kung fu, which I've never heard of, but we have to go look at. Okay. A uh, fun dot com, uh, superhero den, tease for all. There's all kinds of sites, all and right. they're all within nineteen to twenty three dollars. Okay. Well, very, very. So, if you don't have then. a Coles, you should have access to this shirt. Yeah, fair, fair right. enough. Sorry, all right. Have no, it. no, that's it, no worries. No, I'm, st- and, I'm stalling. No, it's fine. And like I say, I'm just glad that we're able to address this Kickstarter uh, in in a reasonable amount of time, so that it'll still be running by the time everybody hears this. We do have a, a link to this on the Facebook page, and this is, admittedly, this is my doing. I mean, I, I, I again, I admit I've got a bit of a problem here. I have a hard time resisting. Uh, hardcover, hardback books that delve into either art or the the period genre of arcades or console gaming. And so this Kickstarter is being done by uh, by Bitmap Books, and it's called uh, the Unofficial SNES slash Super Famicom: A Visual Compendium. And I do have their NES or Famicom compendium book, and it is uh, it's unbelievable. I'm I'm just so so beyond pleased with it, and I have no reason to believe that this Kickstarter will not deliver everything that it promises. Uh, Bitmap Bitmap Books is a um, is a UK based publisher and distributor. And if you go and look at their website, uh, and you can search them up or find them find the link to this on the Facebook page, you'll see that um, there are no strangers to this type of content. They've produced many, many books on retro computing, gaming consoles, and everything like that. And they do it at a very, very high quality, uh, very, a, a rate of very, very high quality there. So um, they're a result of very, very high quality. And uh, I'm just so looking forward to this book. So... Um, I think it's I think it's the Kickstarter wraps up somewhere. Um, let me take a look at this here real fast, just so that I don't uh, just so that I don't botch this too awful bad. Uh, it wraps up essentially uh, the first week of May, so um, a couple weeks still to go. Yeah, so a couple weeks still to go, so not bad. And uh, this is interesting, man. It's a thirty-two thousand dollar goal, and it's pledged two hundred thousand of the thirty-two thousand dollar <laughs> goal. I think they made it. Yeah, so I think they made it, and I'm sure they made it probably within a day or two of actually, of post the Kickstarter, just to be quite honest with you. So anyway, if you're a big fan of the SNES, big fan of Nintendo, big fan of books uh, about the SNES or about Nintendo or about console gaming or arcade gaming, uh, you don't want to miss this one. Well, at the rate you're getting these coffee table books, you're going to, one, have to get a, a huge coffee table, <laughs> yes. and two, you're going to have to start drinking coffee. Yeah, now I, I will definitely not take up the coffee thing, but yeah, another table wouldn't wouldn't do a man uh, any harm at all. So yeah. Well, I think you've got an express... Uh, uh, express path to Ikea at this point. So perhaps an Ikea table. There you go. Good thing about it is, um, you know, they, they go together easily and I've gotten so handy at it. I, uh, my wife and I don't have to fight while we put them together. So it works out. <laughs> you just do it. You don't have to, you just do it for fun. There you go. Yes. Yeah. You just fight for fun. So this is the next thing is something I've dug up where yet again, I'm spending my money. Yeah. Now let me ask you, is this something you're going to get? I mean, is this, I are, think you, are I you really, am. are you really interested in it to the point I, where you get it? I, I I believe I am, and okay. I actually want to throw this out right. for someone, if someone else has, has actually gotten this and used it. Yeah. What this is, is a Nintendo Multiverses kit, and okay. it's at highscoresays.com. Mm-hmm. So pull that link out, Whitney, and we'll have it in the show notes. 
Yep. Open that guy up in a browser. I'm doing it. And uh, I'll get scroll down and you'll see a table of the PPUs. All right. So while he's doing that, where I saw this was somebody on one of the Facebook groups had offered one of these for sale. They pulled it out of their game and decided not to not. They didn't want it any longer. Yeah. I had never seen this. And honestly, I thought the guy had done it himself and was offering these for sale. Uh, he had with it this this like on. remote on a cable uh-huh. and it had a dial on it. And yeah. that way you could remotely switch the games. Okay. Otherwise you have to get in and get to the board and flip the little bank and dip switches to set the games. All right. Yeah. So this goes right onto a versus daughter board. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't substitute for the PPU. The PPU sets your color palette. Mm-hmm. So certain games have certain PPUs. There are, if memory serves, some PPUs that can be used on multiple games. That is correct. And and one game can run across multiple PPUs. Okay, as well. but the, it, does the p- color palette skew? I don't believe it does. Okay, so that's my question because if you look at their page, they've got a breakdown of the the common PPUs. Mm-hmm. PPUs are one, two, three, and four. And what games will run if your board has that PPU? Yeah. So that's what games you can program, or I, I haven't even really gotten into it, whether I think you can tell – when you order it, you tell them which PPU you have, and I believe you'll get the EEPROMs already programmed for that set of games. Oh, is that right? Right. Huh. And I noticed that there's a lot of duplicates, like PPU 3 and 4 have Pinball and Mighty Bomb Jack. Well, actually, all four of them have Pinball and Mighty Bomb Jack. Yeah. Excite Bike is on PPU 01, PPU 02. Uh, I see it on PPU 304. So, I see a lot of the duplicates. So my question is, will it play, but the colors are the colors skewed? Yeah. Good, good question. Because I know that, uh, I know that just from my own experience that, you know, depending upon the PPU and depending upon the game, uh, and if you're, if you're using one of the games that is compatible with multiple PPUs, mm-hmm. no, the colors will not skew, but there are some games that will play, with a different PPU, but, but the, the colors co- are skewed. Exactly. See, colors so, off, yeah. so yeah, so the colors are off. So it depends upon, so as with most anything, the answer is it depends, and it depends upon the combination of the PPU and the game in question is what it does. Right. Yeah. So I haven't downloaded the installation instructions yet. I, I've looked through just the, the page here where you're purchasing it, mm-hmm. and, and I don't see anything that specifically says one way or the other. I haven't contacted him because I, I literally just came oh, across this within the past yeah. like 48 hours. Interesting. So on the webpage, it says this kit is able to be customized by the end user. A basic game list is provided on the kit. However, it can be altered with files on this site or on the internet. Now, I don't really know what quote unquote on the internet really means, but per se to the legality of distributing the mm-hmm. the ROMs and or the games, but Hey, hey, man! I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not complaining, and I'm not going to ruin the party either. So, well, I see here. Choose from your PPU to create a custom game list. You select eight mm-hmm. games. Mm-hmm. So, all these PPUs have more than eight. So, I'm assuming what they're doing, and I'm not downplaying this because I, I haven't done it. Yeah, but what they're doing is 
they know the size of each of these games. They're locating them at specific addresses within the, the address space they have in the EPROMs that, that are on their daughter board. And then when they switch them, basically they're just activating or they're doing some mapping to make that address range the current address range for the card, yeah, for the for, board, rather. Yeah, yeah, for the board to so see and play. They have, they have eight holes. What games do you want in those eight holes? Yeah. And if you know where those holes are, you can program your own EPROMs and rearrange them any way you want after you have it. Yeah, it, this is definitely this is definitely interesting. Um, I, you know, there's there's a part of me that, for whatever reason, I just want to stay a little bit simpler with my <laughs> with my yeah. red tent and um and just kind of go the old school way of swapping out the ppus and and just having a few boards kind of stacked with a few games and uh brent i guess for lack of a better term just swap the boards and i'm good with that and i could do that as well you mm-hmm. know because i'm looking right now like for my red tent uh, tennis, balloon fight, and wrecking crew. Mm-hmm. I know tennis you can play all four players. I think balloon fight you can, and I don't remember wrecking crew, but I'm pretty sure that you can. So you could use those on a versus dual system, the double upright, mm-hmm. or both sides of a red tent, and mm-hmm. four players can play. Yeah. Looking at this, all these configurations, no matter the PPU, you can do that. Yeah. And you can have all those games and just switch between them. Yeah. Or you can do it with three boards. Yeah. And yeah. all the EPROMs. Yeah. Very, so. very true. Very true. Yeah. Very and, true. And the associated PPUs, one per each board. That's exactly. Or two, rather, because you have to have one on each side. One on each side. Yeah. That's, so. that's exactly right. But when you think about it, I mean, this this is this is an excellent, excellent solution. I'm glad it exists. I, I'm, I just don't know that I am to the point where... I'm ready to go down this road. Um, well, you know, like with a with a red tent, like mm-hmm. look at the first PPU one and two. Mm-hmm. You could put Wrecking Crew, Balloon Fight, and Tennis on both kits because yeah. you'd have to have two kits, one for each side. Right. And then that's three games. Then you can pick five other games unique to each side at yes. that point. But you know what? When you look at this, I mean, games like Mighty Bomb Jack, Pinball, Battle City, Excite Bike, they're, they're Mock Rider. Um, Super Mario Brothers, Tetris, uh, Hogan's Alley, Duck Hunt. I mean, I mean, if you, I mean, honestly, if you look at like the difference between PPU01 and PPU02, there's no difference. PPU02 is actually a superset of PPU01 because it'll run slalom. It'll run, uh, let's see, slalom, ladies golf, and uh, maybe golf. Yeah, it looks like golf, ladies golf, and slalom are the differences. So mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I, I, anyway, we're we're I think we're talking talking this into a hole, but but yeah, I totally get where you're going with it. This is nice. The, the, oh, I can nice. definitely see a place for it, and yeah. I, I want to know more about it because it looks interesting. Mm-hmm. It looks like something I would really consider doing on my red tent. So if um, if anybody out there's got one, I mean, let us know because yeah, you know, right off, I'm thinking two kits. And do do the 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 four player games, and then have a mix in the remaining slots yeah. on either side, yeah. and just and go at it. Yeah, and just kind of mix it up. Well, I tell you what, I've got I've got other stuff in front of me for the next few months. But if you tackle this, I, I want to know what you do. I want to know how you come out. Part on of it. this is I'm trying to think of new and innovative ways to free space. Yeah, okay. And I've got two versus Unisystems over there. Yes, and I don't want to give up the versus games because I like Excite Bike, and I, I, I do too. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. And my niece and a lot of my family loves uh, Super Mario. Yep. And yep. 
So I'm thinking if I, I could set a red tent like right over against one of the walls here where I've got a space mm-hmm. and keep those games and free two holes up. That's it. Yeah, I, yeah, that's where I'm at. Well, you know something, uh, we're gonna put the we're gonna put my red tent in the console room mm-hmm. and put it against the opposite wall where the TVs are and everything like that because it's the perfect room to do a sit down like that while you're playing some other console games. And um, what having the red tent does is it keeps me from having to have another two, another at least another two, one if not two games in the arcade room. Yeah, so nope, that, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So, no, I'm high on the red tent, man. Extremely high on it. But I'm just kind of curious as to how this is going to work out Yeah, for I've you. got other... I've got many more irons in the fire. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to get to the red tent. And this is very attractive. Yeah, there's there's no doubt. Okay, awesome, dude. Well, that's one to keep an eye on. All right, take me in Atari Land with Yeah, you. so this next one, Brent, this next one I'm going to call Death by a Thousand Paper Cuts, okay? Because <laughs> this is what this turns into. This is a potential... This is a potential for a reproduction of Atari cone buttons or cones for the Atari buttons. That's the better way to say that, Mm -hmm. okay? The Atari cones. Now, these are going to be potentially done. This is kind of like a pre-order or an interest list, gauging interest on running the cones, either short or tall, in either anodized black or potentially powder-coated, or silver okay so either either black or black or silver and the black is uh up in the air right now as to whether it would be powder coated or anodized black now the thing about this is is so the factory black cones were all plastic yes now so this would be an improvement quote unquote per se but they would be smooth right because the factory black cones had a little texture they had a little texture to them that's the question if they're anodized they're going to be smooth if they're powder coated they may or may not be depends on how they depends on how they were made that's exactly right yes yeah they, they may or may not be so so we'll see don't know the thing about it is is that um yes it is i guess relatively an inexpensive item but these are coming in at six dollars a pop okay Mm. Now, <laughs> um, well, the metal ones are probably raw aluminum. I mean, they're probably turned. Yeah, and they, to me, they would have to be. Yep. Okay, they would have to be. So there's going to be some expense in in the the turning slash milling of this. The only reason I, I draw a little hesitation on the money on this brand is because if you want all of your game, all of your Atari games looking good, and you you want to be consistent about it, I mean, you could. I mean, each game could wind up being twelve dollars plus. I mean, if you got if you've got you know a, a decent sized collection, you can wind up sinking a hundred dollars in cones. Oh yeah, you in know, a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. So that's the only reason why. There's a little bit of hesitation in my voice, but we'll have the link up. Uh, it's a link on Clov, and I, I'll tell you, I hope it happens because these things are always hard to come by. Well, let me ask this. Okay. Not just of you, but of the listeners. Okay. How often do you need one of these? That's the see, and the my response is hardly, hardly never. That's that's now, the issue. If you're deconverting a game, uh-huh. 50-50. Yeah. Because I've seen converted Atari games where they just left the the buttons in and they used them. And typically where you see these is um, in the color games, in the color vector games, 
uh, and, and even the black and white vectors. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at my battle zone, but it's behind my yeah. murder time. You'll see they, them on, they, on they asteroids, were, they, they black and white buttons. vectors. Yeah. Now, I know in Missile Command, I was trying to think if there was earlier games. I, I'm pretty sure oh, there missile, was. Missile Command had them as well. And they were the actual fire, fire buttons. buttons. Yes. Okay. Yes. And that allowed you to get the buttons close. Really, I guess maybe that's why they did it. You can get them real close together so you could just do it with, with like your within, fingers. Within finger spacing. Yeah. Yes. On your, well, I'm sorry. Within... It was spaced within a hand yes. for multiple fingers. Now, yes. I think earlier Atari games, especially a lot of the black and whites, they also used them for action-type buttons, fire and whatever. Okay. All right. I did not know that, but I, okay. I'm pretty sure. Right. I, well, I'm sure you're right. So, so. regardless, uh, I, I've never I've never needed one. And, but, but yet, they always seem to be sought after. And I know do. that over time there have been a few folks that have reproduced them, and they've always done well with they've them. In always terms done, of selling they've them. always done yeah. well. That's exactly so right. I'm just kind of interested. I mean, are we in the minority? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm interested in it because of what it is and because of the problem that it solves. And I realize that if you're looking to do, quote unquote, a good restoration, you're going to want good but good cones on the buttons. I guess I am left a little concerned or a little um, a, a little unable to quantify whether or not it's really as big of a problem mm-hmm. as we might think it is. Well, someone's know. trying to reproduce them, so I'd have they, to say hey, there is. You know, there must be some more more power to them. So let's we'll see if we can get it to go. And uh, if if it does go, then at least you would have a source for them going forward. Which, like you say, Brent, it seems like every time that this topic comes up their run and then you'll have uh essentially a dearth of them for a year or two and then they'll pick up and be run again mm-hmm. so they don't seem to be in constant supply let's let, let, let me say that that's probably the easier thing to say yep yeah all right so this the next few things this looks like it might be a little what am i buying for you this yeah. is a little this we're getting into the selfishness here yeah because this is stuff i'm buying for you yeah it would be so th- this is both of these or these next two items both of these items are related to mad planets or mock three and this is all in the interest stage right now. There is a thread running on Clav about uh, reproduction uh, joystick centering grommets for a Mad Planets or for a Mach 3. Uh, they need 50, uh, 50 people. Well, they need a committal on 50 grommets in order to run the, um, in order to get the grommets rerun. And there are 20 so far. So I, I don't know that it's going to make it. But since it's not time bound, I don't think it really much matters. It'll just sit out there in uh, kind of limbo or waiting status until it trips over that that magic number. The next one, Brent, and I'm actually kind of surprised this is even going to be done. Okay, I'm including this for completeness. I'm actually shocked that I'm, I'm shocked that it might actually happen. But there is a interest list for a reproduction Mach three or Mad Planets joystick assembly. And Brent, I'm talking the whole mm-hmm. dang thing. Okay, the entire shooting match. Upper, lower, base, uh, the, the the entire centering mechanism, the joystick, the shaft, the you know the trigger, the back plate, do not all of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and if you if you've ever seen one of these joysticks, they're big. Yeah, <laughs> they are involved. They're they're involved. See, and this looks familiar. Like I've maybe had my hands on. I don't know what this. I don't know how true this is to the original. This looks very nice, and I can tell that it looks like it's been made out of. 
not modern parts, but maybe made in such a way that while it's quality, it's obviously small batch. It's mm-hmm. not like production because yeah. yes. it's, it's too nice. It's too nice. That's right. exactly yeah. right. But the form looks very familiar to Yes, me. it does. Well, I think in that picture, they note in the thread that I think the form, on the on, at least on the plastics on the joystick, they're mocking it up using a Tron, a black Tron. Or, no, I'm talking about the base, the body oh, of the oh, stick. The, oh, yeah, uh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... Um, so anyway, I, I don't know what all was used to get it to that point. If they, if they're kind of like, uh, stealing a few parts or robbing a few parts from here or there to get it to that point. But, uh, if, if a reproduction mad planet's joystick assembly start to finish could be done, I, I'm, I would be amazed. And there are people jumping in the thread. Uh, unfortunately I'm not one of them because I don't need it. And I just don't want to spare mad planet's joystick just sitting on a shelf. But, Hey, I, I, I'll promote it and support it because it's it's for a game that I love dearly. So we'll we'll see if that gets done. Um, so anyway, we'll have that in the show notes. And this next one, Brent, um, I don't know if you would be interested in this, and I, I'm I'm including it because I, I'm going to file this in the not sure if it works, but it sure does look good. Category. Um, this is a small PCB. Uh, cost of nineteen dollars. That has been uh, that has been kitted up by a gentleman on Clove. He goes by the handle of Sand One, and this is a um, this PCB supposedly addresses a problem on Gottlieb, on on some Gottlieb boards, most notably Cubert and Mad Planets, Crawl uh, Three Stooges, etc. That uses a specific PCB part number, which I think most of the Gottlieb board the Gottlieb games do. But essentially, this eliminates what is considered high score reset and and corruption issues. And uh, they do note that Cubert is most widely known for this. I don't know if you've seen this problem before. I, I have not, but honestly. I've got a Cubert. Mm-hmm. I've got working boards for Cubert. Mm-hmm. Uh, never the two shall meet yes. because the working boards are within feet of you. Okay. And the cabinet is within several yards of you. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, they've, I, I've never, I've not assembled a working Cubert. Well, so. and, and, and here's the thing I've got a Cubert out in my, uh, out of my building, and I've got a good set of Cubert boards uh, in my workroom, and never the two of mine have met either. And uh, I do want a Cubert in the worst of, oh, I'm sorry. I have a Cubert. I want a working Cubert in the worst of ways. And I'm hoping that towards the later part of this year or next year, I can make that happen. But this is interesting. I mean, the reason I'm interested in this is because there is a good backstory on this. Um, th- there is a screenshot of, of of a Cubert being affected by what this board is attempting to address or supposedly addresses. Mm-hmm. Um, a nice I, explanation of what the problem is. That's exactly how right. How addresses it. How it addresses it and what the board actually does and why this board is a better solution than not having the board at all. And for $19, it looks like a fairly affordable way to solve, to solve a problem. And, they, and the author does make note um, what this board doesn't do. And it's like, this board does not revive a dead board, a dead PCB. <laughs> it's not magic. It's, it's, not, it's not magic. It's not going to fix a bad board. What this does is it addresses a one specific problem. It, it is not a high-score save kit, okay? It does not fix high scores that, that apparently do not save well and what i also note here is it may help if your board doesn't boot every time and then looking back at what what does 
what does this fix? And it's a reset circuit. And why is it insufficient? You, you can realize that, that this problem also affects the boot up of the board, not just yes. the saving and the corruption of your high scores. So yes. that's kind of interesting. It, it is. It is. And, and so when, when you look at this board and I'll, I'll have a picture of it in the show notes. I, I mean, this board has uh, has three. Let's see, look, looks like one, two, three, potential. Yeah, three mounting points, um, and then it it sets over top of a few components that are removed off of the board itself. Um, you know, it looks like one capacitor and a couple of other components. A capacitor and a resistor. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Capacitor and a resistor. Basically, okay. you take out the factory two component reset circuit. Or yeah. Two, two component reset. Yeah, circuit. and yeah. then. And then replace it with this. With this, yep. yes. So you know something uh, for nineteen bucks, I'm actually game on it, and uh, I don't know how long this guy will be producing those. Or so I've wasted uh, a lot more and gotten a lot less. So <laughs> I, you know what? I, I think uh, I, I think I'm going to give this one a shot and see see how it goes. So so with that, Brent, um, we have. Uh, I mean, we've potentially spent your money on some very high dollar joysticks, uh, some six dollar comb buttons that easily <laughs> run up to a hundred bucks. Uh, red, An awesome t shirt, awesome t shirt, and anything with the red tint is going to be expensive. Yeah, so we know that. So I don't know, Brent. I'm going to have to tally this one up at easily, uh, easily probably five to six hundred dollars. Yeah, you're hurting. I'm dude. hurting. You're hurting. You need to go get a second job. I do. <laughs> <laughs> I do. And so before you, I'm going to have to sell my red me, tint. Yeah, no, no, no. Don't do that. Don't do that. Sell it to me so I can sell it back to you. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> It'll stay in the family. How about that? So anyway, Brent, that's uh, that's April spending money. Uh, yes, Brent, it hurts so good. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next up, we've got something hopefully very interesting to everybody. Yes. We're going to have a little bit of a history lesson. Yes. And, and you know something, Brent? What's interesting is I've even had people on Twitter contact me and say, hey, have you run that segment yet? And then I say, hey. No, we haven't, but it's coming up in this month's show. So, man, there's some people that are inter- that have been very interested in Sweet. hearing this. So, yes, so, it's awesome. So, what the segment is, is it's from the 2017 Louisville Arcade Expo. It's a panel that I hosted where I interviewed Mr. Jimmy Litzy, operator extraordinaire yep. uh, of uh, Litzy Distributing Company located here in Louisville, Kentucky. And the, the quick backstory, so that you to kind of prep you for what you're about to hear is Jimmy's father started a Litzy distributing company. I think it was, we, we had, we talk about it in the interview, I believe it was back in the mid fifties. And, uh, Jimmy came into the family business as did his wife and then other members of the family. And it grew from there. They were operators through the seventies, the heyday of the eighties and the course into the nineties. Okay. And, um, Jimmy continued to operate for quite some time after that on a, on a pretty significant scale. We all understand what happened to the industry. So that did kind of wind down. Nonetheless, there are, uh, quite a few stories of just interesting things they encountered, the size of the operation, uh, a lot of behind the curtain, what it was like on the other side of the coin door, if you will, yeah, yeah. how the business was run. <laughs> other side okay? of the coin door. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been an awesome name for that that, that uh, seminar. Yes. Yes, it would. So 
uh, sit back, give it a listen. Now we'll give you a little warning that in a couple places, the audio gets a little rough. We were just kind of yeah. trying to work with the room a little bit. It was a new room for everybody this year. So it was a little bit of a, a learning exercise, but overall it's very it's good. It's good quality. And yeah. I, I don't think that there's, there's any super rough spots in it. Nothing that any, it's just, where you miss any of the content. The content is stellar. The, the content is good. The audio, the audio brand is, is it's, it's by and large, it's pretty good. Yes. I, the, what, what I did notice. And I think what people will probably uh, key on is where it gets a little sketch is at the very end when people are asking questions out in the audience yeah. because the mics just could not reach to those people. But what I noticed when I was previewing this, you did a real good job of repeating every single question. So don't worry. Uh, every Everybody will hear the question and hear Jimmy's answer. So it, it works out. Yeah. It's just it, it's just the, the way the room was set up and people, they didn't come up to the mic. They sat in a chair and they asked their questions. They kind of yelled a question. And they so. just yelled a question from the back of the room. So it was it was a problem that was actually very hard to solve. So if you hear a little mumbling, just sit tight because <laughs> yeah. right after it, you should get me recapping the question. Exactly. So and this, this is solid stuff. And I so want to have Jimmy on the show. So we could have several shows. It's nothing but Jimmy just telling stories. Uh, and you know something, we owe it to our listeners to do that at some point. I say maybe Brent, we get past the skyskipper stuff in yep. June and we could, we could revisit that. Here's a, here's an interesting little factoid. I sat down with Jimmy and his wife, Rhonda to kind of pre-prepare for the interview. Just okay. the three of us. Yeah. And we probably just chatted around a table for what was easily three hours. Wow. Just chitting and chatting. And I, I was of course making notes and those notes I drew from for the for the interview. There is just so much there, just so many interesting stories and anecdotes and you know uh, I hope, like you, like you mentioned, one day we're going to get Jimmy on, and yeah. maybe we should just have Jimmy and family wall to wall one day. But nonetheless, <laughs> that that would be that would be pretty sweet. So I would say sit back and enjoy because everybody's in for a treat here. This is officially the two o'clock panel, Louisville Arcade Expo. And my name is Brent Griffith. I'm with the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast. And then behind the camera is my co-host, Whitney. Whitney, hi. No one can see on camera. Today, we wanted to do a talk with an operator. And then I have with me Mr. Jimmy Litzy of, uh, is, is, what's the proper title of the company? Litzy Equipment and Distributing Company. Talking to the mic. Okay. Litzy Equipment and Distributing Company. <laughs> So what I wanted to do is kind of give a retrospective or a perspective from the operator's point of view. Folks that come to the show are, at this point, collectors. And I know a couple years ago, Jimmy, you came to Expo, I think it was three years ago, and it was your first time in a venue like this. It was the second Expo. Okay. It was the second Expo that they had here. So, is this? Can everybody hear us? Is it? Do we need any of the mics up or anything? Okay. And... I recall kind of looking at you as you walk through the show floor, and it just was a little bit of amazement. That's the way I put it. It was very amazing to see what was going on. I never seen anything like that. <laughs> and you know, this this gentleman, and we'll get into a little bit of the history and what's behind this. But from your perspective, it's safe to say that all the equipment that's out here, it, you know, here's a pack and a miss pack and a and a big guns pinball. This this was just equipment. This was 
something way to you make use money. just strictly a way to make money and it, i guess it would be safe to say you didn't realize that this existed this no, culture I at all no idea <laughs> no idea if i did i wouldn't have gave everything away <laughs> i broke it up and put it in the dumpsters oh <laughs> and that's something we're going to talk about because at the end of the day and please please don't hate mr litzy <laughs> at the end of the day this it, 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 let's just be honest. It was equipment, and it served a purpose. And we're going to talk a little bit about what happened back in the day when this stuff was was in the way. So, let's talk a little bit about history. Um, when was when was the the company started? When was the business started? My father started. It was either fifty one or fifty two, and he incorporated in fifty eight. Okay, and he started with gambling machines. If Basically, back in those days, they were called bingos, the old uh, bingos, 25 hole drops. Uh, that's what he started with. And uh, he started putting, taking them apart. I don't know if you realize how big these machines really were, but he would take them apart and put them in his Model T. And that's how he moved them around the, from bar to bar, tried to go to a bar and talk them into putting it in. That's how he started. I, I believe you told me a story where he actually started with a Turf King, which is yeah, a... one ball Turf King. It, that is a huge piece of equipment. Yes. And he would move it around in a car, and that's, yeah, that's the exactly, way it started. Exactly. And eventually, that rolled itself into larger operating uh, across the city and Cardinal Fun Center. Well, Cardinal Fun Center was created in uh, 1974 is when we opened it. Um, that's when I graduated from high school. Prior to that, he asked me what I wanted to do. and I told him, I said, I'd like to go to college for a month. And he's like, uh, what? And I said, well, I want to go to college, party for a month, and I'll be home. I want to work, I want to work the business. And he said, appreciate you being honest, but nah, it ain't happening. <laughs> so and this uh, was your dad? That's my dad. Okay. So uh, we started, uh, he started buying equipment. He says, you got to be willing to work. And I said, let's do it. So we started gathering up equipment. Basically, bottom is bottom line is we ran out of room. We had no place to put all this equipment, so we came up. I came up with the idea. It was my idea to start a game room, a place to put the games, store the games, and have people play them. But it's our warehouse, and that's how Cardinal Fun Center started. Started with basically four pool tables and a lot of pinballs. So in, in 1974, you didn't really have the what, influx of, of video games There wasn't. There point. was only the one I talked to you about that I saw. Pay 200 bucks for it. What was it? It was space. What it was, was it? It was computer space. Computer space. So he bought a computer space it for... Was 200, 200 bucks. For 200 bucks. And and I, well, that game came out in 71... So it was probably a used piece of equipment at yeah, that time. Yeah, it was, and I had to talk him into it. He would, he, he said, no, it's stupid, look at it, you know, and I talked him into it, and then after the first week, pulled the cash box out. The cash box was nothing but a metal gas can, is what was in there, and it was full, and he just said, hmm, and he walked away. That was it. <laughs> so that's how it started. So, and I made a couple notes here. You had mentioned to me that the average cost of a pinball around early 70s was about $600? Right, correct. And in today's money, you know, we talk about the, the cost of equipment. In today's money, uh, that's $2,200. And you talked, you mentioned to me the average price of a video game. Do you remember what we talked about there? It should be, I remember. I, I feel remember, like I'm quizzing so, you, Jimmy. No, I, I, I remember what I sold them for more than I do what we paid for them. Okay. I was selling them for about twenty four ninety five, about the average price. I'm looking at like for Donkey Kongs, Miss Pac Man's, Defenders, uh, you know, stuff on that order. That's it was about twenty four ninety five was pretty much a set price. So in nineteen eighty two. 
$2495 equates to about $6300 today. So that's that's kind of what if you, if you look at it that's kind of what equipment costs to this day in today's money. Mm -hmm. So all right, so we talked a little bit about Cardinal Fund Center, and then as that started to expand, you all, again, needed more space, and that led you to the right. next location. Well, then, then we got to the point to where we didn't have any place to work on anything because it was full of people playing and, and carrying on, so we needed another place. So we went a couple blocks over to where we are right now at 1508 South 7th Street, and we bought that. It was a uh, grocery store. And we bought the grocery store, gutted it, and that was the first time and last time I've ever poured concrete. Now, did you pour concrete in the in the building? Or? Yeah, it had a wood floor. It was. It a, had a wooden floor. It had a wooden floor, and we ripped it all out. And uh, it, it was a grocery store. It was really kind of neat. It was a grocery store, and where the cash register was, when we tore out the wood floor, we found all kinds of silver coins where they had dropped and fell through the wooden floor, and they were just under there, you know, because they couldn't get them. Oh yeah. Until we ripped the floor out. Yeah. So did that pay for the building? No. No. <laughs> no. And then shortly thereafter that, we you had to that. expand again. We outgrew, we outgrew so that. Now, now we, so you, about two years after Cardinal Fund Center, so that would mm. be about 1976? I don't think it was that long. I think, okay. we, I, think we bought, I think we bought the other place in a year or so after Cardinal. Okay. We grew that fast. And then it wasn't much. We're about 74, 75. About 75. So and this is, you're still in the height of pinball. Uh, a lot but of pools. Videos tables. are starting. To, videos are just starting to come a little bit. Just not much. Just a little bit. It seems like, but mainly pinballs and pool tables. And then uh, right next door to our at 1508 was the John Marshall School, and we went to the Board of Education. It was all boarded up. Ask them if they wanted to sell it, and they said no. And we said okay. A couple weeks later, they came back and said, uh, "You still interested?" And we're like, "Yeah." So we bought it, and they gave us. They wanted 90 days to get out, and we told them, "Fine, go ahead." And uh, we contacted them in about 100 days. Nobody had ever showed up, and they said, "We're done." And so we went in there, and brand new desk, brand new lockers. Uh, I mentioned to you one time we counted there was 2,000 rolls of toilet paper. <laughs> I think you told me you all had a yard sale, right? Well, we ended up with a big yard sale, sold, <laughs> sold a bunch of lockers to uh, actually South Park Country Club. They were building a new uh, pro shop. They bought all the lockers. Uh, we had printing presses in there, desk. Um, I'm trying to think. Of, I guess the Board of Education, they'd used it for storage at that exactly. point. Exactly. They were using it for storage. This, and this was one of the, the coolest things. I've been in the building, had been in the building several times. What was in the basement? In the basement, back in those days, we were always scared that Russia was going to bomb us or whatever, right? Kind of like today. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> and uh, there was uh, dried up biscuits and silver fence water just stored in, in what, what were those, 22-gallon barrels, I think? I, I think it was about 20, 22 gallons. Yeah, 22-gallon barrels stored of just water in cans of silver fence biscuits. Pallets of them in the back corner yeah, of the basement. Pallets. Yeah. I know the school was two story, but do you, do you have any idea of the dimension of it? And, and I want to give folks. It was thirty thousand square feet. It was thirty thousand. Thirty thousand square feet. And, and what I what I want to do is kind of give a an idea of the size of the operation, and and just the, the sheer amount of equipment. You know, because a lot of us we. We were on the other side of the game back in the day. You know, we'd see. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> we didn't see what fed that. And right. do, you know, do you have an idea, Jimmy, as to how large the operation that your family had 
in terms of the other operators throughout the state or even, I guess, the tri-state area, Indiana, Kentucky, means like Tennessee? Being the biggest? Yeah, the large. We were the biggest in the, in the arcade business, yes, or video games or whatever, yes. So do you have a feel at the height of all the arcades and... Well, I went. I went back through actually yesterday because we talked about this mm -hmm. last Saturday, and I found some old computer records. And I flipped through. I didn't count them all, but I counted one page, and then I timed it by how many pages it was. And my wife was even shocked. It was somewhere around 2,200 locations. Oh wow! And and that's within basically the city of Louisville, or did you go out to um, Lexington? We went, to, we, went to Le we went to Lexington. We were up through uh, Indiana. Uh, the furthest way, I was looking through some sheets, and it looks like it was up in Berea College. I had Berea College. So that was probably the furthest way. And do you have any idea how many pieces you had out? No, because some pieces, it didn't have that. Some places, I had Butchel Fire Department. I looked at that and I saw that and I was like, wow, mutual <laughs> fire department. So, I mean, it, it might have one, it might have, the most I had in any one location, I think, was 60. Oh, wow. And that was up at Joyland Bowling Alley. Um, I had 60 pieces there. But most of them, I, I, can't, I was looking at some of the bowling alleys, most of them ran between 20 and 25 pieces. So, and, and I know I grew up here in Louisville, and I'm sure that your family benefited quite a bit from my family. Oh, <laughs> you're welcome. That's why I keep saying that. Yeah. And I'm sure folks here from, from Louisville, it's, it's the same way. If you grew up in Louisville, there's a, a, an unbelievable chance that you played some of uh, Lith Mr. Litzy's games. Yeah, I mean, I, I was looking, like it says, who there, and I was just trying to think of, you know, like Suds Bucket. I don't even know what it was, but that was one of our locations. It was all kinds of, you name it, anything. It was, like I said, from fire departments to laundromats to mm -hmm. grocery stores anybody would let us put a game in a spot we did you take it so today you know what comes to my mind is how do, you, how do you keep up with that how do you how do you know that this game is where how do you know that this game has been repaired eight times and may need to come back to the shop you know we on, couldn't I, we couldn't really get into that because uh, we didn't have computers right i mean we were in infancy of that i mean i was telling I was you, say, I was, uh, here i've this is more than oh, put a man on the moon in terms yeah, of processing i'm right. for folks that listen to this audio i'm holding up my cell phone H how did you all deal with that i mean our first computer was a radio shack tandy i mean that was the first thing and then uh we not the not the best choice thirty years later, well, but at we the time we, it was pretty. <laughs> we had no idea. We had no idea, you know. And then we kept growing and getting into it, and we ended up with an IBM. I don't know. I can't tell you what it was. All I know is I paid ten thousand dollars for it. <laughs> That's all. Well, that was it. Was a desktop PC. Yeah, it, it, it was a desktop. It had okay. One of those big Floppy things, but it, it's big. It was probably an AT or an XT, no, but you know, no. about ten grand. That that seems yeah, about right. Ten grand. Then no. we had there was no programs for it, so we had to hire a guy to come in and write our program just for us on it. So now you told me a, a, a an interesting story about that, and it had to do with and for folks that aren't IT back before things like the cell phone with gigabytes and gigabytes of storage, you had to count every bit and byte because RAM and storage was unbelievably expensive. And you all had a conversation about how many... Well, when we were getting into it, we, we sat down with him and he came up with a lot of good ideas how to track a machine and do what this and that with it. Well, we wanted to know if I wanted to pull up Suds bucket and look at the machines. I wanted to know how much money was in each machine each week, mm -hmm. you know. And uh, so he said he he figured, well, what, what should I do? I said, sit it at nine ninety nine. I said nothing's going to go over 
$1,000 a week. It's not going to happen. So let's just set it up at that. And so that's what we set it up at. And then, and then how they, long did that last? He had to come back and change that. <laughs> what was the game that threw that over? It was the cranes, the toy, the ones that pick up the animals. Yep. That's what, that's what uh, went over, took it over $1,000 a week. So that, that's kind of an interesting topic. I know that I have heard uh, a seminar with uh, one of the vice presidents of Namco US, and he mentioned, he, he's a long time in, in the industry, and he mentioned that the cranes saved the Namco arcades. I they they were really running at the edge, people weren't coming in, and then when they brought cranes in, it helped save the Namco business stateside, and I, I think you had a little different take on it. Yeah, it didn't, it didn't, it helped us, don't get me wrong, it helped mm-hmm. us, but I mean, we are, the games were still doing the same amount of money, but when we added the cranes, it, we just went from here to here in profit, so we just went way up. We, games were still doing the same amount of money for us. So talk a little bit about it. it uh, pinballs are one thing, and we'll get in uh, a little little further down. We'll get into like some of the staffing and some of the logistics um, in terms of repair and, and, and the like. But on the crane side, talk a little bit about how you had to manage that in terms of filling the filling the machines and, yeah, well, and the like. There was we call them plush guys coming into town and rent a place up like this and just sit up all their stuff and I'd go there and just pick out you know give me 20 cases of just this one item and this, you know, this so this was way pre-internet you actually had to go to a location oh, and they set up and then you went to I them had and no ordered. idea what internet was <laughs> computers no, we, no they would sit up at a convention somewhere in a hotel somewhere and I'd meet them and, and we'd go through and I'd pick out he'd show me the plush coming out for the next year or for the next couple months and I'd just pick you know, one teddy bear. Give me, give me, give me a thousand of these. Give me a thousand of this, a thousand of that, and then they would ship into us in, in big crate boxes. And then in the school, I had a classroom. Actually, schools had little classrooms, and and the school was made and uh, built in 1905, I believe. The coat room was almost as big as this room, and you know, it was a really good sized room. And that's where we built and stored all our animals back here in that closet. We call it the closet. And then we we hired a girl just to do nothing but make garbage bags full of just animals. And then we gave her a truck with a topper on it. And every every day she made her routes and went around to all the cranes and just filled them. And then I, it was to 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 the point where you had to actually value the garbage bags because it was oh. just such a large large operation. We had you couldn't count per piece. Well, no, we were we were putting in dollar figures. Uh, mm-hmm. Each bag was worth a hundred bucks. There was a hundred dollars worth of animals in each garbage bag. Is what we we determined, and she would know like she's supposed to take this animal, this animal, this animal, this animal, and that equal to hundred dollars. And then we were always on a fifty-fifty split with the the business owners. Mm-hmm. Well, when this came in, it was totally new. We couldn't do a fifty-fifty split with them because we're paying for all the plush. So we went to 70-30 on that machine, on the cranes. And some of them didn't like that. So then we said, fine, we'll go back 50-50, but you got to split the cost of the animals. Thus came in the $100, knowing there was a $100 bag. So when she would walk in, she would get with somebody at the thing, and they'd just like check off, you put in two bags. Okay, that's 200 bucks. So they knew that they were going to owe us 100 bucks. So you mentioned uh, you would go and meet with the reps for the plush, and that kind of leads me into – this can be a, a seminar all into its own, but the AMOA shows where you would go yearly and preview the equipment. Right. Right. They, the AMOA show would always come out, I think it was in September, and 
I'm glad you raised your hand. If anybody has any questions, you know, uh, shout out, and then toward the end, I'll reserve a little time, and then we can really grill him. Uh, but AMA, uh, is it American Music Operators Association? I think American um, Music Operators Association. So it was music uh, originally. Music. Oh yeah, well it was yeah, it was music in there. Yeah, and it was a show that they ran. It was ninety-nine percent of the time it was in Chicago, because of ballet and Williams being in in Chicago, and Atari and a lot of other ones always complained every year, bring it out us, bring it bring it out west, this and that. But it was always usually in Chicago. All the manufacturers would show up. I mean, they would need a place like the fairgrounds, and it would be one booth after another after another, and they're presenting all the new games that they're thinking about producing. And we would spend all day long, all, we'd spend four days, three to four days, all day long playing video games, playing pinballs, playing, looking at pool tables, looking at anything that's being manufactured out there. And uh, that's, and then afterwards, we would go to dinner with several of the other distributors from all over the country, and we we had maybe 16, 20 people at, at the dinner table, and we'd go around a table, and everybody had to say what they hated and what they loved, and we all just put our own input into it, and then the next day we'd go out to it again, come back to dinner again that night. So it was getting feedback from all the other distributors all over the country also. So that, that dovetails into another question I wanted to ask. <laughs> I know. Do you recall your list of distributorships because I, I, Stearns, Tato, Williams, uh, Namco, uh, gosh, I don't know. I mean, there were so many. Um, uh, did to, you have game plan? Did you? I had, we had game plan. I had, yeah, we had the first. We had the first sharpshooter was yeah game plan. Did you do Atari uh, or did you? We didn't have Atari. Atari was. We could get Atari's. Atari. Atari didn't really put out a dealership. We just called and they would say, oh, sure, okay. send them to us. It was the Atari, if you want to do that. Uh, I don't know. We had like 20. I don't remember what it, I can't remember them all. So, and you mentioned that you all would sit around a table and discuss, you know, the day's activities after the show. Right. And then that was an opportunity for you all to figure out who has what in, in trade. So, I know you've told me a story about how you would get Bally and how you would provide right. Williams to well, other folks. It's kind of like having a car dealership. If you're a Chevrolet dealer, you're not going to have a Ford dealership with it. They're mm -hmm. not going to let you put the two together. We had Williams. We couldn't get we couldn't get Bally. We needed Bally or you know, Midway. We we needed them. And cuz of Miss Pac-Man mainly and, and different other games that way. Well, being at in Chicago at the AMOA convention, being these other dealers, they're in the same boat. But they got Bally. They need Williams. So we just struck up a, deal, a friendship with them, and we switched. I mean, you know, and I, I told you, I know, you know, it would be, we, we just came to a, a kind of an agreement that a truckload was worth a truckload. So I would and, and by truckload, you mean, I mean semi. semi-loads. So uh, I would send, I'd send him a semi-load of Defenders. He'd send me a sem semi-load of Miss Pac-Man or Pac-Mans. So, yeah. And then I... I believe at one point in time you told me your guys were were so good that they knew where to cut the boxes and you'd put somebody in a truck. Yeah, it, we he had to be careful because you didn't they didn't want 
serial numbers because the dealer, like the dealer in Louisville that, that had ballet, didn't want me selling ballets. So they would scrape up serial numbers so they didn't know where they came from. <laughs> so so we, we, every, every one of the boxes have a little bitty cut out because they knew where the serial numbers were and you just scratch it out and then put it back and then you go on. <laughs> so that's why we had to have the, the semis dropped and then we'd tell them come back in a couple hours and you, they'll all be ready to be shipped back out. <laughs> All right, so when, when you were at the shows, what did you look for to, to give you a clue if a game was going to be a hit or a miss? Luck, playing it, seeing what's going on. And I know, I know I've told you the story. The biggest one that I missed, <laughs> I was playing this game, and I said, this is the stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. Nobody's going to play this. And there's this little Japanese guy behind me trying to speak English to me, and we were talking. And he said, what? And I said, it's stupid. Nobody's going to play this game. And he just looked at me and goes, we'll see. And it was Pac-Man. I think you had a pinball story, too. That Oh, yeah. Well, See, I've got you in front of a crowd. <laughs> I can embarrass you. No. <laughs> no. Uh, I didn't miss very many pinballs. In fact, really, really well, tell a the, couple. Hit that, and then tell the story about how you, you would play test pinballs as well. Well, on, on pinballs, I, I didn't miss very many pinballs because I'd, I'd played pinball since I was a little kid. And... Williams would send us one of everything that they made, and then we would put it out onto our route. And we had, I don't know if anybody knows Play, Media, and Replay magazines, but that was our biggest uh, magazines for our business. And every time they'd come out, and the first, first two pages would be all the new games coming out and how much money they were making. Well, that was, that was part of our thing with Williams. We would send out, they'd send us one brand new pinball, we'd set it out on the streets, take the collections off of it, and send that report to replay and to play meter. And then they would average it out all over the country and that's the figure they put into the magazine. Well, when, when we get a brand new pinball, I'd have it, my, my dad get mad at me because I wouldn't put it out, I'd keep it in, a, in the office for several days. And I'd just play it. And I'd play it and play it and play it and play it and I'd play it with the sound cranked up as loud as it go and I'd play it with the sound all the way off. And if I could play it and keep my interest on both ways, we'd, we'd put it in an order form. And that's the way I test pinballs. And I guess you want me to... Yeah, sure, go ahead. Because <laughs> it's one of my favorites. <laughs> well, like Black Knight 2000, everybody in the office was telling me how great a machine it was. It was wonderful. It was great. It was this and that. And uh, I just said, no, we didn't buy any. We, bought, we got the one. That was all we got. And then we were playing... I was playing this other pinball. It wasn't a Williams, but I was playing a pinball. And I said, I don't want it. I just don't want it. And my brother-in-law just insisted. He pounded me and said, you got to have it, got to have it. And I looked at him and I said, okay, I'm going to teach you a lesson. I'm going to buy five of them. That's all I'm going to buy. I'm going to buy five. And that's all I'm going to buy. We're gonna off, and again, this part of this is the, the scale of the industry. And we're going to buy five just as a test. Yeah. And that... That's how prolific the industry was. And I'm just going to buy, you know, I'm just going to buy five. I'm going to buy. Well, it happened to be Adam's family. <laughs> yeah, still don't like it. So. I still wish I had five of them, though. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the staff and what what kept the machine going. Um, so. What was it? Who, who did you have in the office? Not names, just like how, was, how, how did how did it line out in terms of office staff and well, naturally it was my mom and dad were in there, and then me and then my wife, and that was pretty much the main flow of office work, office people, and then I had two techs that 
I, I didn't even let him go out of the room to go to the bathroom almost. It was like, <laughs> you guys got to stand there and just keep working on these boards. Uh, and then we had a total of 16 employees. So I had three pickup trucks running all day long on the streets, just moving equipment. And I had anywhere from two to three service guys doing nothing but running service all day. And the rest of the guys are either washing, cleaning, fixing, putting together, doing whatever, getting games ready to be took it, taken out on the trucks. So the folks that did trouble calls, how did you communicate with them? I mean, t- today, uh, right now, I can call yeah. across the planet with my cell phone. Right, But right. In, well, we, in the 80s, that wasn't the case. No, we had a two-way radios, just like the police have, fire department has, Molarolos. Uh, we had a base unit set up in our office, which my wife was pretty much on all the time. And we had the guys, every, every vehicle had a radio in it. So when I'd send somebody out to wherever to put a, a machine in or, or do a service call, when they got done, they got back in the vehicle and they called back into the base and said, I'm supposed to be going to Joe's bar. Is that what I'm still doing? Yes or no. You know, and then we sent them somewhere else, maybe or whatever. I might send a truck out with, you know, six video games on it. And he's supposed to do a certain route. But my collectors that are collecting my money might call up and say, hey, at, at Joe's bar again, I've got a machine that's broke down and a service guy was here and he can't fix it. And I was like, okay, so I'd reroute one of my trucks to go to the bar and switch it out instead of doing something else. And then we'd clear out the paperwork when he got back. So let's talk a little bit about collections. <clears throat> so that's part of the staffing as well and then part of the planning for the business. Well, the, the collectors were my sister and my brother-in-law. And then... They couldn't handle it, and then we ended up having... Because of the size. Because of the the size and going everywhere and counting all the money, they couldn't handle it. So one of my dad's best friends retired, so he started going with my brother-in-law, so it was two of them, and they could do it it twice as fast because there's two of them. And then then we ended up hiring another gentleman to go out, and we gave him... The rougher locations and the he wasn't locations. family, so he got he the wasn't family. Okay. No. <laughs> so I basically had those four, and uh, a lot of times the one the gentleman that was my father's best friend that retired, he sometimes would even go out in front of like my brother-in-law and count the money and then leave, and then he would come settle up with with the people because it took so much long so long to count because mm-hmm. it was all quarters and it wasn't dollars it was you know quarters and it just it takes a while to count you know so as they counted that data came back to you and and you know i'm saying data like like it's yeah. modern like you're putting it in a spreadsheet or something but it eventually came back to you and then what did you do with well, that, what, that count information what, every day they'd come in off 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 the route and they'd sit down and they'd go back to their collection tickets and we would go over you do this all day long every day and you can take a box of quarters and you can look at it and say that there's $50 in there, there's $500 in there, and you're going to be in with a couple of bucks. And so we didn't count it to the quarter, but it was pretty daggone close to it. And they could total up their sheets and come to, say, $500 on their sheets, but they, in reality, counted 550 and they go, okay, I missed the fender. It probably had $50 more than I thought. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it was it was a good science, but it was because we didn't have all day to do this. I mean, we were doing a lot of places. So at the end of the day, they'd come in, we'd sit down, they'd sit down with me, and we'd go over each location, each game, and I'm like, and I've got last week's sheet, and I've got last month's sheets. I got all these sheets because you just write, got to write down on paper. There wasn't nothing mm-hmm. else to write on. So uh, they come in, 
we look at it and I go, hey, Defender's down. It was doing, you know, $100. Now it's doing 25 What's up? And he says, I think we need to change it. So then I make up change slips. So the next day I got somebody else going out and switching them, putting them in something different in its place. So then you'd rotate the game. So did you oh. – you, you had – is it safe to say, did you have a hierarchy of who got the first games, the hot, new hot games, and then it sort sure. of filtered through? Sure. I mean, mainly the bowling alleys, because I had every bowling alley in the city, and they got, like, Defenders brand new, they get it first, because it's the highest turnover of people. The revenue was so much higher. There's so much more people going in a bowling alley seven days a week than there is in a bar going seven days a week mm -hmm. or in a convenience store. They're just not going to have the amount of traffic flow. So they got them first. Gotcha. Absolutely. So once you got to the point, and, and this is where we're going to start getting into stuff where the collectors will cringe a little bit. But again, this was it was business and it was equipment. Um, once the games quit making money, you had to do something with the asset. Correct. Well, what, what happened after, after a period of time, all the operators got wood poor. We had so many cabinets stuck everywhere because the game wasn't producing anymore and they're producing more games, they're buying some newer ones. We're, we're cabinet poor. We got so many cabinets, we can't do anything with it. So like at the AMOA, we were talking to some manufacturers going, hey guys, we're, we're cabinet poor. What, what can we do unless we came up with kits? Let's make kits. Send us the board. Send us the artwork. And if we need a new panel, send us a panel. But if not, just send us the layout of the panel so we can make it. Mm -hmm. So then we could take the crappy games like Food Fight <laughs> and stuff like <laughs> and stuff. Sorry, Whitney. <laughs> you know, I, again, I love I love I love to have some, but uh, no, some of the old game, the games that didn't produce. And I mean, and you look at Atari cabinets were fantastic. Williams cabinets were fantastic to rebuild, to put in other kits. They were just fan uh, great cabinets. So we'd use them. I mean, I'd throw centipedes away by the dozens, and and kangaroos, and uh, just. And by throw away, you mean you would pull out the. the we throw out the computer boards. We pull out anything that we couldn't reuse, and therefore, while we were storing them on top of the school on top mm -hmm. of the school because we kept everything and we called it the boardroom where we had just thousands and thousands of computer boards up there and um so while you mentioned that go ahead and and let how did that eventually what was the, the disposition of all of all of the, the the pcbs that you had what do you mean? How you had, you had somebody. Did, I think oh, you had somebody come in and. I had a I had a gentleman come in. And, and what year was this? Oh, by the way? I, I have no idea. I can't remember. Okay. I, I, I so it wasn't it wasn't like last year. Two no, years. this was, was about like ninety, ninety two, ninety three, something somewhere in that era, uh, something like that. This gentleman came in and he walked to the school and he said, I think he said I'll give you ten thousand dollars for all the boards in here. And I'm like, what are you going to do with it? He said, I'm going to grind them up and get the gold and silver out of them. I was like, I don't care what you do. Give me $10,000. So he, he just gathered up all the boards and took the boards out. Supposedly he took them and ground them up. He used the silver and the gold. A little tear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you had, you know, the uh, you know, Food Fight, you mentioned that. That's a hugely popular game now right. and a higher-end game right. cost-wise. And Star Probably Wars. Probably because there weren't that many left because everybody, yeah, cause everybody <laughs> got rid of them. Well, and you find that a lot. There are a lot of a, a lot of games that we'll go. I, I made a note of a few games here. I'll throw out to you later. Talk a little bit about yeah, winner or loser, and I'm sure a lot of those games that 
that are prized today, there's just not many left because they they didn't earn well they, and they, they were converted. converted. Yeah, nobody played them. They they didn't like them, and so we had to do something with them. And we needed the cabinets. You know, it was a great cabinet, so we used it. You know, um, get rid of it. And then like like asteroids and space invaders, black and white. Mm-hmm. We just took a sledgehammer to them, threw them in a dumpster. And that uh, that kind of brings up another well, with, point, especially with like excuse me for uh, like asteroids being an X Y monitor. Back in those days, they said the Atari came out, we're not making anymore. We couldn't get any parts for them. Couldn't get flybacks. Couldn't get any of this stuff for them. We couldn't fix them. So I, I, we ran a sale, and I was selling them for $99. And then after they wouldn't, nobody buy them after for $99, we took sledgehammers to them. Just and, to, and away they went. <laughs> yeah, away they went. Well, it, it, if you think about it, at the end of the day, you do have a lot of space, but eventually you run out, and you can't just keep things forever that, are of no use. I mean, you couldn't well, do like anything said, else with it. We had at school. It was thirty thousand square feet, and when it was full, we didn't have any room. To put yeah. stuff. We had we had to, <laughs> had to start doing something. We had to start making room. And I've had folks ask me over the years, "Why do I never see this or that?" And, and my answer is, is generally this or that that they're asking about is something unique. It's got unique controls. It's got a unique cabinet. It's got a unique monitor. And in your position, once it's done, it's done. Right. Yeah, right. And. We got to move on, and we couldn't. We, you couldn't reuse an XY monitor. I mean, no, none of the kids used it. So let's talk a little bit about what I've kind of uh, deemed the pitfalls of the industry, and that brings me to a section that I have have named "Undercover Jimmy," oh, <laughs> where you've had to deal with what goes on in the public, if you will, kind of the seedier side of the business, and that is uh, what happens when, when profits start to drop or profits are taken from you. And we, we've talked a little bit in, in preparation for this, and you had some pretty cool stories where in your younger days, he had to go undercover well, yeah, and, and, yeah. and infiltrate. So, well, Like, for example, Miss uh, Pac-Man was notorious for peop- people penny bouncing it and playing the game for a penny. And so when the collectors would go in and, and the cash box would be full of pennies, it's like, are they just getting a penny in there or are they getting a game for that? So uh, I wouldn't, I was almost the same age, so I'd go at night, I went at night to the bowling alleys and sit around and watch, and I watched the guy doing something, I'm like, what the heck's he doing? And I saw him play it, and I went over and just, hey man, what's going on? How'd you do this? <laughs> so he'd tell me, and I'll go back to the office and go, we got a problem. <laughs> we gotta fix this. And then tell people how they did it, what they were doing. They were they, taking a they penny. Would take, they would take a penny and put it in the coin return, and they would take and flip it with their finger, and it would you do it enough, and it would go up through the coin return, stop, hit, and bounce over onto the, on the credit side and fall down and give you a credit. And we couldn't figure out how to stop it. And then, um, thus, the plastic coin chutes were invented. The plastic coin chutes have a little rocker on them that when the quarter falls through, it hits, pushes down, and it can't go backwards. So they couldn't penny bounce it back through anymore. And see, all these years... After the fact, as a collector, I've had coin mixing games, and I was like, what is this silly little spring thing on here for? Yeah, so well, that's work. why, because people were, were doing like yeah. a penny and the metal ones, the metal ones never had it. It was only the um, plastic chutes had it. So you were talking about the bowling alley. Oh, yeah, go ahead. How many pennies would you find there? Would you find like hundreds of dollars? So well, the question, and, we, and I'm we, so that's so on the recording. The question was, is how many pennies were you finding? We'd find like 100 pennies. Like 100, 200 pennies. Well, 
Yeah, well, once I mean, once you're in a bowling alley and one kid gets it, and then he starts telling everybody else, telling everybody else. Yeah, I mean, it would be full of pennies, just full. So you mentioned the bowling alley, and you mentioned Pac-Man. Uh, what was the other deal with Pac-Man and the coin door? Uh, we also discovered that the um, Pac-Man, the revenue was going down pretty big. And it was only in the bowling alleys, pretty much. And we couldn't figure it out. So, uh, as you said, I went undercover again. <laughs> and what we found was you'd see the kids shuffling their feet, just going around in circles, just shuffling their feet, going around in circles. And then they'd go up and touch the game and static electricity, shock it, and it was giving them credits. And we were like... Uh oh! How do we fix this? <laughs> you know. So well, how do you recreate it? How, how did you well, show people that it was that well, happened? Well, uh, we bought a kettle prod, <laughs> electric kettle prod. So then you, we just zap the coin doors, and sure enough, it'd give you a credit. So one of the ways we stop it fast in the bowling alleys were uh, we get a bottle full of downy fabric softener and spray the carpets. And that slowed it down, way down, slowed it way down. But then thus the uh, static boards came out, the auxiliary boards for the, for the Pac-Mans came out, so it wouldn't do it anymore. While we're on Undercover Jimmy, <laughs> which is actually my favorite topic of the, the whole panel, talk about Dragon's Lair. Oh, God. <laughs> Dragon's Lair was one of them we could not get the distributorship for. But since, since we had the distributorship for uh, cliffhangers, we were getting those, and we were trading a few of those out. But everybody wanted the game, and it was the most expensive game on the market. I mean, when you're paying, you know, twenty twenty four ninety five for a game, and all of a sudden now Dragon's Lair is five grand, it's like, I can do twice as much over here as I can in this. It's got to produce twice as much. Well, actually, it started out producing about twice as much. But then all of a sudden, it went just rock bottom. And we couldn't figure out why, what, what happened. So there again, <laughs> I guess I went undercover and found out what the kids did. They were playing it in pairs of two. And when a guy would play it, he'd be playing it, and the partner next to him would go up, down, left, right, up, down, left. They were writing the moves down on a piece of paper. So they had the whole cheat sheet of the whole game, the next move, ahead so the guy playing it knew what to do before it even got there so he did so they put a quarter and walked through the whole game never lose a man so it's like okay that's that's the, there was no fix for that so they got converted yep no we threw those, we threw those away they, 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 there wasn't anything to do with those those cabins were just terrible and the, i'm sure the laser disc players was probably a pain for maintenance <sighs> yeah that was way ahead of its time. Yeah. Now it'd be on some little B disc and it would work. <laughs> Back then it didn't work. So what was uh, some of the other more nefarious and I guess rougher, you know, uh, what else happened that was a little rougher on the equipment in terms of theft? Uh, you'd mentioned a few things to me where basically that just led to the destruction of the machine. Yeah, we, I had uh, Marahari, which I think you've got some of the, uh, play field. Yeah, that actually ended up as part of the banner on our podcast page on Facebook. Okay. Well, you got that. That pinball was pretty much brand new, and it was in, I believe it was in Sullivan College, and uh, we got a call the next day that it was broke into, and come find out, yeah, it was. The security guard was tied up, and they took a sledgehammer right through the whole top of it, right through the glass play field, the whole nine yards, just totally destroyed the game. And I was like, 
dude, I'd have paid you whatever was in the cash box not to do that. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. And then we caught another kid out at, at uh, Dixie Bow Bowling Alley. He was throwing bowling balls through the video games, and uh, we finally caught him. We had to hire an off-duty policeman to catch him. But yeah, I mean, when he did, he would just you imagine what a bowling ball does to a, a video game. Now, was cabinet. he going down through the monitor or just right through the front of the game? Go right through the front of the game. Or he'd go through the front. If it didn't work, he'd go down through the top. He just, any way he could get in there. Sometimes it'd be through the top. Sometimes, most of the time, it was through the cash box door. Yeah. The whole front of the machine. I've had some pins, and I, I've wondered why this is the case, where when you stand the pin up, you see there's a metal plate that covers half of the bottom of the pin. Why is that? Well, they used to cut the bottom out and drop the cash box out and then just go out the door. So we used to take, back in the day, I mean, we started taking big sheet metal and even wrapping it up on the sides of the machine all the way across the bottom to keep them from cutting the bottoms. But then, then they did it. Yeah. How much money are in these boxes? So how much, how much money are, that's the I, question. It, it just, it, I mean, it depends on what location. You might have $50, you might have $150. And then it, that's a fair amount of cash today, but imagine, you know, translate that back to 85, 86, 82. Well, how often is that? Is that once a week pickup? So how often was the pickup? Once a week. 99% of the places were once a week. Every once in a while you'd find one that you would, you would do every two weeks. But we tried to get to every single location once a week. So in talking with, uh, with Jimmy, kind of the pre-interview to get ready for this, I, I learned something very interesting uh, about the something that we as collectors know and and actually hate in the industry and it it may have originated with someone that, that we all know and that is the lock bar that goes across coin oh. doors and i'm looking over at the pack the miss pack that's sitting in the room and i noticed that there's lock bar holes in it and it's bondoed so um, and, and this ties into the you know again this is equipment this is a business and this is what uh fed fed their family and kept you know a roof over over their head so keep that in mind when 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 jimmy tells the story of of lock bars well so don't so rush jimmy is what i'm saying it's 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 yeah it's so easy to take a screwdriver and just pop a coin door open i mean you can do it in, in a matter of seconds even with a good lock well to put a padlock on it the only thing you had was wickle had a, a nice like U thing or V, you had to put three holes in one side and three holes in the other side, and the door shuts. You put a padlock in it. It was just too much work. It it it, it just was kind of it just didn't work very well. My father came up with a single bar that went across there. It was two holes, one on each side, and they were slotted. The bar was slotted so you could slide the bar back and forth, so anybody could drill a hole because if you missed it, there was enough play in the slot to go across, and so. It was real easy to put on there and lock the whole whole front door up. And then as we went on making them, having them made, we got rid of both slots. We got rid of we got rid of one slot, and on the other side was just a hole. So you drill it, put a, a, a flathead bolt in there, and that hole. And the other side was slotted so for the padlock, so you still could be off and still make it. Mm -hmm. You know. So that was only two holes in the sides of the cabinet. Then when we sold the machines and you didn't, they, I don't want that bar on there, fine, take it off. We put two chrome carriage bolts in there, and so it looked pretty decent, you know, mm -hmm. two carriage bolts. The only drawback with the bar is if they wanted in, they were going to get in, and then they destroyed the cabinets. But we kept, we kept the bad thief 
honest. Mm -hmm. But the big thief was getting in no matter what. So what ended up happening with uh, the uh, lock bar? Uh, well, well, you, we were down there in, in back in those days, you know, Peach State, Imperial, Waco, Wico, they would all come to our office once a week to sell us supplies, parts, whatever we needed. And he saw it, and, and the Wico salesman bought one. He goes, I, I want, I can't buy one of those. And he's like, yeah. Well, the next catalog, it was in their catalog. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and then we then we came up with you might have seen it too. Dad came up with instead of going all the way across because it was so much more expensive, just getting a little piece of metal, putting it in the lock, the door lock itself, and only drilling one hole on the side of the cabinet, and doing it that way. So, back off, they also picked that one up too and took it. But <laughs> so you're to you're to thank for the the lock bar holes. Yep. All right, that works. And wood grain laminate <laughs> for converting games. Well, that's that's a, that's a whole different story. Well, tell it. Back in the, back in the days, like especially the big, the main one comes to I think of is track and field. Could not get enough track and fields. It was impossible. Everybody wanted track and fields. It was in the middle of the heyday. Everybody just couldn't get them. Thus came the bootleg boards, and they were out in. You could get those, and we were buying bootleg boards right and left. And I found somebody in town that didn't care about the copyright. We're not gonna mention any names, but didn't care about. And they were making me the artwork. And all we were doing was a panel and a header, and that was all. And putting the boards in, we were using defenders right and left. Defenders were the best cabinet in the world for this. It didn't look good. I mean, you, you hear you got track and field, but you got defender on the side and all this and that, and we were painting them. We were doing this, and it, it just didn't look that good. And I got the idea from Phoenix, from the video game Phoenix. Those cabinets were awesome. They were just nice wood grain cabinets with just a sticker on them. So I was like, why don't we start laminating, and we can put stickers on them, and then when we do something else, we'll just take that sticker off and on. It's a one-time shot. We won't have to pay anymore. We won't have to do anything. So thus, we started laminating all the games and literally had almost in a semi-line running defenders down a semi-line, just making them into track and fields. And then you all had to experiment, too, with the lamination. It wasn't... Oh, yeah, we, we didn't know nothing about it, and it took us forever to get the lamination to stick and stay on there and do it right. I mean, we were using the glue they were giving us and this and that, but it was just... We, we were trying everything. They said, put an iron to it, iron it on. I mean, we were doing everything in the world. Like a normal clothes iron. Like a normal clothes iron. Do you have yeah. any video of this? No. Okay. Dang it. Yeah, really. <laughs> But we finally found the right glue and everything and found out that you glue the cabinet and you glue the laminate and you let them sit until they dry. And then when they touch each other, it's, you, it better be right because it's not coming off. As we kind of wind toward the end of the, of the session here, I wanted to throw a couple games out and get your feel just to give us an idea of how they actually worked in, in, okay. for the public. And let me even begin this with asking, what do, you, do you have a feel for what may have been your most successful piece of equipment, video, pin, anything? I'd say the most longevity video has to be Miss Pac-Man. has to be. And I say it's because anybody can play it. A little kid can play it. Mm -hmm. Anybody can play it. It's not complicated. You don't have to fire buttons. You don't have to do this and that. It's just one little joystick moving around. It's probably been the most longevity game ever still around still popular mm -hmm. so how did you already mentioned track and field so it, it it obviously earned pretty well 
it, it was it was a it, it didn't earn any I wouldn't say any more than say Donkey Kong did or anything. It was just in the peak of video games and it was like there wasn't really anything else out there and it was the newest, greatest. Give it to me now because what would happen is if you had let's let's just say there was two hundred track and fields on the, street, on the streets, after a couple of months, it's an old piece, even if this place hasn't had it yet. It's still an old piece because somebody's played it somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So you got to get it when you can get it, and then it's gone. You know, the newest. It still might do good, but it might not be doing the big dollars. So you mentioned converting a lot of defenders. Did that fall in the same boat where uh, when it hit, it hit, and then it was... Once it was, you mean a, the a couple months old? The defender it game itself. The defender game itself. Yes, yes, same thing. Now they might last a little longer than that. Like uh, defender lasted a little longer than that. Uh, Centipedes lasted a little longer than that. Donkey Kongs lasted a little longer than that. But like Jungle Gems, Phoenixes, stuff like that, it, they didn't last very long. And you already mentioned Food Fight. What about Burger Time? That was worse than Food Fight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I don't know if the mics picked that up, groans up from the crowd. That was awesome. No, it, they just didn't produce. They didn't produce at all. What was, did, did, do you have a standout piece, something you thought was just going to be awesome and it just didn't, didn't do anything? I know that's kind of putting you on the spot. Not that I really, no. It, it'd be the other way around, like I said, with Pac-Man. I didn't think it'd do what anything. It was a surprise. Yeah. So, like, on the on the pinball side, I mean, I, and I put down a couple titles here, a couple popular titles. How'd Scared Stiff do? Uh, uh, any any of that did real well. You know, the Elvira's, the Scared Stiff, uh, they all did real well. I don't, pinball's, there wasn't one that just out, stood out from everybody else and just did everything. Mm -hmm. They were just usually good. Oh, okay. Or they were a flop. And, like, Black Knight 2000, that's the one that comes to my mind. It was just a flop. Black Knight was great. But 2000 was terrible. I made a couple other notes, and this might fall into the. It just did all right across the board. Twilight Zone, which was the you know kind of the big follow up to Adam's Family. Mm -hmm. It was it was a good piece. It was a little wider body. Mm -hmm. The wider bodies did not do as good as the I'm gonna call them normal bodies. Mm -hmm. They just people. I don't know if people why, but they just did. They did okay, but they didn't do as good. So. No, the normal ones were more, everybody played better. So backing up in time a little bit, like 8-Ball Deluxe, that's another popular earlier solid-state game. How right. did that do? It was good. It was it was a good piece. You know, it followed the, the uh, it was from the, like the mechanical. All the 8-Balls, eight eight they were just a good good piece. You know, limited edition 8-Balls, all those, they were all just good it's if you could keep them working. First generation 8-Balls of electronics was terrible keeping working. So that kind of comes to the end of my list, and I wanted to have a little time for some questions. So, go ahead, I'll wait. Okay. Uh, oh, sure. Go ahead. We've got, we've Somebody. Got the nicest, we've got the nicest crowd. No, you go. No, you go. Somebody. Somebody arm wrestle. Yeah. All right, all right. Well, fine then. We'll take a question from the back. We, hold on. So, so. So Matt, we're actually recording. If you don't mind, yeah, yeah, you're yeah, I didn't mention one of your games, did I? Yeah. <laughs> so thank Jimmy for all you know his knowledge he's spread with everybody, and uh, give him a little slugger with his name and our logo on it. Oh, thank thank you. you so much for doing this today, man. Thank you. 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 Thank you.
Matt, he's, I feel better now. Matt, Come on. <laughs> he's liable to hit me with that. Okay. That's that's what you call an operator fix right yeah, there. Really. That's a, yeah. All right. Uh, and I'm going to repeat the questions back into the mic so that we get it on the recording. So, Whitney, did you have a question? Yeah, I, I've, got, I've got two questions. There's, there's a few uber collectible games today that the internet and the collecting community just kind of goes gaga over the kind of like the games of the year uh, over the past couple of years games like zookeeper cuber uh titles like that how, how how did zookeeper how did cuber so whitney's asking about games that are like uber popular yeah, today uh zookeeper mad planets how, how did they how did mad, they earn never had a mad planet okay never had one i uh, had a couple zookeepers Okay. Kubert uh, uh, did really well. In fact, that was one of the ones we got a bunch of bootlegs off of. Yeah. And, and the, the only other thing I'll mention is, is uh, it's just kind of from my perspective. I picked up a Super Pac-Man about, I don't know, three or four years ago. And I picked it up Dog. out of a, a home. And the lady that I bought it from said, oh, my husband bought this brand new from here in Louisville. And I'm like, okay, and I didn't really think you know, too much about it. And she said, here's all the paperwork on it. And I got it home, and after I'm rifling through the paperwork, I pulled out the bill of sale, and it's Jimmy Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> so I still got it. So okay, well. Yeah, that's one of the ones we got rid of. Yeah. <laughs> How did Super Pac-Man earn before uh, it was not, sold? It? it was. It didn't. It didn't. It was one of the worst Pac-Mans we had. Yeah. All right. Question. Lisi. Thank, thanks for coming out. Oh, no problem. Thank you. Enjoy it. Um, I, I just have a few questions. What, is, there, is there a particular shooting game that sticks, sticks out back in the day? That, that Skeet that, shoot? So, and, oh, you're talking like, you're talking. Opera, you're, Operation Wolf and stuff like that was good, but like uh, the old Clay uh, Skeet shoot. Now, that was an EM, though, wasn't it? Yeah, but he said gun game. He didn't specify. Uh, yeah. He didn't well, specify video. He, he said gun game. <laughs> I should have more specific. Not like your area, like your area fifty ones were good, and, and they were good. Um, usually, anything with a steering wheel or a gun did good, because you get the kids that are say fifteen years old or under. They want to drive. They just want that steering wheel, and they just play it. And they they did good. And then people like to shoot stuff. <laughs> so back back when pinball was just everywhere. I mean, they were, I know they were hospitals. I mean, at that time, there just there weren't very many people collecting these in the home section. It was mostly just commercial. So the, the it, question it was, was, was back back when you were operating, there there wasn't a lot in homes. It was mostly commercial. Yes, but there was still a big pre. Not like it is today, but there was a good market in homes. Uh, I remember we had we were trying to get rid of a, a bunch of older because we we dealt with all the other operators. So operators would bring us their pins and trade them in for new. So we it was right around Thanksgiving time. We had a lot of used pinballs that we didn't want to put back out on the route because we we put the new stuff out. We're not putting old stuff out. I don't know how, and we put an ad in it. We always put an ad in the newspaper because that was uh, what else is there to advertise by, you know? That or TV. You're not going to do TV. Well, I don't know how a TV station picked up on it though, but they did. And they called us and asked us if they could come down and, sh and shoot up a, a segment for the news. And we're like, well, yeah. And they did. 
in, we, we weren't open on Saturdays, but we came in at Saturday. We were going to work a half day. Just me and my dad were going to work a half day in case somebody showed up from the newspaper. We were swamped. We sold every pinball we had that day. We looked and said, maybe we've been advertising on TV. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but no, we sold everything we had that day. So there was, a, there was a pretty decent market for it. But I mean, we're selling pinballs back in that day for $295, $250, $295. So let's grab one more. Oh, look. Yeah, because then we got a, we got another one coming in right behind us. So, were there ever any pinball wizards that you came across that you figured out like they were losing your money, like a specific people so, who were particularly good at it? Were there were no. there people oh, that were okay. so good at it that you felt you were losing money because I guess long play times? No, no. I mean, there would be there, there was a, a, one guy named Roy. He was an older gentleman that he would always call us and say, "Where's your new pinball?" He was a he was a pinball fanatic. He would go playing pinball tournaments all over the place, and he might he might beat us. He might beat a couple games, but in the long run, it's like playing a slot machine. I'm gonna get you. <laughs> I'm so, gonna get all right, you. real quick, one more. Oh. Go, go ahead, yeah. This is the nicest crowd in gaming. Has there ever been any uh, tremendous flop within uh, an arcade or a pinball machine that your business have encountered? So he's asking a if flop? there's just a tremendous flop that that you had and then it just absolutely... Just, just totally bombed. You, you invested in it and it completely bombed. I'm sure there was, but we didn't uh, buy a whole bunch. We would buy, you know, maybe 10 or 15 of them, and then if they bomb, we'd get rid of them. Um, but you want to know if it, which one that was? I'd, uh, I'd, have, to, I'd have to think about it. <laughs> it's, I mean, I'd have to think what really bombed. Well, that, that I'll, be honest, I'll be honest with you. Food Fight and Burger Time, that's two of them right there. It, it, uh, they really did. I mean, they they go out, nobody play them. To give you an I, just, again, to give you an idea of the scale of the industry, you're testing. You know, why didn't you play them more? I would have kept some. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're testing with five and ten games. You know, I'm sorry, you're to give an idea of scale of the industry. You're testing. Your test is five and ten games. Well, yeah, because you. You know, we, we, you you would find a place that you, you buy. Let, let's say let's say you put a food fight in this place over here, and it didn't do any good. That doesn't mean it's not going to do good over across town. Mm -hmm. So the only way to tell is to scatter them around and put, you know, ten them out, and then get the general feel for it and see what happens. Because not every location played every game the, the same. same. I mean, you're but talking about different. you're talking about defenders and Miss Pac-Man, sure, but you know. When you get other games that Cubert's or, or Jungle Kings, or, you know anything like it, it would be hit and miss. Or maybe you know, if it was, it could be hit and miss. Not that it would be. Well, Jimmy, I greatly appreciate the time that you spent with us today. And if um, we could do a lot more, I'm sure we could. And we're gonna, we're gonna. You never, got, you never got into into the pinball part. No, that, I didn't. Uh, was. Oh, I they, knew we, they almost shut shut them down. I, I, kn I knew in the time that we had, we were going to barely scratch the surface. So we've threatened forever to get Jimmy on the Broken Token podcast. Time has just not kind of gotten us there. I promise it will happen and we'll get into some more stories. Um, as hopefully, I, I guess folks can tell that uh, I know a lot about Jimmy and, and his family. I've been good friends with him for, I guess, at this point in time. A week. A week, week and a half, and 
uh, Jimmy has has become has gotten to be what I consider a very very good friend of mine, and I, I'm I'm grateful to know him in, in my fam in my family. Nothing. It's like my family yeah. almost. I dislike him just as much <laughs> to get to know Jimmy and, and his family. Yeah, and, and sometimes we'll have to sit and talk about how Kentucky almost lost pinballs. Period. Okay, we can do that. Absolutely. And everybody, if you if anybody has any questions, I want to make room for, for the next panel. I'm sure Jimmy would be glad to, to answer any questions after the fact. If anyone has any loose quarters, I'm sure he'd be glad to take them. And with that, thank you, sir. Thank you. Thank you. Jimmy sounds way better than us on the microphone. I'll just say that. Okay. I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to that all over again. And um, maybe he could be the third host of the show because he's got he's got a voice for radio. You know? We, you could, guys, we could bring him in. He would love to do it. Yeah, he would. He people, would. People think we talk a lot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Well, I tell you, Brent, he's he's got good stories. He's got good insight. And uh, the thing about it is, is he's got the eye of history on his mm-hmm. side and he knows he knows what happened. He was he was there. He's the real deal. So whereas we kind of sit here and postulate about some of the news we're getting ready to talk about and and we get good feedback on the show and brent this month we've got a lot of feedback we to do. go through dude we got a lot well, so we, i'm not gonna belabor the point all i'm gonna say is uh jimmy's the real deal he and, is. I, and i love i just i wish we could just get him on more so anyway i i know i alluded to it during the interview and, and i'll mention it again because it's it's worth mentioning it, you just talked about him having the eye and you know we talked about being involved in the industry yeah i said before the interview being able to see a little bit behind the coin door yeah it is just as interesting to me to take him and show him the collector side yeah he is just as amazed at that yeah as we are amazed at what the operators did and had an experience It, it is truly unbelievable conversation it is is. is. the only thing that kind of killed me and it it killed me at the end was he said that burger time and food fight just didn't earn (laughs) and he he said they were they were just they were just essentially uh dead on arrival they were doa between jimmy and i that's become a joke oh it has yeah oh Oh, man see burger Burger time and food fight they're two of my favorites absolute favorites i love them but you know something he he's not lying. If if Burger Time didn't if it didn't earn, and he said Food Fight definitely didn't earn, then you know something. Here we are. But you have to wonder how did Burger Time become such a loved classic if it didn't earn? I have no idea. Yeah, Food Fight I can see because it just yeah, it just it didn't have the exposure. Right, that's where yeah. I was going. It didn't have the exposure. But Burger Time was right there, kind of in the mix with Pax and the Galagas. It was. And, it and, was. I always thought it would have been. I, I was shocked at that one. I was shocked yeah. at that one, but you know, hey, he could have been the area too. It, it could have been, and, and, the, and the time. Louisville no like Burger Time. <laughs> Louisville no like you Burger Time. Hey, I tell you what, one thing I do like though, and Brent, this gets us into the news, is I like Sky Cursor. Yes, and I want me some Sky Cursor. And um, we were fortunate to have uh, Christopher and Philip um, on. I'm not trying last names again. It's fine. I'm just going to leave it at that. Uh, from Griffin Aerotech on the previous episodes uh, from uh, from the Louisville Arcade Expo. 
But uh, Brent, they have now announced this for sale. And yes, it's they mo- have. It's moved into production, and you can buy this thing. So, so me, me likey. Uh, we have a link in the show notes. Mm-hmm. I'm looking at the page now. They have four levels. Uh, the pro, the deluxe, and the dedicated cabinet. I want the dedicated cabinet, dude. If I was going to buy pretty. one, that's that's what I would buy. It's seriously, pretty. it is pretty. Uh, pro kit, a game hardware. Uh, oh, by the way, uh, the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast is in no way sponsored by Sky Cursor, Griffin no. Aerotech, or Chris or Phil. Yeah, we're we're not. We're just <laughs> we're just fans. We're just fans. Yeah, yes. I, I know that this game has gotten a lot of press on and off through web media, print media, and podcast media. We're getting the information out there because it is an unbelievable accomplishment. It's a wonderful endeavor. So yeah, that we are all the credit goes to those guys. So yeah, the pro kit, which is like the game hardware, software, a poster. And a move strip, so it shows you what the controls do. Mm-hmm. By now, let's see here. It's uh, this is a brand new game. Yeah, six ninety nine dot ninety nine, six hundred ninety nine dollars okay. ninety nine cents. So seven hundred dollars. All right, that's the hardware. It's updatable. It's got a, it comes with a Wi Fi adapter. Um, that way you can put it online. I, I believe Chris or Phil mentioned that you can set it up to auto update when you power the machine on. Yeah, put it on your network. Brand new for 2017 new arcade game, and you can own it. It's unbelievable. And if you if you go the dedicated cabinet route, this this thing is unbelievably beautiful. It's thirty five hundred dollars, thirty four ninety nine ninety nine, which is very reasonable for modern <laughs> for, for what it is. Yes. you've got to think about the development, the hours of development. And Chris uh, Christopher Cruz he alluded to this on the show. And I think he and he and Philip both have sunk a tremendous amount of sweat equity into bringing Sky Cursor uh, to where it is today. And I, I mean, I, I think I used this term while I was talking to, to Chris. I mean, they've literally willed this thing into existence mm-hmm. and they deserve every penny of that thirty four ninety nine ninety nine that they get. Um, it, it, again, if I was going to buy it, this is what I would buy because I want something in my game room that says "Die Hero" because I think that's just the coolest. <laughs> I think it's just the coolest tagline ever. But um, it's got floating eyeballs and it's got skulls that uh, skulls that have you know, uh, I, I guess for lack of a better term. I just uh, really angry spit, you know, falling <laughs> falling off their teeth and everything, and I don't know, man. It's, it's just it's just way cool, just way cool. I'm, I'm going to be at Laser Blaze as part of my nephew's. That's the plan. Part of my nephew's upcoming birthday party. I mentioned. Yeah. Uh, first thing I want to say is, do y'all have a sky cursor? Yes. I'll have yeah. To ask, them if they have ask, a sky cursor. ask them if they got a sky cursor. Wait a minute. I, we we have an in with some of those laser blaze people here in town. <laughs> that, that you do, man. That you do. Uh, you may be able to uh, maybe able to push the envelope on that. But anyway, uh, yeah, this is a completely modern game. I mean, it's it's got you know free. You mentioned free game updates over Wi-Fi, one or two player action. Uh, it just and, and it's just and you know it's going to constantly get better. Because because the guys at um, at Griffin are going to invest the time to make sure that this has an has a very long life cycle to it. I, I'm very confident in these guys' ability to to make sure that this game has uh, this game has legs. So so there is wish a third. The there is a third kit. Mm-hmm. The the full kit or however they they how they deem it here the dedicated cabinet that you mentioned that I mentioned the pro kit the deluxe kit. Is since we might as well cover them all while we're while we're t- talking in this about deep it. Yeah. for it. 
Whitney, we're in up to the neck. We, we are. might as well go all the way under yeah. with this one. Uh, you get the, uh, of course, the the hardware, the software, and with the deluxe kit, you get full color vinyl uh, art, side art, kick plate art, marquee, and control panel overlay. Yeah. So that kit is eleven ninety nine ninety nine. So twelve hundred dollars. Yeah. And it looks like it is designed for a perfect fit for a Dynamo HS5. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But of course, you can use it with pretty much any cabinet you want. You just have to trim to suit. But yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. But uh, but man alive, uh, what a what a great thing to see a in brand 2017. new arcade game, a brand new one. And, and arcade is in like, I guess pseudo classic kind yeah. of. Uh, shoot 'em up game, not yeah. not like an on rails driver type deal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's a uh, it's definitely uh, it's definitely uh, shmup heaven is what is what that baby is. So so here's another callback, Whitney. And this one is all you. So this is the Donkey Kong Junior remix, and we'll have a link to this in, in the show notes as well. It's one of the YouTube videos um, on. Uh, on the DK Remix, um, on the DK Remix uh, YouTube channel, and uh, there's also been a couple of reviews done as well. We'll include one uh, that I, I watched and really liked from the guys at the Canadian Arcade, where they walk through the install of the uh, of, of the kit and show the levels, do some gameplay and everything like that. But this is a follow-on to the Donkey Kong Remix kit from uh, from Sockmaster, and that's what he goes by on the forums on on. on on the Donkey Kong forum and uh, on Twitter and everything like that. And um, as near as I can tell, Brent, this is a husband and wife team from up in Canada that, that do this work and have created uh, created the hardware, reverse engineering, reverse compiled the code and essentially created all these new levels and done all the QA testing. And I, I'm really hoping that, that Donkey Kong Jr. Remix follows in the Donkey Kong Remix uh, lineage and eventually gets uh, some practice modes, trainer modes, uh, and, and just uh, it has the the option for deranged where it just goes completely off the rails and it's just crazy hard. Uh, I, I don't know. This is just really, really neat and innovative because someone has cared enough to literally reassemble the code. Uh, and uh, and create a brand new version of Donkey Kong Jr. Correct some of the uh, some of the nuances. I'll, I'll say in air quote nuances or bugs of the original Donkey Kong Jr. code. Uh, add some bonus levels. Uh, add some new twists to the gameplay. Uh, add some new boards intermixed with the original boards. I love this Brent because it takes Donkey Kong Jr. breathes a brand new. Um, a brand new, uh, I'll say, a, a gust of wind into the game. Okay, <laughs> breathes new life the into the wind. Is this the wind beneath your yeah, wings? It's the wind beneath the wings of Donkey Kong Junior. And it, it and it takes a thirty year old game and really, really mixes it up again and and makes it much more modern feeling and new feeling and it just brings so much more variety to a, to a, definitely a well loved game, but maybe one that's gotten a little long in the tooth. Okay, mm-hmm. and so uh, for. You know, for the cost of this, I think you mean they like run, Donkey Kong. Uh, no, uh, no, I don't mean that at all. I mean Donkey Kong Jr. Oh, okay. And so, uh, so for for the cost of this, ninety bucks, you can't go wrong. And and the great thing about it is, you're supporting a developer 
who has who has very good intentions of supporting this over the long haul and of remixing more Nintendo games in the future. <coughs> so, which is what I want to see happen next, and hopefully it does. So, anyway, Brent, Donkey Kong Jr. Remix, we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, couldn't recommend it higher. So, here's something that I'm not... <laughs> I was going to be so mean, but... Oh, you mean you don't care? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I, I get where you know, you're going. On one hand, a lot of people know that I'm that I'm just kidding. Yeah. You know, yeah. Donkey Kong isn't my thing. Nintendo isn't my thing. And I kind of just harp it up a little bit just so that we can poke barbs back and forth yeah so, but, yeah, so you can you can kind of kind of poke it at me yeah yes every once in a while though i gotta reel it in because i don't <laughs> it's not you know but in the, to a degree i don't care about people caring so. yeah, fair enough fair enough well the reason the reason i threw this in here is because this is this is extremely topical it okay? is and i've got opinions oh okay and, and oddly the, enough and i want your opinions on this but uh, the one thing i will say is just to bring everybody else back everybody else back up to speed uh, if you don't know about the NES Classic, then just go search and you'll find everything you want to know <laughs> on it. Uh, it was uh, essentially a, a well, the, the main, I guess the big thing about this is it's, it's, it is officially Nintendo hardware. Okay. Yes, it is. Yes, it is a rehash of the original NES, but Brent, this, this was, this was manufactured by Nintendo. So it is bonafide Nintendo hardware licensed and all and i think the reason why all of us nintendo fans and collectors went so for lack of a better term gaga over this is because it is new nintendo hardware Mm -hmm. that allows you to replay those games from 30 plus years ago and and i'd look at it like this Mm -hmm. i mean this had zelda on it right it did that's i did play the original zelda front to back did you like it? I did. And I, I would play it again. I, I am planning to play it again. I would, if I could find one of these, I would 80% say I would buy it uh-huh. and play Zelda. Okay. Despite the fact that I have a couple NESs. Yeah. And as I've heard on many other podcasts that cover topics, you know, we we are starting to stray with this because it's very topical. Yeah, it, and it, it's, it, you're right. But we, we, we are arcade. Yes. On a lot of the podcasts I listen to that are more gaming and retro, they talk about this quite a bit. Okay. And the, the comment I hear over and over again is, if I wanted to, I have 18 ways from Sunday to play Zelda. To play Zelda. Mm-hmm. I can, however, see buying one of these, plugging it in HDMI right into my TV, setting down, not having to blow on connectors yeah. and worry about it getting hot in an hour and blitzing the game out or using 30 year old controllers. Yeah. Or having to take the cart apart and change the battery first. Mm -hmm. I could come home from Walmart, Mm -hmm. fix dinner, Mm -hmm. sit down, plug this in in five minutes. I could sit down I could start playing Zelda. And I, I, I'm talking myself into it. I'm up to 90%. Yeah. Fair enough. Buying the thing. So the only problem is it's been discontinued. I can't get it. I know you can't get it. You've got some questions in here like, what do you think causes is the way I'm taking this? Yeah. You want to hit them? Yeah. So so here, here's the thing. Um, there, there was a lot of debate very quickly uh, that happened very quickly uh, on the, quote unquote, the internet after Nintendo announced. And when I say after they announced... Uh, we're recording towards the 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 latter uh, t- 
towards the last third of April. And this this announcement happened just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. at this point. And, uh, of course, the, the Facebook, Twitter lights up with people speculating on why why Nintendo decided to do this. And uh, a lot of people talk about the hacking scene as to whether the hackers who uh, devised ways to essentially take this little, take the little Linux computer that was inside the NES Classic and, for lack of it, I'm, I'm going to use a general term here, jailbreak it. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, of course, that term gets overused as well. But jailbreak the NES Classic and then sideload over 600 games on it. And I'm sure Nintendo, in their infinite wisdom, saw this happen, knew that it was happening. And I feel that the hacking community probably uh, did contribute to Nintendo's decision because Nintendo (laughs) probably didn't want... Well, Brent, I'll say this. I feel that Nintendo probably wouldn't want a console out there that was so easily hacked. And uh, I look at it like this. And infringed on their property. While I agree. Okay. I would look back and say, people all over the country want this. Mm -hmm. They are clamoring for this. They are lining up virtually and waiting for the the clock to strike five o'clock when Target puts it on up for sale every third day. And they're feverishly clicking add to cart. Yeah. I don't care if a if a percent of them like even one percent is hacked Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day honestly i sold the i sold that person a console yeah i did yeah and now where i would have problems is if i have to start controlling craigslist for uh i've made them so available and they're so easily hacked and people are reselling Mm -hmm. you know but they're doing that anyway with protection of their other ip they 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 are and and if you look on if you if you looked on ebay i mean the scalper scene on ebay was just rampant on these and that's just that's sealed in box units that is sealed in box units yes correct and i think the the whole scenario around the constrained inventory contributed to it as well brent and now why was it constrained did well, they did they just not produce? They just didn't produce uh, right. enough. Yeah. And this thing went on sale in fall of last year, the October November time frame, all the way through Christmas. I mean, Brent, and I was calling probably three times a week or to my Walmart in town to say, "Hey, have you guys got any in? Have you guys got any in?" And they would always tell me, "Oh yeah, we had three of them uh, at six a.m. this morning, and then they sold within three minutes mm-hmm. because people literally and, were checking at six a.m. And your Walmart, you're not in the Louisville. I'm not in a major metropolitan no, area, no. and they were still selling out within minutes. You know, Scott over at Retro Gaming Roundup, he's mm-hmm. had a lot of commentary on this. Okay, he ended up buying the Famicom version. Okay. Off of eBay because yes. apparently either they they, didn't, they they were readily available. Yeah, they didn't. They either made more. Uh-huh. They didn't hit as well. Yeah. Regardless, there's enough inventory. You paid a little bit of a premium, but he said well, he did the math and he said, "Man, it was fair because basically I paid a guy to bring it over here. Yes. Deal with all that. Yes. He made a couple bucks and he sent it to me. Yeah. And you're right. And Scott's right. Yeah. Uh, there there was about a twenty to thirty dollar uplift on the Famicom versus the NES classic but all that being said number one it was attainable yeah number two it was the famicom okay number three a couple different games a, co- a couple different games and everything like that but still official nintendo right okay and, and and then um and then when you when you look at the when you look at the net net of it 
you you still did okay. You still got what you were after. So uh, I don't know the game list per se, but like on the NES Classic, it has Pac-Man on it, which I thought was kind of an odd game to have, having having you know a Namco slash Valley <laughs> game on a Nintendo system. I didn't even realize that was on there. It is on there, at least on the NES Classic. Well, I don't know if it's on the Famicom or not, but still. Well, you know, we're we're I got one other point. And if you, because we're getting way out of our, we, our we wheelhouse. Are, but. We are, but it is Nintendo. And Brent, the reason I bring it up is because it is loved by a lot of the arcade community. And it does have a direct correlation to the console that is tied to like so many Nintendo yes. arcade games. Yeah. So to me, I know it's, I know I'm, I know I'm construing all that together and that's probably fringing it just a little bit, but it, it's, it, it's, it's still there. In my opinion, I think Nintendo has really missed the boat. Uh-huh. I think they missed the boat on the Wii U. Uh-huh. Um, I, it seems like a lot of people are sitting back on the Switch yeah. to see how it, you know, how it plays out. Yeah. And here is something that they could have, they could have brought that cachet back to the Nintendo name. Not that it doesn't still have it, but I mean, cause they're doing awesome in the handheld, you know, yeah, the, the DS. I mean, there's yeah. nothing that there's nothing just, you know, we talked about all the flavors of the DS. Well, that's because it's a very popular platform. And the switch is sold like gangbusters now, I so do know, far. I do understand that, but I also hear a lot of people sitting back waiting to see what titles are becoming yeah, available. Very true. Because of the problem on the, on the Wii U, you know, the controller wasn't very usable. It wasn't as mobile as it seemed like it should be based on the way they advertised it or people yeah. felt that it should yeah. be and the in the the titles weren't really there mm-hmm. you know like that was on the Wii so here i mean these 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 the titles the game titles and that genre and just the art style and everything that was on the NES Look at go into a Coles. We've talked about Coles here. Yeah. Go into your local department store and over to the t-shirt t-shirt section. You'll find something that harkens back to, to it. All of that. All of that. It still sells. People. Yep. I I never had one of these. I played the Zelda, borrowing my my cousin's NES when she was done with it. Okay. I would still buy. You know. I'm I, all right, Whitney. I, I'm going to go about 92 percent there now. You better hurry up. Dude, I'd buy because one. You better hurry up because well, you've got it. You, let's put I it have, this way: you've got until the end of the month before yeah. the inventory oh, I'm will sure, not be resupplied. Well, I'm sure at this point, what any what little bubble there was, yeah, has just completely dissolved now that they said that they they're no longer going to make these. And what, I just can't imagine. They've already made it. I can't imagine why they just can't continue to produce it. What I will say, anyway, what what I will say is I've been watching eBay and they were going for about $125 to $140 before Nintendo announced that they were going to discontinue these within a couple of hours after the announcement broke, easily $330. Yep, I can yeah. see that. Yeah. So, anyway, I, I ain't doing it. Yeah, no, I wouldn't pay that either. There, there's no doubt. I, I just, you know, I, I just feel, I just feel kind of bad for all of us as Nintendo fans because we wanted, we wanted more and we didn't get more. So, 
I don't know. I, I mean, Nintendo's got their own business model, and we'll just see how that works itself out. So, you know, it is what it is, unfortunately. So All right. On to happier be, things. It'll be missed. <laughs> on to happier things. Yes. We have news. I'm sorry. We got through the news. We have feedback. And Brent, oh, do we have the feedback. So, uh, Brent, re- this first one is from iTunes, man. If you want to take it, then I'll queue up the email that comes up You just want to make me pronounce the name. Uh, uh, Best ever yeah, by... Yeah, go, yeah, go, go for that. By Dope. Doberbane. Doberbane, yes. Five stars. Yes. Now I got to scroll here a little bit because that, that's fine. It didn't. Cause it was a screen cap, so we don't have we don't have word wrap. No, we don't. But this uh, this one's worth it. It's hold good. on, I'm got to zoom in because I'm old, I got my old man eyes on here. All hold right. on. These guys are the greatest. The length of podcast might be intimidating at first, but the time flies by and you will find yourself craving uh, the next chance to get to spend four hours with the two hosts. Ooh, well, apparently, very nice. Well, apparently that was a short show. Yeah, and it was before this show. So oh, yes. Yeah. Well, I think the first segment of the show is clocked in at two hours. I wouldn't doubt it yeah. a bit. These crazy guys are very knowledgeable and usually good at explaining something in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah, keyword there being usually. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. They also keep it family friendly, which is very important to me. Ah, yes, love, and we love it. Yes, we do. Thank you. Thank for, you. Th- thank you for that. Thank you for noticing. I'll fire up this podcast on my Bluetooth speaker in my house as I am doing work around the home. Many other podcasts, even arcade related, have too much profanity for me uh, to want uh, too much profanity for me to want around my five-year-old. I, I oh, I think he left out the B there. Yeah, it's fine. Yep. So they were out. If only listen to one podcast. So I assume. No, if, if if you only if listen. you only listen to one podcast, scroll. Make it this one. If you listen to one more uh, to more than one podcast, cancel all the others to make room for this one. Now, how do I get my five smoothies? <laughs> and that so, was on iTunes. So we've, learned a, we've learned a couple things. This person may be a native English speaker. I, however, am not a native English reader. There you go. There you go. Maybe that's the better way to <laughs> that's say the it. Better right way there. to say it. Yes. Yes. Maybe that's the better. You know, I was way terrible to say at it. that even in school. Whitney. It's all good, man. Even it, in school. Yeah. Oh, well. it, it's all good. But uh, but. I certainly, certainly, certainly do appreciate that, uh, Dober Bain. Thank you for uh, for the for the review. That's awesome. Now, this next one uh, is an email from Adam, and Adam writes in, uh, "Hey, down home arcade folks." I'm going to paraphrase this, Brent, because this this gets into a fair a fair bit here. Yep. Uh, I just started listening to your podcast about a week ago. I'm not much into arcade games or pinball. Well, I like arcade games, but I don't own any, and I'm really pretty much completely ignorant about pinball. But I love what I what I've heard on your show. I like the technical aspects that you discuss, and you both sound great together. Well, thank you, Adam. Certainly appreciate that. I've listened to episodes one through five Sounds so like far. We're getting married. It does. It does. Uh, work wife and all that. You know how that stuff goes. <laughs> I've listened to episode one through five so far, and I'm a couple of hours into listening to episode 50. All right. I came across the Broken Token podcast when I was looking for information for the Louisville Arcade Expo, and one of the co and one of my co-hosts of my Bally Astro uh, my Bal- my Bally Alley Astrocast podcast, which focuses on the Bally Arcade Astrocade console from 1978. I, I did not know that, so I wanted to look this look this up. I've heard of it. Okay, I- I've never seen it. Okay. I'm pretty sure, like in Gorf and Wizard of War, yeah. they call that hardware platform the a- 
the Astrocade. Okay. So it must be related. Okay, fair enough. I learned something here today. Um, lives in the Louisville, the, the, uh, the Louisville area, and he invited me to come out to the show so that we could meet up for the first time. That sounded good to me when I started looking uh, about uh, when I started looking around about arcade related stuff in the area. Your your podcast popped right up. I'll get this out here in a second. The, the problem is I'm reading through my microphone screen, so I, I apologize for that. And Whitney, we've we run a little long. Yeah, and it's we're a little tired. Yeah, it's all good. But but no, he, bear with he, us. Yeah, he gets he gets to the crux of this. Yeah, he goes, yeah. the, the specific reason I'm writing you both is because you're talking about the possibility of Yahoo Groups closing down in episode fifty. It's a semi-scary thought for me because I started a Yahoo group called Bally Alley back in 2001. If you're interested, here's a link. He said the group has over 14,000 messages and many files. And Whitney mentioned that he wanted to go back uh, to go back these files up um, in the uh, I, in the data IO Yahoo group. He said the easiest way to do that is a program called PG Offline. It's basically an offline news group reader that's tailored for Yahoo groups. He says I've been using it for many years and I've archived all the Bally Alley Yahoo messages with it. I've not used it to download the files, but I know it's capable of doing that. You can download PG offline from here and we'll have a link in the show notes. Uh, also, thanks for the tip uh, on the refurbished computers from Tiger Direct. So Brent, that's a nod mm-hmm. to you. I'll have to look uh, into that into that for a second machine I want to set up. So yeah, definitely. Uh, go ahead, Whitney. No, I was going to say I said I was going to paraphrase the email, and I read the whole and I read the whole thing. <laughs> well, there's a lot so of good sorry. stuff in there. Sorry, sorry about that, but there was a lot of good stuff in there. So yeah, you're going to have to pull down the Yahoo News Group and then keep it so that it, one of these yes. days I don't see getting uh, to the point and any clearance down the road of yeah. getting rid of my data IO. Yeah. So as I, as those other projects come off the bottom of the of the the pile, we'll, so to speak, we'll have to revisit. Eventually, that. I'll get to it. Yeah, because I. That'll be a tool that I, I'll, when I get it set up, I'll, I'll look at it and I'll say, why did I not do this? Yeah. Why, or why yeah. didn't I do this five years ago? Yeah, yeah exactly. Definitely check out refurbished computers from Tiger Direct. If anyone's looking for something out there to run, I mean, any more, the, the, a refurbished computer is probably a, that and a, a good size hard drive. It'd probably even be a good multimedia computer mm-hmm. behind a TV. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for the power. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And they're inexpensive. Yeah. So. All right. Good stuff. Jim Hale, I'm looking to make a MAME with a tube television, but I have a conundrum. Whether to mount the TV vertical or horizontal, which would be better? Then I started thinking it all depends on how many good games are vertical and how many are horizontal. So I pose the questions to you, the experts. Apparently, he misaddressed this. <laughs> Went to the wrong people, didn't Yes. He? That's okay. If I were to get three a 301 main board, how should I mount the monitor TV, horizontal or vertical? Thanks and take care, Jim. So, do you have an opinion? I do. Uh, so, my, and I'll keep this short, my opinion on this is that um, you're, you're going to make a concession either way, okay? Yep. And so, uh, ultimately, you, in my mind, you should do one of two things. You should truly build two, okay? Have one dedicated I for... Did, I didn't see that coming. Okay. And seriously, have one dedicated for, for horizontal, one dedicated for vertical. Um, there is also a forum on the internet called Build Your Own, Build Your Own Arcade Controls, BYOAC, and they have some plans on that site for, uh, for building a rig where you could, you could rotate the chassis mm-hmm. if you wanted to inside the cabinet, and I've seen that done as well. So, yeah, I've the, seen, so, I think even some cabs have like 
the entire monitor mount rotates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and, so, and it can even be done. I've seen, uh, I've seen some folks on on the Claw Forum. Even uh, I think uh, the guy's name is uh, is Griffin. He lives out on the West Coast. He has a video on his YouTube channel where he even wired it up to based upon the game you select in the front end. It auto rotates the it auto rotates the monitor based upon the game mm-hmm. you choose. So for for me, I, I I don't feel my opinion is don't make a decision excluding one. Find a way to accommodate both, and then then you'll have the scenario that you're you'll you'll have the game machine that you're after. So here's my opinion. Yeah, uh, Jim, I know you've got a, a a fairly decent sized game room. I don't know how much total space you've got, and I'm guessing you're wanting a main cabinet. And if you're going to go with the three one of like the 301 pre made boards, just to, which honestly that's probably what I would do just mm-hmm. to simplify the setup time. Yeah, that'd be a direction to go. If it was me, I would go vertical. Okay, and the reason being is is that the majority of the games that I think I would play would be vertical. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get the packs. I really like Frogger. Mm-hmm. You get uh, a the, Burger other than ta- Burger, Burger Time, Time Cuber, You get other yeah. than Popeye. You get a lot of your classic Nintendos. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the Bally Midway stuff. Gorf, Centipede. Yeah. Now, of course, you do miss out on pretty much anything Williams. Yes, because they're almost all vertical, horizontal, uh, horizontal rather. Yeah. Yes, thank you. Um, but. Like I said, you miss out on Berserk. There's a lot of titles you do miss out on, but I think I would go vertical and just kind of back myself back into the classics. I mean, I've got a Neo Geo down here with some of the, that's the most modern thing I've got. And there's some fighters in uh, Metal Slug. I I don't ever play those unless I'm playing them with my nephew. You know, that's my personal preference. Now, if you do go vertical, um, Make sure, you know, you may want to pick yourself up like a degaussing coil or something, because I bet if you take a television, a standard box TV, yeah. and you rotate it 90 degrees, that you're going to have to end up degaussing that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't. But other it. than that, yeah, personally, I, I think I would go vertical. I can just imagine more stuff I'd want to play on a vertical monitor. Yeah, yeah, I, I can I can appreciate that. I think though, if you if you if you are going to go to the trouble, you're going to find yourself wanting to play some horizontal games. I mean, especially you know, good Williams games like Robotron, all the versus, Defender. All the versus games are going to be horizontal. All, yeah, all the versus games are going to be horizontal. That's exactly right. Um, well, Robotron Defender, you start getting into needing all kinds of wild control combinations. Yeah, yeah. you don't necessarily need that with the Nintendo stuff. Yeah. I don't know. I think you could get away with a lot of fun games on a vertical monitor with a single stick and a few buttons, uh, a couple buttons. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. I guess it really depends upon how, how detailed do you want to be and how much of an all in one type of solution do you want it to be as well? Mm -hmm. So anyway, Jim, hopefully that helps you out. Uh, I took you down one road. Brent took you down another. Both of them were painful. But uh, (laughs) so, but you know, you ask and there it is. So, uh, anyway, Facebook. Uh, we've got quite a bit of, of Facebook feedback, and so first one comes from uh, from Peter K. And I, I think Peter is uh, one of our overseas listeners, and he contributes quite a bit, both uh, on Facebook and and on Twitter, Brent. So uh, he did have a point of correction uh, from something that we talked about, I think, in in the last show, in uh, episode 50, 50 or fifty one. He mentioned about leaving reviews at iTunes, and this is something that I was talking about. He said, you don't actually need iTunes to leave a review. I use the Apple Podcaster app in my iPhone to listen, and I found that I, could, that I couldn't leave a review in the My Podcast view, but... 
if you press the search button and search for a, a particular podcast, and he mentioned us, he said, uh, select, and if you select the podcast, it states that you're subscribing, and here you can leave a review. No need to install that horrible program called iTunes on your PC to leave reviews. My, my print screen is in Swedish, but I hope you get the idea anyway. And so, yeah, I definitely do. So, Peter, thank you for that. And I, I remember this, Brent, because I had mentioned that uh, in order for us to go back and read the reviews, I, I do it all through iTunes. And, mm-hmm. and I, I feel like I probably just made the wrong generalization that p- other people would need iTunes as well. And I will agree with him. iTunes is a horrible piece of software. So, <laughs> anyway, there it is. <laughs> Why don't you go and catch the next one? Because I'm looking for another bit of feedback oh, okay. I wanted to tie into a later one. Yeah, gotcha. And so listener Eric Stinson, and Eric is one of the newly uh, christened hosts of the Arcade Repair Tips podcast uh, down in Texas. And Eric uh, writes, he says, hey, that's right. We listened to all six and a half hours of episode 50 on the way back from Florida. Thanks for keeping us company, Brent and Whitney. Can I put a bid in on the clown? And I'm <laughs> that like, clown's yeah, not going I'm anywhere. like, you can have the dang clown. So have, have at it. So, but Eric, no, thank you guys. Uh, thank you for the shout out on your show, your, one of your recent episodes as well. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, we're loving, uh, loving having you in the, uh, in the flock of the podcasting hosts, man. So uh, we hope you enjoy your, your stint on arcade repair tips as well keep going i'm still i saw this earlier today okay i am not having any success oh okay no no worries no worries um what what was it about it was uh well eric's picture is a picture of his uh i guess his nav system or whatever touchscreen in his car where it's switched over to the radio and it's showing the podcast yeah we had another listener send us a very similar picture and then it was really funny because he just happened to pull into a parking spot and it was numbered the same as the episode. Oh, and I'm just, I, I was trying to go back and, oh, and find gotcha. his name. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. So the, the next uh, group of feedback here, Brent, and this, this, <laughs> I just this saw, is, I'm going to go back to looking, but I just saw that. Yeah. Ahead, ahead. Yeah. No, this is good stuff. And, and this, this is getting us to the, to the, to the close to the end of the show. So the, the, the humor here is always appreciated. So on Twitter, and Twitter was rolling this month. Uh, so uh, Vertvic, of course, our, our friend, uh, our friend Victor from the Ten Pence Arcade Podcast, he says, "What exactly is a nippet anyway?" He goes, "I must have missed that bit." <laughs> he goes, "I do like the male birds though." And I will say this: the male birds were pretty daggone awesome. They they were funny, man. Very very funny. And uh, here it is, Daryl Decker. Oh, Daryl Decker. Yes, okay. Darryl. Just listen to episode fifty two. Uh, he says I have to watch Explorers, so that came up. That if that was fifty two, uh-huh. that was at Expo. That was that, at Expo. That had to have been part of Jim Hale's questioning to me about oh, shows. Yeah, gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay. Yeah, and this is he actually has a picture of his in dash. Oh, uh, nice uh, display system, and yeah, he happened to be pulled right into uh, parking slot fifty-two. Oh, it worked out. Well, man, well, thank you for listening to the show, sir. We certainly appreciate it. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, Victor, Victor was asking about the uh, was asking about the nip it there, Brent, and I said it's an EM pin that Brent's been after for a while. Our start it all started with the Bingo podcast taking on a life of its own. And uh, he goes on to say, he goes, yeah, I Googled it. It's cute. He says, it's from the cute. best year ever. And uh, even Nicholas Balders timed in. Nick Bald- Balders timed in and said, yeah. Um, he says, keep the gator away from the birds. It's the biggest thing. He says, 
<laughs> Nippet has a great gimmick. Uh, Gator grabs the ball. So anyway, man, um, yeah, it's Nippet seems to get a lot of love, man. And uh, I think I've got something here later on down in the feedback where there's actually somebody actually uh, tweeted a uh, a Craigslist link for one for you, Brent. So we'll we'll work our way down to that and, and get there. So you know, if I'd been better prepared, I'd have had the birds ready to go. But, yeah, that's all. It's, uh, it's all I'm not, good. I'm not letting them out again. I mean, <laughs> do you know how hard it is to get that bird poop yeah, out of this carpet? It, it is, man. It, it's tough. Um, next one here, listener Daniel Quinn. He says, uh, Pat the NES Punk, and and Pat was the author of uh, Pat. It's Pat Conti. Uh, is the author of the NES book that I was talking about in the last studio episode. And uh, Daniel says, listening to the Broken Token podcast, they just gave a glowing review to a certain NES guidebook, good stuff. So, uh, so we'll, we'll leave that. We'll leave that one there. So Daniel, thank you very much. And, uh, yes, that was an awesome book. So it's all, it's, it's great to see people listening, Brent, and talking about what we're talking about and bringing other people into the conversation and pulling other people in and, and stuff like that. So it's, it's neat. So this next one's from Peter Kman, Sweden. Mm-hmm. And it says that broken token, use one of these before judgment question mark. This looks familiar. Is this You've ordered these, right? Yeah, no, and I've I've installed these on my Nintendo games, so they they work they work very very well. I feel anyway. Um, so my thoughts on this are that uh, this is a great solution. Uh, it definitely keeps you from having to get uh, around the back of the game as often. The only thing, Brent, that I that I'm I'm a little hesitant on on continuing the use of these right now, and I probably will still is that there's a running thread on Clove about how uh, about a what appears to be a very good potential solution for solving the quote unquote Nintendo hum, okay? In the in the woo 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 sound that that What's uh, that again? Woo 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 sound that that Nintendo cabinets tend to make either at a very low volume or at a very high volume. Uh, depending upon the condition of a couple components on huh. uh, on on the So you can't clear that you can't clean that up with in the amp. I mean that's just kind of well, actually, by swapping a couple parts on the amp, you can clean it up in the okay. amp. The question is because these, because this board uh, remote mounts the pots so far away from the amp board itself, as to whether or not the amount of, of wire is is adding. It's to, an antenna. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. Is adding to the problem. I thought there was something. I need to look back into this. It seems like that there was something silly about a ground that was shared between. Yeah, and the, a ground loop, and you could isolate the ground yeah, by the, cutting a trace by cutting and, a trace and there it, there was discussion around that but that discussion has that discussion is modernized a bit and has matured a bit okay mm-hmm. and uh I, i'll unlike I'll, me well and unlike myself as well but uh peter and i went back and forth on twitter about that and i clued him into the or you know shot him the link and let him take a look at that and he responded back and we actually wound up having a fairly detailed discussion about this on twitter but um still i at this point i'm still high on the boards i just need to do a little bit more research and enact the fix on one of my sound amps and see if this uh still see if this still contributes to any part of the problem so anyway that's what that that's that's that on the uh, on the sanyo remote adapter boards and they're sold from uh from uh tri- from twisty, twisty wrist is what they're sold from. So uh, the, the quality on the boards is excellent. I think this is just a physics issue as to whether or not the amount of wire that it takes to do the remote mount, again, uh, lends to some of that attenuation. So 
We'll see. So does the wire come with the kit? It does. Yeah. I'm, I'm no electrical engineer, so please don't hate on me, but I would think that if you sh- use a shielded wire and grounded the shield, it that would it, help. That it would help. Yeah. Yes. But, yeah. And it's... Un- it's, it's but it ha- how far do you go creating problems just to fix them? Yeah. And that's the question. I, I, I don't know. But it, here's the thing. We've got a path to try for mm-hmm. a resolution. Just, it's just going to take the time to do it. So looks like Daniel Copeland hit you up. Yes, he did. And he said, uh, Hey, Whitney, make sure to bring lots of shirts, lots of t shirts to SFG. I love those things. And I responded back. I said, uh, right on, sir. We will have you covered. And uh, Mike Martin, uh, he chimed in and said, uh, me too. The best shirt ever. I wore two today doing yard work. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I responded back and I said, hashtag makes me happy. Aww. So, yeah, it was that's good stuff. I love hearing that We need that to sell stuff, shirts, so. Whitney. We do. We need to shell for ourselves and, we, se- we, and shell we some do. shirts. We really say that do. fast. I can't. But I couldn't say right, it once. We slow. We do. So there's no doubt. It's been on my plate to do for a long time now, and I, I never forget about it. Uh, it's just it feels like there's always three other things sitting in front of it. If you see us at F- SFGE, come up to us. If you're looking for a shirt, we will have our Tubbo shirts with us. Yes. Uh, I know other shows, they actually sell quite a few, but um, just it's not worked out for us where it's been easy to put up a cart and do some shopping yeah. at, at it's, the point it, in time. It's, it's, it's been a time commitment thing yeah. is what it's been. Not, not that it's hard. It's just been a time commitment item. At, ideally, we can get... Th- we're going to, once we sell out our current run, which yes. we're probably not far from doing. We're, we're so not, not very far we're, from we're, doing. We've got another design in yeah. mind or a couple. So yeah. with, you know, with some additional colors too. Yes. Yes. Oh, I mean, our shirts are already for color, aren't they? Yeah, they, they are. But I'm talking the base color of the oh, shirt. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah, the yeah. Base color. Yeah. Instead that's, of just that's them all being requests. blue. Yeah. People see us. We usually wear a different color every day. Mm-hmm. And what we did is we we got several colors for us to just to sample the color. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of hard to to vary and without understanding what you're getting. Exactly. So the shirts that we we have for sale for the most part are the blues. Yeah, and and we we want to run through those and get those sold out, and then we're gonna then we're gonna step up our game a yep. bit. So yeah. Uh, where are we at here, Whitney? John Davies. Yeah, I thought this was interesting simply because of the historical reference. Um, he mentioned this about a show called Stranger Things 2, shooting location. Well, you know, I have heard. Now, have you watched Stranger Things? No, I, I know it's on Netflix. I don't know anything about it I outside don't, of that. I know it's uh, it, it's t- it takes place in the past, in the 80s. I okay. understand the references are very good. Okay. I have not heard one bad thing about it huh i hear nothing but phenomenal things about the show okay if you actually look back it might have been i don't think it was dragon con because dragon con's coming up but momo con or one of the other cons there in atlanta there's pictures of preston patrick and i believe shannon maybe one other person doing the cosplay contest and they were dressed as stranger things characters oh wow so that was out you know floating around on the webs this year gotcha I had heard that Stranger, the next season, or I guess Stranger Things 2, whatever you want to refer to it, had been green-lighted. Yeah. And apparently this is going to be one of their shooting locations. And I'd also heard, you, you may not know this, you may know this, a lot of things get produced, shot, filmed, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, in, in Georgia. Hmm. And I understand that they make their, you know, they make their the tax structure. The tax they, structure they, work out. They make it attractive for companies to come in and produce uh, movies and TV shows. Yeah, okay, gotcha. So 
there apparently is going to be an arcade because this says arcade game, skee ball, air hockey, pinball. Yeah, and it is very eighties in terms oh, of the color, is. the storefronts. Yeah, it just it just looked it just looked neat. I knew that it, that it had a reference to the show. Uh, so yeah, so John, th- thanks for that, man. I, I just, I don't know. The picture just kind of caught my eye and it just screamed eighties. Yeah. You know? This, so this almost looks awesome. like it's a retro picture, but it's too, too crisp. You can tell it was done with something modern, like yes. a, even a phone camera. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yep. So re- really neat stuff. Um, okay. So moving on listener, Sean O'Shea said, I found this at the Louisville Arcade Expo. The mammoth episode was episode 20 weighing in at six hours, 56 minutes and change. Uh, episode 20, welcome to my intervention, because I think we were saying episode 50 was our longest episode and Sean, uh, he took it upon himself and he ferreted this out and he proved us wrong. I'm mad. We didn't go for the extra four minutes. Yeah, me too. Me too. We were slackers. And uh, I did respond back to Sean and thanked him. I said, yep, this longest show we've ever done. I was hoping we set a record, but instead we just, we were just out droned by ourselves. <laughs> so, you know, there, there, there we are. So, um, yeah, yeah, it's, I, I was, I was bummed. I thought we'd hit a record, but apparently, uh, way, way back in the day we did a record. <laughs> so anyway, I see this note. It looks like trackballer. Oh, you skipped one. Oh, did I go? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's a good from K, Peter K. Man, Sweden. It's a good morning when there's a new episode of at Broken Token. <laughs> awesome. Well, we'll have another one here very, very soon, sir, Peter. So, yeah, I'm on the way. Trackballer. Uh, this is the San, This is the Craigslist, and it's San yes, Antonio. San Antonio, dude. And look at the money on that thing. Can you believe that? Three thousand oh, dollars for that's a way. nippet. Now, the the interesting thing is, is that. There was, I can't recall who sent it to me. It may have actually been Nick, Nick Baldridge. There was a Nippet up in the New England area, yeah. and it would have been a little bit of a haul for the O'Shea's, but definitely doable. Mm-hmm. And it was like 300 bucks. Oh, wow. And it was beautiful. Wow. Was it, it as pretty as this one? Um I mean, this one from looks the picture, like it's in good, good yeah, shape. Yeah, it was in good shape. It was, okay. it was from the picture I remember. Yeah, it was in very good shape. Okay. And the thing about it is, is that the only people I know up in that area mm-hmm. were standing next to me in Louisville, Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> at the time, At the right? exact time at that was exact, available. At the exact time you needed them to go get something. Yeah. So, uh, well, you know, hey, that's how it goes. Um, so Vert Vic, uh, Victor again, he responds and he said, uh, hey, Sky Cursor guys and Broken Token, Far cursor sounds like a great sequel, meaning to uh, meaning to uh, <laughs> <laughs> to a sky cursor. So yeah, definitely funny. Sky stuff. cursor too. Yeah, sky the cursor too. Far two. cursor. The far cursor. So yeah, awesome. David Corgan. We did not mention that David sat down oh, with us at Little Arcade Expo. Didn't. You're exactly right. I'm gonna go back. Redo and put the that show. In the list. Redo the show. Yeah, we're going to, have to rewind this puppy. <laughs> so my goodness. So yeah, David sat down. Beep, he beep, is the beep, organizer beep. of the Grand Old Game Room. Grand Old Game Room Expo in Nashville. Yes. Uh, Friend of the show. David's a great guy. At Broken Token, good episodes. The caliber of the guests you got for the Saturday night show is impressive. Need a few more hours, though. (laughs) Okay, we'll have to take that into into consideration. So it's good feedback, though. We just need to, you know, Brent, as always, we just need to step up our game is what we need to do. So it looks like you uh, tweeted a picture of the Popeye monitor, and you made reference to, and so it begins getting ready to take uh, one for the team, uh, hashtag Skyskipper Project. Yep. And had, had a few people had a few people replied. Uh, one gentleman over in the UK, can't wait to see this in Manchester. Great picture. 
Uh, listener Ty Laurie said, underappreciated game. Too many converted to Donkey Kong by collectors, but this conversion I approve of. So uh, that's, yeah, it's, I actually got quite the, if you see that Brent, if you look at the bottom of that, that Scott, that uh, screen cap of, mm-hmm. of Popeye, I mean, 18 people piled onto it and that's just when I took the screen cap. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it did generate some, some good interest there. So I was, I was happy to see that. So it looked like you had a little back and forth. Uh, yes. Popeye is a great game. Uh, here's to hoping it gets the at Donkey Kong remix treatment next remixing sky skipper hmm yeah and donkey kong remix uh, jumped in said the whole sky skipper project is way cool as well it's awesome to see people do these things and uh alex responded and said thank you it's very exciting and they they responded uh responded in kind so yeah good stuff brent i mean i think we've uh, i think we've Man, dude, we've we've covered some ground this episode. I don't know what this one's going to weigh in at, but it's going to be fairly hefty as yeah, well. It'll come in all right. It, yeah, we'll, I think it'll be respectable. We'll do ourselves proud. We'll do ourselves proud. <laughs> exactly, we raised those kids right. <laughs> they were a good egg. They were a good egg. <laughs> all right, Brent. is that a callback to the chickens? It in, is in segment one. It, it is. It's callback to the chickens in segment one, man. So. <laughs> So with that, Brent, we've uh, we've covered off on the news. We've hit the uh, the arcade topic heavy. We've had Jimmy Litzy on. We've covered off on the highly topical console news. We didn't talk much pinball this no, this, we didn't. Uh, this episode at all. Oh, we but, let Ghostbusters lay. This, I, yeah. haven't, I haven't got to play. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't got to play, on. but I'm going to tell you, I've got a couple things that did not make it in time that will make it in for the next episode for sure. I hope to have... My fair share of new and exciting updates as well. Good, good. Stuff looking, in the Looking works. forward to it. Looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we'll have more to talk about on Skyskipper as well. So with that. Yeah, I think I with th- that, man, I'm ready for a cigar I, and a taco. I think we're ready for cigars and tacos all around, man. Before we make a run for the border and go grab those tacos, where can everybody find us at? Well, of course, as usual, we are on the wonderful Throwback Network at www.throwbacknetwork.net iTunes, please leave a review for us. Rate the podcast. It helps us get noticed and increases our reach. Stitcher Radio, Xbox Music, and the Google Play Store. Whitney, where are we on social media? Everywhere. I, I'm just going to leave it at there. I'll stop and just say everywhere. <laughs> How about that? No. Yahoo uh, News Groups. Yeah. Yes. We're on the Yahoo News Groups and uh, we're downloading ourselves as we speak. So, no. Uh, Facebook, uh, that'd be facebook.com slash broken token. Uh, we're on Twitter at broken token. And of course, our website, www.brokentoken.com. I think we can put a cap on this and call it one and done. Covered uh, a lot of topics this uh, this month, Brent. So I, I don't know what this is going to come in and weigh in at, but it's going to be a good one, dude. We'll bid everybody a good night. We thank you all for listening. I'll say keep your quarters clean and game on. Congratulations. You made it to the end of another episode of the Broken Token Podcast. I promise they'll do better next time. Maybe next episode, they'll actually listen to me for a change. Just go easy on the guys. They don't have a lot to work with, but I know their moms would be so proud. We want to hear your feedback, comments, rants, raves, and otherwise, both good and bad. Drop us a line via email at podcast at brokentoken.com. You can also call us at 470-2-CALL-BT. That's 470-222-5528. And leave us a voicemail. We'd love to hear from you, and we might play your message on air in the next episode. 
Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Broken Token and like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Broken Token. Britton and Whitney are always posting content between the official episodes and it's a great way to stay involved with the show between the shows. You can find our podcast on the iTunes store and on Stitcher Radio. Just search for Broken Token and subscribe to the show. Like what you hear? Please consider leaving us a review on the iTunes store and on our Stitcher Radio page as the reviews help out the show. Please visit our website at brokentoken.com for articles, reviews, restoration logs, direct show downloads, and expanded show notes for this and every episode. Once again, thanks for listening. The Broken Token Podcast would like to thank the only person on staff who has actual vocal talent, Miss Christy Litzy. And that's me. <laughs> Music for the Broken Token Podcast, graciously provided by Hacy Dixie. Head over to their website at www.hayseed-dixie.com for videos, tour dates, merchandise, and to purchase music. Okay, Brent, you ready to do this? Man, I guess, um, are you sure? Because you know how this went the last time. I'm shaking my head. I am giving it second thought, but nah, it's it's good, man. Go 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 ahead and go for it. Okay. The Broken Token Classic Arcade Pinball Pot. Nope, hold on. All right, I'll do it again. I'll do it again. It's fine. I don't know, man. <laughs> this is touchy because I, me and you. Okay. I've got faith in you. You can you can do it. Okay. The Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast would like to congratulate Spooky Pinball on the announcement of their latest title, Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper? It wasn't, wasn't she the waitress from that 70s and 80s TV show, Alice? My goodness, Brent. I can't believe this. No, Brent. That was Alice Hyatt. She was played by Linda Lavin. I can get you Wikipedia if you want to go look it up. Oh, okay. Okay. That makes sense. I know we're seeing a lot of these TV-based games and the like, and I really kind of thought Alice was a bridge too far. I mean, I really liked the show, but I was like, Alice is a pinball game? Uh, oh, but you know, hey, dude, you know what would be really cool? What's that? A game featuring that robot made from the Jetsons. Oh, you know, she was the glue that held that whole show together. It was all about her. Not that the Jetsons would be a good overall theme. I mean, just I can't imagine making that into a pinball game. Uh, Brent, but, what? Hold up, Brent. Hold up. Just back up for a second. You're talking. You're talking about Rosie. Uh, Alice was the name of the housekeeper on the Brady Bunch. Rosie was the robot on the Jetsons. Now, I, you look, got, you got to keep your facts straight. Now, here. there is a theme for a game: the Brady Bunch. You can play as mom and dad. You collect the kids. You got to keep Cindy out of trouble because you know everybody knows that Cindy was really true evil. I mean, evil incarnate, right? Brent, what, what, what on, what on the God's green earth are you talking about, I, man? I'm talking about Alice Chalmers that. Game Spooky is doing. Brent, whoa, 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 whoa Brent. It, Alice Chalmers is a tractor, dude. It's not even spelled the same. <sighs> I, I, I don't know. No, don't do it. Don't do it. Brent, just, just drink the smoothie. Calm down. Brent, yoga breaths. Take yoga breaths. Dude, just sit there and drink the smoothie, okay? All right. So, anyway, we're going to end this now. Feed 
the Broken Token Classic Arcade and Pinball Podcast would like to congratulate Spooky Pinball on the announcement of their new game, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. Check out their site at www.spookypinball.com for the latest news on the game, as well as the Spooky Pinball Podcast. We wish the best to Charlie, KT, Bug, Squirrel, and the entire Spooky crew. Are you happy? <laughs> Beyond belief. I sound so. just as weird this month as I sounded last month, so. Is it the show or is it Scott Bakula? He- Until we get to Puddles the Clown. I was going to postpone the reboot for the virus scan update, and I said 24 hours, and then instead of clicking postpone, I click reboot now. No, yeah. something is wrong. Yeah. Yeah. You need to figure out how to turn dials back a little bit. <laughs> That's exactly right. Tap the brakes. Yeah.